It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, May 15, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani, back inside our New York City studio, back from the Big D, back from UFC 211. What a fun trip it was. I must say, fans in Dallas, fans who were in Dallas for UFC 211, I was left impressed. Great people there. Passionate, knowledgeable, welcoming. I really appreciate all the uh, nice comments. A lot of great people we met over there and uh, it really warmed my heart. So thank you very much to Dallas. And as you know, by now it was a very fun card to cover. It was a very fun card to watch. It was the best fight card on paper going into Saturday night. And I think it's safe to say it's the best fight card of the year thus far. And we started the week with 14 fights. We ended up with 12, but luckily none of the massive ones. We did lose a pay-per-view fight, and we'll talk about that a little later on in the show. But by now, you know that Stipe Miocic successfully defended his heavyweight title. He knocked out Junior Dos Santos in the first round. He now ties the record for most successful consecutive heavyweight title defenses. It's just two. And I feel like he's en route to smashing that record. I mean, who's going to stop this guy at this point? He's looking very good. And if you look at the people who he has defeated, even before fighting for the belt, I think Stipe's in that conversation. He is in that conversation for one of the best of all time. Can't call him the greatest ever just yet. It's a little premature, but one of the best of all time. And and, and I thought that his post-fight press conference was illuminating. It was fascinating. He's starting to open up. I have a lot of thoughts about Stipe Miocic, and we'll get to those later on in the show. Also, of course, Ioanni on Jacek. She successfully defends her strawweight title for the fifth time, one away from tying Ronda Rousey's record for women's MMA. And once again, it was a masterclass. She skunks Jessica Andrade. She is the best there is right now in, in women's MMA. And again, um, very strong case to be made for one of the best ever already. She is amazingly impressive. We'll be talking to her in a matter of seconds. Um, also, you know that Frankie Edgar defeated Yair Rodriguez. You know that Damian Maya defeated Jorge Masvidal. We assume he is going to get a title shot next. Uh, David Branch was successful in his return to the UFC. And of course, the Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier fight ended in some controversy. We'll be talking about that fight as well. There is a lot to discuss on today's show, as is usually the case after a pay-per-view. We have a stacked program for you. Can't wait to get into it. We'll be talking about 211 throughout. There's a lot going on outside of 211. Very, very busy week in the world of MMA as far as news is concerned last week. So let's get right to it. Um, Let me run down the lineup. And then we'll get to our first guest of the day. And it's apropos to start the show with her. Um, At 4.15, we'll be joined by Cleveland Cavaliers point guard. How about this? Darren Williams will stop by. Why is he on the show? Well, he actually owns a gym, an MMA gym in Dallas. And I went there. It's called Fortis MMA. He is a co-owner there with a longtime MMA coach and a former fighter named Saif Saud. And uh, it is a beautiful facility. I had the pleasure of visiting it. One of their fighters competed on the card on Saturday, Rashad Coulter. And he's a big MMA fan. He's actually um, a former high school wrestler, state champion, and he's in the NBA playoffs. So I thought that would be very fun. So that's 415. Cavs point guard, Darren Williams. Can't wait for that. 355, Henry Cejudo will stop by to talk about pulling out of 211 on just, you know, day's notice. I mean, just 72 hours before the event, he had to pull out due to a hand injury. Talk to him about that. 
305, we'll talk to Herb Dean about the controversy surrounding the Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier fight. Can't wait for that. Michael Chiesa will stop by at 245 to talk about the incident with Kevin Lee at Friday's summer kickoff press conference. That should be fun. At 225, we'll talk to Joanne Calderwood. She's back. JoJo's back. You wanted to see her back. She is back. She's fighting Cynthia Calvillo in Scotland in July. Rory McDonald finally makes his Bellator debut on Friday. He'll stop by at 2.05, talk about the fight against Paul Daly. 145, we'll talk to Tyron Woodley about Damian Maya's win, what he thought of it, and if he is next for T-Wood. And then at 125, we'll talk to Francis Ngannou about the heavyweight division, his move to Las Vegas, and a whole lot more. But first, there was only one appropriate way to start off today's show, and I'm so happy that she is on the program, that she is giving us a little more of her time as she settles down after her big win at UFC 211, the one and only Joanna Jacek, the reigning defending UFC strawweight champion, is going to join us in a matter of seconds. And I know what is on a lot of your minds, the question and what was going on there. And if I will repent and if I am truly a horrible human being and why did I ask such a question about a coach to an MMA fighter, we will address all of that and a whole lot more. And what a great night it was for Joanna Jacek. She breaks her record for significant strikes in a fight that's a male or female record. And as I mentioned, one away from tying Ronda Rousey's title defense record. She joins us now on the phone. Joanna, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Well, thank you so Hi much guys, for joining us, Joanna. I really appreciate it. And as I mentioned, I think uh, you weren't on yet. Uh, there was only one way that I wanted to start today's show. Uh, I wanted to start it with you. It's apropos. You were so um, you were so dominant on Saturday. You looked so good. Congratulations on the win. But of course, a lot of people are giving thank me you. crap for, for making you cry. So I just want to say right off the top, oh, I am sorry for why, making you cry. That's why I said... That's why, no, 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 it's not your fault that I, I like you so much and it's always a pleasure to me to talk to you. I think you are like one of the best, one, one of the best in this business. So Thank you. it's very nice to talk to you. But the thing is like, it was very personal. So I hope that that's why I said to my assistant, please contact Ariel and said it's not, not his fault. And I'm more than happy to welcome uh, on his show Thank on you. Monday. So here we go. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you is, said that, Joanna, because everyone has been making uh, me feel like a horrible no, person. How dare I? Okay. No, you are, you are such a good person and I, and <laughs> I respect you Thank so you. much. Same and here. I like you, but the thing is, it, it's very personal, you know, this is, uh, I went through so many difficult moments in this sport for so many years. I've been in this business for 14 years. And like I said, I met so many people. So what I always do in my life, it's all all about the relationship. This is what I said at the press conference. And finally, I found a good gym, good coaches, the best people in the business. Uh, single of them, they are like masters of, of everything. Mike, Mike is like, he's... He's amazing, like grappler, uh, complete MMA. Kami is perfect wrestler, uh, good wrestling coach. Katel is like amazing striking coach. There is Daya who is doing boxing, field strength conditioning. And the thing is, like, it's not it's not just about the work, but they take they really take care of me. You know, they they are with me all the time. They 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 ask me how I feel uh, after the training, before every training. We hang out together very often, and and that's the thing. So. I heard about Kami leaving our team and I was not happy, but I heard about that like a few days before the fight, but it was not time to think about. 
Uh, I didn't want to get crazy because, like I said, he's such an important person in my team. But we are more like a family clan as well, you know. It's mm -hmm. not just about the money. Of course, it's it's all about putting on great performance, on great fights. But uh, at the end, it's all about the relationship. And that's why I got so sad because <laughs> this day came, you know. But the thing is... Uh, I don't know, like I said, uh, I want to sit and talk with Dan Lambert, I want to sit and talk with Kami, with my coaches, and we're going to make decision if uh, if there's going to be an op if there is going to be an option to work with Kami, even he is not he's not going to be part of ATT anymore. I would like to uh, do that. If not, then we will have to find uh, some other way to to learn, you know, because it's amazing how he changed my uh, wrestling. Uh, how he changed my takedowns defense, you know, because you could see that in in my last fight, you know. Yeah, no, so and that's and the thing. I really like to work with him, and I think like he's such a good person, you know. He's like master of wrestling, but he's he's my master, but he's like such a good spirit, you know. Uh, Kami is like a like a doctor, you know. His mental uh, support is such an amazing, and this is what I like about that, you know. Before the fight, he said that I'm a lion, and in this fight, I felt like a like a lion, and and uh, I felt like because of him and Mikey and Katel and my whole team, I became better, better athlete, better person, and there is lots of new things coming, and I'm looking forward to work more with them. So if, if you're watching the show right now, um, a lot of people may not know who Kami Barzini is, but if you're watching, we're showing a picture of, of him standing next to you. He's on the camera, right? He's not someone who seeks a lot of media yeah. attention, does a lot of interviews. And so maybe some fans were surprised that you had this reaction to the news of him leaving. Did he personally tell you, like, did you guys talk about it beforehand or did you not want to do that because you knew that it would bother you before no, the fight? No, we didn't, we didn't talk about, like, we didn't talk about And Kami is this person who, like, who who wants fighters to be focused on their job, on good, uh, like a mental rest, like a good performance. So we didn't talk about them. But, the, the, you know, it was coming, you know, and it happened at the press conference. But then we went to the room, just me and Kami, we, we talked a little bit and it was amazing. So I'm really looking forward to work more with him because, you know, what's funny, like I met, because I, I like Robbie so much. Mm. Uh, okay, he, he lost to Tyron Woodley, who I like so much as well, but I like Robbie's style so much. And I met Robbie and, and Kami so many times at the UFC uh, venues. And, and so many times he said, like, one day you, you should move to ATT, one day you should move to ATT. But time I didn't think of moving to the United States. But at the end, look, I ended up working with him. I ended up at ATT. And this is amazing, you know, because he felt that, like, like good people connect to good people with good people and this is what happened with us maybe i'm i'm the baddest chicken on the planet uh, chick on the planet maybe i'm the bad, uh, the baddest woman in the octagon but definitely i'm very emotional you know and mm. i believe in people so badly and i love uh, when people treat me the same way you know are you are you it's hopeful? It's not just about the money. Yeah, of course. And, and are you hopeful that even though he is no longer with ATT, that you'll still be able to have him in your corner for your upcoming fights? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, I believe. Okay. I believe he's such an amazing person, and, and it will happen. Is is a part of the reason why you were emotional because you finally felt comfortable at ATT? Like you made a big move. A lot of people don't see this in in, in sports. Like you're a, a dominant <laughs> champion, yes. and then you leave your country, <gasps> your team, and now you Man, finally feel like you yeah. have something, right? 
Yes, like I said, like um, my 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 fight before uh, the UFC 205, we didn't have enough time, and people were like, "Oh, Joanna changed her team, her coaches. She doesn't do well." But the thing is, like, you need time, you know. And and this is what happened this fight. We put on such a great camp, great performance, on good fight, and people can see that, uh, you know, that we are we are. We are doing great, very great, you know, and it was good decision, the best decision in my fighting career. Um, I asked you before the fight, Joanna, if Jessica Andrade is your toughest opponent, and you said, ask me that question after the fight, which makes sense. So now yes. I ask you after the fight, was and she I your was toughest? Thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about, uh, she was tough, definitely she was tough, but I don't know, I put on such a great camp, you know, like this is what I said, I was injured a little bit. I had good and bad moments like every every person, but I train very hard. And this is what I always say, like, guys, train hard and leave the excuses outside the gym, outside the octagon. Just go and, and do your job and enjoy the process, you know. And I don't know what to say. I, I think I had tougher opponents, uh, but definitely... Jessica was a big challenge to me in my in our last fight, but I think I faced better opponents. But maybe it's because of me, the hard work and the new team. Because like I, like I, like I, we put on such a great work. So maybe I I got just better. You could see me moving. You, you could see me moving better. You know, my footwork was better. My yeah. my my diamond, my strength, my power, my my punches were more powerful dynamics so that that's the thing you know we put on such a great camp so maybe that's why jessica couldn't uh, couldn't couldn't do like anything you know um i i had heard that you you injured your back during this training camp and uh i was wondering yeah. if you ever seriously considered pulling out of the fight was it ever that bad uh there was no option but you know the injury was was not not a big injury and you know what happened i brought my physical therapist for last three weeks of the camp and for the fight week, so he spent he he, he spent it with me four weeks. But the thing is, this happened three day, three days before he came to the United States, and I was just waiting for he for him to come, you know, uh, because I booked his flight, uh, you know, like a month before it happened. But the thing is, I had like a. A small back injury. It was nothing big, but it could get, get worse. Uh, but he helped me, and and that's the thing. Michelle from Perfect Natis, he's and doctor. She took she took a good care of me. Then Camille, my PT guy, they helped me. But there was an option that that I I was uh, about to uh, uh, pulling out of the fight. But the thing is, one day I couldn't just get out of my bed you know I wow. couldn't walk I was lying on my bed crying all day because every move was so painful but I was like I'm going for training and Paulina was just, just what you are not going you're staying here you cannot even move you know so I took like two days off and my coaches they show me big support that time and then we we started slowly but you know it was very painful for for a few days even few weeks but but it's good you know how is it now after the it's fight good. how's it feeling oh it, it's very good it's very good like i said it was like nothing big but very painful okay and so after the fight i will fly back home and of course i will put on such a great work with my physical therapists uh, and and we're gonna check it one more time to to not let it happen but uh, now i know that camille must be with me for the whole camp and it will be pleasure to me to work one more time with him and, and the other crew you know 
how's your head feeling? My head is very good. Few bruises. I'm you had the, the big bump. Right now with I have I have sunglasses on. Now I don't have big bump <laughs> okay. on my forehead. I have just uh, you know blue eye a little bit. My nose is swollen because the bruise, the bump from the for. Uh, forehead is going down okay it's always like this like i feel like i need four more days and i'm going to be fine and you know early on in your ufc yeah. career you were breaking your hands a lot but you're not you're not breaking them anymore what what changed are you doing uh, something you, different are you wrapping them Yes, my weight cut is different, you know. Ah. My weight cut is different, and I think it was because of the weight cut. One of the reasons could be the weight cut, uh, but since I work with the perfecting athletes, it's amazing. I feel great. You can see that my body changed, you know. I'm yes. more muscular, I feel healthy, I feel strong, and, and that's the thing. So it's amazing. I feel I feel great. I feel amazing. You, you didn't want to talk um, a lot about the future. I understand that before the fight, but speaking of the weight cut, when do you think realistically that you will try to fight for the flyweight title? What's your plan? Oh, I don't know. For, for, for sure, this year I want to be focused on my strawweight belt. So we will see. I know that there is the 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 ultimate fighter coming with the 125ers. So we will see. It's gonna take a while, probably like uh, from six to twelve months. So probably next year, next year I will fight for the second belt. Have you started to surprise yourself, Joanna? Like when you were starting out. Um, as a fighter, when you dreamed of becoming a fighter, when you dreamed of becoming a UFC fighter and a champion, I'm sure you had a vision of what kind of fighter you would become. But you're at the point now where people yeah. are starting to say that you're the best fighter regardless of gender, that you're the pound for pound best. You're getting praise from your fellow fighters. Are you surprising yourself with just how good you just skunked someone who, who some people were picking against you? Some people were saying that Jessica was going to beat you and you beat her five rounds to none. Do you yeah. surprise yourself at this <laughs> point at how good of a fighter you've become? Uh, yes and not but you know the work is in the gym uh, so many weeks before the fight and this is the fight you know this is cherry on the top of the of the berg, of the of the cake the fight is like the cherry you know mm -hmm. so the, the the hard work is before so i make sure i every camp i make sure every day i make sure i will be ready for everything for anything and everything you know in the fight uh, no surprises uh, for me you know what is it like when you of see course, fighters? Of course, anything can happen, but yeah, yeah, I, I like to challenge myself every day, and I work very hard. This is what I said at the press conference. I'm not happy. Even the practice, the workout, the training was good. I had good session. I'm not happy, and my coaches are like, "Be proud of yourself." I am more instant than than outside, but I know that I'm afraid of losing. I'm a, uh, I I, I want to stay a champion. I ha I want to make my dreams and goals. Uh, come uh, make uh, make a life, you know, come true, and that's the thing. What's it like when you see so fighters say that you're the best? When you see your other fellow fighters say that you're the best, what's that <laughs> like for you? I I smile and I feel like a shame. How you say? No, <laughs> like I put myself in shame. How you say this? Like I get like a little uh, embarrassed. I'm shy, you know. Yeah. Embarrassed. Yeah. I I, I I'm getting shy, <laughs> but it's good to hear, you know. <laughs> I don't know, like people think that when you reach the 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 top level, when you become a champion, like it's easier or you can uh, you can rule the world. But no, you must stay humble, work hard and it's harder than before and stay patient about, you know, and this is who I am, you know. You seem to be a fighter. And I see that with every fight, I'm getting like more calm before every fight, before every weigh-ins, like... 
there are emotions, you know, yeah. big adrenaline, so many questions, if I did well, what is she going to do, this or that, but then I'm like, no, Kerr, be proud of yourself, you did good, yeah, you put on such a great work, uh, you strong, you fast, what, what can happen, you know, like nothing, you know, I'm I'm not afraid of, of that, you know, I know that God is with me all the time, so why I must be afraid of my opponents, they can, they can hurt me, I can lose the fight, but this is what I'm talking about. I'm trying to enjoy my life, uh, enjoying my life more than my fighting career, you know, because I know it's just part of my life. But I'm trying to give as much and get as much. Do, do you do you feel like you get same time. you get too nervous, like you don't enjoy the moment before the fight on on the Friday, the Saturday? It's there's so much pressure to remain champion and to no no. You don't, the thing is like. I was such a calm. I was such a calm. Even in the locker room, you're not going to feel like bad energy or or stress or pressure. I'm like, I'm going home. I'm going I'm going to show to all of them that there's only one strawweight champion. And I, I I just don't talk, you know. I prove to people that, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you... you, you... I beat my legacy with, with, every, with every fight, you know. Do you enjoy more when you have kind of like a, a friction, a beef with your opponent? Because you and Jessica have a good relationship and it wasn't the same kind of yeah. stare downs and stuff. So are you looking forward to maybe your next fight where you're not as friendly with your opponent? You know, I, I, I like people think that now I'm trying to build my brand and I became more quiet because I think that being bully is not... Uh, it's not value anymore, but it's mm. not true. It's all up to them how they want to play with me, you know. But I show, I prove that they cannot, like, F with me, you know. If they want to fight me, I will fight them, you know. Uh, if they want to, f- like, get into the me- mental game, I will get into the mental game with them and show to them that I'm the champion as well, you know. Because they cannot they cannot play with me, you know. So that's the thing. It's all about the fight. Uh, if they want, like, this is what, what I say, like, if they want to play harder, I let them do this. But they, they must know that I'm still going to do my job in the octagon and it's the most important, you know, right that at- I bring help. Yeah, right after your fight, um, they they cut to um, a shot of Rose sitting in the front row, and she did you see this picture of her not smiling at all? And I just, saw. <laughs> I saw. What did you think of I that? So you know, the thing is, the thing is, before before the last checkout, before I stepped into the octagon, I saw Holly Holm and someone else, and I was smiling to someone, and then. Uh, I saw Patrick Berry like doing some crazy faces, you know, I don't know if he was smiling or, or not. So I say sorry if I'm wrong, but he he, he showed his like teeth and like he was like, hee, hee, hee. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Who is that guy? You know, I said, like, oh, it's Patrick Berry. Then I saw Rose. I, I saw Holly Holm before because I respect that girl so much. And uh, but the things like, I said, like, what's going on? Why are you doing this before I step into the octagon? You know, I don't care if you are going to be my next opponent or your girlfriend is going to be my next opponent. Let's make it happen. But I don't care. You know, if you're gonna do crazy face or not, or you're gonna, or, or you're gonna talk shit, or you're gonna say now that. I will like face you in my next fight, you know, I don't care, Mm. you know, (laughs) I know my value, you know, I know who I am. So that's the, that's the thing. But then I saw this picture, but you know, like they all talk crazy things. They say crazy things, but till the first punch, you know, you can, even me, same with me, I can have the best plan before each fight, but it's it's till the first punch, till the first kick, till the first, uh, you know, shot or something. That that's the thing. 
It's like what Mike Tyson said. You ever hear that quote from Mike Tyson? Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face. Yes, yes, I heard that. I heard that. And this is true. It's kind of true. You you always think you have the best plan, but this is what I said. Every fight is different. There is no easy fights. So that that's the thing. That's the thing. What is your I'm pl- happy that I can put on I can put on great fights and fight for five rounds, have cardio for that, have strength, power, uh, be powerful from the first till the till seconds of the fight till the end. And that's the thing, you know, I can deal with it. I know how to deal with the championship rounds. That's why I'm still the champion. That, that's actually maybe what impresses me most about you, how you continue to get better as the fight goes on and your opponent fades away. It's an amazing thing to watch. Do you think, by the way, Ioana, that you're the best fighter in the world, regardless of gender, number one pound for pound? <laughs> <laughs> no, there are better fighters. You could say, come on. No, there are better fighters than me. Uh, of course, I, I'm the best in the world, but there are better people than me. All right, fair enough. And, and, and by the way, before I let you go, what kind of plans do you have for the future? Because now you signed with Paradigm. I know you're working with Brad Slater yes. at WME. Are we going to see you branch yes. off into movies and stuff now too? Uh, I don't know. I want to put on such a great world outside the, the, the gym and the octagon. Uh, uh, yes, it's a pleasure to me to work with uh, Paradigm, uh, with Brad's, Brad Smuggler, you know. He, uh, uh, The Rock, actually is a big fan of, of me and my violence uh, <laughs> in the octagon, and, and I like it. And the thing is, uh, I've got some offers, some nice offer two days ago, but oh. I must sit and talk to Paulina, to my assistant, because there is some news coming but maybe we're gonna put on great work but I want to fly to to Los Angeles maybe in in few weeks and talk to few agents of course I want to work a little bit on my uh, English my accent uh, because like I said I'm 100% in I want to work hard outside the octagon but the atmosphere in Dallas was crazy and I want to say thank you to all of the media people to the UFC uh, crew because they are amazing they are doing amazing job every single person from the back- backstage uh, through the PR uh, people and, and the other all of them uh, but the thing is like the media got changed you know the level of the interviews are higher mm. uh, Smart questions, and this is what I like about but the fans in Dallas. I saw so many people with the flags, with the banners, uh, so many Polish people, but also people from all over the world. They came like to support me and support other fighters, and it's amazing, you know. The show was packed, and and it was amazing, you know. So I'm very, I'm very happy. What kind of news, by the way, are you uh, are you hinting at? Can you give? Oh us- no, that that this is what the, 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 there is some option that I, I might be part of some, of some oh. TV, some small TV series or some movie, but I don't know the details. But uh, let's see. I don't know if, if it's going to be on or, or, or not, but definitely <laughs> it's a challenge to me, and I would like to try something different. When do you go back home? When do you go to Poland? Uh, I, I I will fly. I'm in Miami. I'm enjoying my uh, f- time with my fiance, my sister, her her husband, my cousin. My sponsors uh, are here. The Oshi team. Uh, so it's amazing. Today I probably I, I will meet with perfecting athletes. I want to see my coaches before I leave. But on Friday I fly to to Vegas for the UFC summit. I'm very excited oh. to see the other fighters, the other athletes. Uh, I want to talk with Dana a little bit with Sean Shelby and and just 
because I and then after that I will fly home. I want to see my parents, my little nephew, my sister, my best friends, and that's the thing. Well, I hope when you go home, whenever that time comes, that they give you the the hero's welcome that you deserve in Poland. I hope that they start covering you more and treating you with the the. I mean, you're, you're the you're the best Polish athlete living and breathing in the world today. So I hope they put on a parade for you for what you're doing in the <laughs> UFC. You. Is that in the works? Can Thank we get you. that happen? Can we make that happen? Oh yeah, that's cool. That could be great. That could be great. <laughs> All right. Well, Joanna, again, thank you so much for coming on, and, and thank, thank you, you for addressing oh, thank uh, you the so stuff. Much. I'm the, happy that we yeah we 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 had the chance to talk about and explain a little bit, but nothing personal. You know, I just got so emotional because you know it's all about the right relationship with people, and 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 to all of you, like remember, one day you can be a champion, you can be the rich richest person in the world, you can be the boss or the director or some big company, but remember, next day you can be like you can be at the at the at the beginning again you know so respect people and and it's all about the right relationship you know amazing well That's said joanna well said uh, enjoy the victory thank you thank you again for the time and we'll talk thank to you, you soon. so much all the best congratulations thank you bye take care <laughs> all right there she is the reigning defending ufc strawway champion joanna and jacek um what what can you say about her she is unbelievable i mean you talk about a role model you talk about someone that young women should look up to you just heard from her. She is unbelievable. And, and, and to all you people out there who tried to make me feel like I'm a horrible human being for asking a fighter about their coach, who I know means a lot to her, who I know, ask Mike Brown what Kami Barzini means to ATT and to his coaching career. Ask King Mo what Kami Barzini means. Ask, ask Robbie Lawler what Kami Barzini needs, means. Ask, ask Dustin Poirier what he means. Ask Ioanni on Jacek. And so I felt like, you know, this is someone that should be celebrated. This is someone that, you know, should be talked about. Not someone who does a lot of interviews, not someone who, you know, is, is looking for the spotlight, is, is looking for praise. That's not the case. But it says a lot when you have someone like Joanna, considering how great she is, considering what she did prior to joining ATT right before UFC 205. She's only worked with him and ATT for two camps. You see the reaction. That speaks volumes. That's something that should be celebrated. And it's great to hear that he's going to stick around, it sounds like, and still potentially coach her. All right. Um, so that was great stuff from Joanna and I really appreciate her coming on and uh, I really appreciate her uh, assistant from Perfecting Athletes, Paulina, for helping to set that up immediately after uh, her leaving the press conference. That made me feel a lot better because, you know, I do feel bad. I, I didn't want that. I didn't want her to walk out. I didn't want her to be in tears. She should be happy. She just won uh, in, in an amazing performance, five rounds to none. One, one judge had it, I think the, was it the fourth? I don't remember which round, but one judge gave her a 10-8, so actually had it 50 to 44, um, which is, you know, I mean, there were people, people I was sitting with, media members backstage before the fight picking Jessica Andrade. For the record, I did not. And for the record, we actually do picks before the fights. A few of us in the media room. I never actually stepped foot in the arena. I usually sit in the uh, the back with some of the other journalists who sit back there and we make picks. And for the second straight pay-per-view, 210, 211, this guy right here, the one with the big nose, he won. So how about that? 
So to all you people, I accept your apology. I know it's not coming, calling me all kinds of names. Um, I love you too. And I appreciate you watching the show as I'm assuming you are watching right now. Um, All right, let us move along now and talk to our next guest. I'm very excited about this because we are talking to one of the up and coming stars in the UFC's heavyweight division. And the reason why I wanted to have Francis Ngannou on the show today is because following Stipe Miocic's win on Saturday night, he kind of showed up on Twitter and uh, was was rather vocal about the performance and uh, a potential meeting with Stipe. So I thought this would be a lot of fun. And he is kind enough to join us right now. There he is via the magic of Skype, the Frenchman, one of the rising stars in the heavyweight division, the one and only Francis Ngannou. Francis, ça va? Ça va, Ariel, et toi? Ça va très bien, merci. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Francis. You know, this is, this is an interesting time for you because you just moved to Las Vegas. You left France. But before we get to all of that, I, I, I want to know because you, you were on Twitter right after the fight and it seemed like you weren't so impressed with the victory. Is, is that fair to say? Like, I want to do what? That you weren't very impressed with Stipe, that you think you can fight him right now and you think that you can beat Stipe Miocic. That's what I gathered from reading your tweets after the fight on Saturday night. Is that, is that true? Yes, that's true. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that is some of my reason that I moved in Vegas because right now I'm ready for, for all challenge. Yeah. And then um, I am a number five, ranked number five right now. And then I probably fight uh, everyone right now. You know, uh, I already call um, out uh, Velasquez. But yeah. He, he says he's injured, but I would like to fight him and then just get the title shot. You think, though, that right now you are ready for Stipe Miocic. Is that is that true? Yes, if they give me the opportunity, I would take it. Oh, very <laughs> take it, take that. What kind of feedback did you get from fans when you were talking on on Twitter on Saturday? Because it seemed like some were saying, "Oh, you're crazy! You can't beat Stipe." Were you were you seeing that as well? You know, you're not going to think about uh, too much about what people, someone say. There are mm-hmm. someone who just be a negative. Uh, someone who who just say a shit. You know, and then. You always have that kind of people, but you always get have to choice what you want to hear and then continue your growing. Because since the beginning, even before my first fight in UFC, someone said, "Yes, he's not, he are not ready. He just that MMA two years ago. They're gonna beat you up. It's too early, something like that." And then. What are we going to do? They always have that kind of people. And then when you say that for someone, and then for someone who support um, Stipe, of oh sure, he's just like, yes, you can, you, you are not ready, you can, uh, you still need to improve yourself, you still need to learn more, Stipe is too tough than you. <laughs> but until the, the fight uh, come on, uh, no one will not be sure. I would like to get the fight. What did you think of his performance, uh, knocking out Junior Dos Santos in the in the first round? Were you impressed with Stipe? He coffee. That was a good performance, but I'm not impressed. I think I need more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Have you ever been impressed? Uh, oh, go ahead, please. Excuse me. 
Are you are, like, okay, maybe you weren't all that impressed on Saturday, but in general, does Stipe, like, do you think that he is the best heavyweight right now in the division? Are you, are you generally impressed with him or not so much? Do you think he's overrated? No, I'm not impressed with him. I, um, my, on my think, I see things like, um, I don't know. I would even think like uh, um, someone be, I'm impressed with someone than uh, Stipe, than like, like uh, Velasquez. Mm. I think Velasquez is more, uh, the best heavyweight that we have in the um, best heavyweight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's why I want to fight him too. But it doesn't sound like it's going to happen with Velasquez, right? Because he's still injured. Is that what you were told? Yes, but he will come back someday. You okay. Know? All right. I'm, I'm here. Man. I'm going nowhere. <laughs> you you tweeted on Saturday that uh, there might be some good news for you um, regarding an event in Anaheim in July. Is that when you are expecting to come back? No, I'm. I'm not sure, but. No, I'm not expected to come back for that event, but I would just like the card. You oh. know, John Jones, it's always a very, very amazing fight. It will be a very great show. So you don't have you don't have your next fight booked just yet? Not yet. Not yet. Perfect world. What, what do you want? Would you want Stipe right away or Velasquez before Stipe in a perfect world for you? Perfect scenario. You know, the, the perfect scenario is the way is the bird. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Steve is the one of the bird. <laughs> yes. My goal is the bird. And then I would take everyone who have the bird. So Steve. Who are you training with now? Which, which team is yours now that you moved to Las Vegas? Uh, so I moved here two weeks and a half ago. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that training. Okay. Are you, st- you're going to look around? Yeah. Yes, I'm looking around, and then I'll maybe start boxing this week. Okay. Before um, see what uh, I get a choice finally. Why did you decide to leave France? There are more lot of reason of that. You know, we're thinking about that since uh, long time ago. Uh, me and my coach Fernand Lopez, and then even some of my friends. Um, you know, in French, we now have a lot of um, great fighter, a lot of tough heavyweight, heavyweight division in France. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to have some sparring and some and someone. And then uh, move here was the the best thing that every fight, every fighter, every uh, heavyweight will do. You, you know. Um, yeah, you have a lot of opportunity to train with everyone with the best heavyweight, and then to um, to even improve your English, to to be ready for anything, for to be ready for for every opportunity. Mm. Yes. And so, are you still going to work with your 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 old coaches like Feldman, or are you no longer? Are they not going to be in your corner anymore? He will still be. On my corner, what, what, I keep it. Yes. Was it emotional for you uh, to leave France after you know you've enjoyed success there? You came, you were homeless. You talked about that the last time you were on the show, and now to go to America was that was that a tough thing for you to do? No, you know, since when I moved to France, I just have one goal, and uh, when I uh, leave Cameroon, 
I have one goal. And today, I still continue to follow my goal. I continue to follow my dream. That is what, that is not something hard to me because uh, I already do the the highest one. You know, when I leave Cameroon, that is the thing that is very hard. Okay. And then I just leave. I uh, all these four year, last four years, I stay in France as someone who will go someday. So I will just be ready on my mind before. And, and why did you choose Vegas before having uh, a team picked out? Uh, in other words, you know, why did you choose Vegas over California where there are a bunch of teams and, and, and San Jose, Los Angeles, Florida? Why Vegas before having a team? <laughs> why Vegas? Vegas is a nice city, you see? Yeah. In my apartment, I have a view for the uh, Red Rock Canyon. It's very awesome. We have a good weather here. Yeah. We have a good food. <laughs> we have a great team. And then we don't have a lot of traffic. Last time I was in California and then I just like, whoa, my God, I don't think I can stay here. Yeah. I even visit San uh, Jose and um, Los Angeles, but you know, I don't like it like uh, Vegas. And then in Vegas, we have a lot of, um, a lot of stuff. Uh, UFC staff who can help us, you know, when you are just a newcomer somewhere, you need to be here for something. And then they are just uh, uh, around to be to help you. And it was not the same if you are living far. And the biggest choice that, the biggest thing that will make uh, our choice is the, you know, the UFC uh, performance. And, and okay. Yeah. You know, that is something that I will, I will want to to have it, uh, yes. And then when we just uh, know that, we say we think about everything, and Vegas is uh, so far the best. Yep. Um, are are you there alone? Like, are, are you a little lonely? Do you have friends with you? No, I'm alone. Wow. But I maybe sometime uh, some friend will come visit me. Okay. Yes. You know, um, maybe on- sometime if. Coaches Fernand yeah. or Tonton Pumbu come here to help me sometime for my training camp. So we'll stay together. On Thursday of last week, we spoke to Derek Lewis about you. And he said, oh, of course, everyone wants to see us fight each other. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, because America loves to see two black people fight each other. That's the reason why. That's why everyone wants. What do you think of that? Do you think that's the reason why people want to see you guys fight each other? I think the, the reason that people want to see our fight is because we are very, very power. We are a powerful guy. You know, we am, uh, I don't know how to explain that, but I know powerful. Yeah. Yes, we are powerful. And then people want to see the opposition of these two guys, these two, these two beats. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. The potato and the black beats. Yes. And that is something that would happen would happen i am sure for that yes but um i don't know when but it will happen and it will be some great fight and even um some of um you could make some great ufc card do you think it's yeah. better to wait until one of you is champion to make this fight so it's an even bigger fight you know what i want is different than uh, what you know it could be different than what USA want and then when if USA say 
you're going to find this, I'll do it. But my goal, my uh, uh, first goal was just the bet. Yeah. And then when you went to, to take the bet, when you want the bet, you know, you, 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 you are like, um, I don't know, you call anyone uh, back of you because anyone want the bet. And then if you have the bet, anyone who want to fight you, you will not choose a fighter or choose a fight. Mm. Yes. And then, but I would like to stay here, to stay there before take them. Uh, he also said, them, he also said that like you haven't beaten anyone uh, you know any of the top fighters like 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 he's defeated already because he said that Andrzej Arlovski is old and other than that you don't have any big names on your on your record so he wasn't exactly you know glowing and very excited about what you've done so far do you think maybe this was his response to you saying that you weren't impressed with him you remember a couple months ago in the gym uh, when you will find me uh, that is where you will know why uh, I, will, I will see that if Yitzhu, um, um, he's old, you know. <laughs> yes, when he would take my punch and take me over here, I make make sure, man, he will agree what I'm saying. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, for you, when you know, considering you're doing, um, you're, you're, you've moved, and there's some, you know, changes in your life. What month would you like to fight? You know, because you haven't fought since January. Would you like to fight this summer? Or do you need some more time? September, October? When are you thinking is good for you to return? What I'm thinking, I would like to fight in July. Okay, okay. July or August. Okay. Yes. So soon. So you think you'll have a so, team? You'll find a gym and, and be ready and comfortable to go into a training camp? You know, uh, there, there, we have a lot of gym in Vegas and then I'll even, I think about how to start uh, training. Uh, we have a boxing gym. We have a, I think about how to start training maybe to uh, syndicate MMA and then okay. everything will be okay. All right. It's no, that is not a matter, you know, right now. It's not a matter. Okay. Um, I just, I just have. Uh, uh, one, they just give me one date, and then I need just need two months to be ready for fight. Okay. Um, and by the way, before I, I let you go, I, I was just curious because you started off as a boxer. Did you watch the Anthony Joshua Vladimir Klitschko fight? And and if so, what do you think of Anthony Joshua? A lot of people think that he is, you know, the next great heavyweight boxer. When you watch him, what do you think? Of oh, sure. Uh, he's do the he beat the greatest one, you know. Klitschko is not uh, is the famous one for the uh, heavyweight division, and then Anthony Joshua beat him, and then he 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 improved himself, you know. He had a difficult fight. The fight was not easy for him. Yeah. Uh, for the some run, he 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 have he even take the take down the how do you call it. The knockdown? No, it take down. Knockdown. The knockdown. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even the knockdown, and then he continue fight. He will be, you know, um, Klitschko at forty one, but he's still strong. You know. Yes. He, he improved that. He's still ready. He could be uh, champ again. He could mm. come back. Yeah. And even after, he he could even even beat uh, Joshua. Joshua. Yes. So. It's not like uh, he's not easy for Joshua, and then he do he he do it. So when when you watch Joshua, do you say, "Oh, I if I would have stuck with boxing, I could have beaten this guy"? 
mm, I don't think about. <laughs> I don't think about uh, him. You know, um, when you want to think about some someone, you think about some. Joshua is a new fighter. Yeah. New boxer. They just know, start know who is Joshua about uh, in the boxing now. But before, uh, when I boxing, I just look about uh, like uh, Mike Tazun, mm. yes, because he was very famous for yeah. a long time. And then I would say, okay, I would like to box like this. I would like to have, uh, to be technical like this, you know, but... Um, it's not like usual. You're doing great things, Francis, and 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 your your English continues to get really really impressive. You're you're improving greatly with your English. So um, great job, kudos to you. Congrats on the move to Las Vegas, and uh, keep doing your thing, my man. I'm very excited yeah. about you. Thank you. Me too. I'm very excited. We're gonna be, do a big thing now. Okay. Very great. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Francis. We'll talk to you soon. All the best. Thank you, Ariel. Have a good day. Okay. Bon après-midi to Francis Ngannou, uh, Cameroon's own, moved to France, now living in Las Vegas. My chair is stuck here. Not impressed with Mr. Stipe Miocic. How about that? Went on Twitter right away and said, oh, hell no. Not exactly in those words, but uh, he was was quick to throw that shade, and I respect it. And I have a feeling that around this time next year, he will have already fought in a UFC heavyweight title fight. We don't know what will happen, but um, I, I think that is, I think it's fair to say, not going out on a limb here, I think it's fair to say that that is a man to remember, that is a name to remember, that's a man to keep on your radar. Okay, let's move along. Really wanted to talk to our next guest. Why? Well, on Saturday night, we found out that according to Dana White, Damian Maya, who has now won seven in a row, he defeated... Jorge Masvidal via split decision is next for Tyron Woodley. Well, let's see what Tyron Woodley has to say about all that and more. He joins us now via the magic of Skype. There he is, T. Wood himself. Tyron, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, brother? You're working out. You're sweating over there. I see your, your, your forehead's all sweaty. You're at the gym. Look, look, let me show you my training partner. I brought a training partner with me. What do you got? You don't see it? No, I don't. I think it. I see your backpack. Nice little backpack, and I'm. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, that's my training partner. What? Oh, I get it. Ah, uh, that's a good one. It took me a second to uh, to catch on. That is a good one. A nice little nod. Come on, Eric. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. My bad. The human backpack himself, Damien Mai. Okay, so let's uh, let's not waste any time. What did you think of his performance? Were you impressed? Um, you know. I was impressed that he was able to take um, Jorge down. I didn't think he would be able to take him down um, and get to him that easily. I thought, you know, the hand speed of Jorge Masvidal, his angles, and just his IQ. He's been in the game for a very long time. It's not like it's a, a surprise on what Damian Meyer will be going for. We all knew he wasn't going to try to stand up and strike with Masvidal. I was surprised that he was able to get to that so often. And, you know, he was on his back the entire fight. That doesn't surprise me. But the fact that he was able to get to the legs – get to the limbs and um you know it wasn't really sneaky it wasn't really fast it wasn't really explosive um but it happened and it just really surprised me were you surprised that he was unable to finish masvidal like in the first round when he had his back you know in in the past he's usually been able to lock in the submission and end the fight rather quickly but masvidal got out did that surprise you no you know um i I don't want to tell a guy how to finish his move you know obviously he's finished a lot of people with a redneck choke um he must he must know what he's 
doing, so I'm not here to teach him, you know, on how to do it. I was surprised that he wasn't a tad bit more aggressive. I figured, you know, you have his back, you took him down, it wasn't an easy thing to do. While you're back there and you got a full two minutes, man, go ham to try to get underneath his neck and finish the deal off because if you don't, there's a chance, you know, he might get out, he might break, or you get to the next round, you have to start back on your feet, which Jorge would obviously have the advantage. So I was surprised he wasn't a tad bit more aggressive with trying to go for the finish, but um, I mean, I'm assuming that you know, Jorge had a few guys on his back this training camp trying to choke him out. He probably, you know, learned how to get hand control. So when when he won the fight and got down on his knees in front of Dana White and said, you know, give me that title shot and you can hear Dana say, you got it, you got it. First thing that came to mind was, well, I wonder what Tyron Woodley thinks about all of this. Um, and so that's really why you're here. Well, somebody needs to talk to me first, right? Well, so what is your reaction to that? I haven't talked to anyone. So, I mean, you got to talk to the champion first, you know, you know. You can you can issue uh, whatever shot you want to issue out, but you have to talk to me. And I think, um, you know, I'm not against fighting Damian Maya. You know, I think out of all the guys in the top ten that are really threat um, threatening guys that are, you know, been frightening in the octagon, whether it's submission, knockout, or just their ability to be tough, I match up the best with him. I fought that style so many different times. I'm training against that style. Um, my last five fights have been against Southpaw, Dungan Kim, Kevin Gaston, Robbie Lawler, Stephen Thompson, so... So um, as far as the stance and the style, I've seen it so many times. And I have such great resources, guys like Shoeface, guys like Ben Askren. You know, I might even pick up the phone and grab Jake Shields because he, a lot of people fail to realize that Jake Shields went to Brazil and dominated Damian Maia. Like, people fail to realize that. And the only thing that I think me and Maia have in common, we fight completely differently. You know, we had different points of our career I think he's just want the shot to finally get the shot. I'm trying to be the greatest ever. And the only thing we have in common is that we lost to the same two guys in the welterweight. Outside of that, you know, it's nothing, nothing the same for us. Does this fight interest you? Does this fight, you know, pique your interest? No, it didn't. It doesn't. It didn't interest me. It didn't, it didn't make my adrenaline pump. It didn't like, you know, to be honest, neither one of those guys did because they're, they're trying to build their brand up and I'm trying to build my brand up. And I feel like my brand is, a little bit further than theirs is so it didn't really interest me you know you gotta realize man i've been in two very annoying training camps like, <laughs> Stephen thompson is not a fun training camp it's not fun having sage not cut kick you through a cage or having all these different guys rotating and throwing random kicks that you've never seen before and dealing with it and not being able to explode like you want to at times and being very you know wise because you make a millimeter mistake you get knocked out so for me to go into another camp, the two best specialists in our sport just so happen to be in our, my weight class. There's no other weight class that has these guys that are specialists that are still around. It's not like the Hoist Gracie days. But Stephen Thompson and Damian Maia has found a way to adapt their striking style and grappling style to the MMA style. And it's very frustrating. So I was excited, you know, Jorge Masvidal kind of, he kind of pumped me up a little bit with some of his shenanigans from <laughs> the interview. It would have been a training camp. You know, I had, um, you know, Shane Mosley Jr., his son was going to spar with me. I had the whole set up at Wildcard Boxing. I really, you know, I was already planning a camp based on possibly fighting Masvidal or Jorah St. Pierre or, or Nicky as a striker. So now, um, you know, I haven't talked to Danny yet. They haven't formally offered me to fight yet. Um, I'll get with those guys and see what's what. But um, to be honest, I respect the hell out of the dude. I've never, you know me, I've never taken anyone fighting me. But, um... Like, think about the card. How ridiculous was that card? And if you can think of one fight, 
One fight on the whole card. Which one are you going to point out that maybe not been the, the adrenaline pack or the action pack fight? It's going to be that one. And you're going to put me in that fight again so I can have to hear all this crap from the fans again, you know? So I'm going to get it done if that's the next fight up. Um, but, but you know, don't blame me. What is your perfect scenario? Like, what is the fight that does get your blood boiling? I mean, George St. Pierre is always going to be that. Yeah. No matter the money, no matter the city, if it's in freaking Montreal... If it's freaking for $100,000, no matter what the situation is, that's always going to be the best fight. He was the best in the world. Um, if he's still talking about competing, you know, that, that's always going to um, hang over my head. I can't honestly say I'm the best welterweight in the world knowing that he still won the fight. So that's going to take precedence over everything. An exciting fight, something that I can th- produce my first rivalry maybe, my first back-and-forth press conference is maybe a Nick Diaz. Um, in, in my opinion, he's a lineal top five welterweight uh, what he's done for the sport, how he actually got people excited about it. Um, he was really just himself, and that became an image. And I think he can do that every day because that's him. You know, So I respect him. I respect what he's done for MMA. That's another fight that excites me. Um, I just don't, don't see beating Damian Maya really putting another notch on my belt like those two guys would. Now, granted, he's got, what, 17, 18, 19 wins in the UFC, something ridiculous. Uh, fought um, you know, Anderson Silva to a decision. Uh, rattle off um, seven victories in a row. Um, man, how do you do that type of stuff in silence? Yeah. Think about it. It's our sport. You know what I mean? Our sport is not allowed. Um, jiu-jitsu, you know, the building block of the UFC is not allowed it to be great. It's not respected. It's not something that everyone wants to see. That's how he's been able to rattle off seven uh, victories against top opponents and not get the credit. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Right. Um, you know, just curious, when Dana White said last week, uh, I'm, I'm not going to wait for GSP anymore. I'm canceling the Bisping fight. Did a light go off in your head? Did you say like, okay, because we, we all kind of thought that that was the fight that made more sense for GSP just because he was the champ who left and never was 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 defeated and now he comes back to get the title against you. Did you think, okay, this is my chance. Maybe it will all work out and I'll actually get the fight this guy sooner rather than later? Well, you know, I think, you know, logistically, you know, people start making plans to start booking fights. But I think spiritually, what's meant to happen is meant to happen. What God has for me is for me. Nobody can take that away. I'm the best welterweight in the world. And I feel like George St. Pierre should have fought me. He should have came back. Uh, fighting Bisming, I think that was the cowardly move. He, he's going to fight someone that, that doesn't have the ability to concuss him like I would or Johnny Hendricks would or Robbie Lawley would. That's why he waited. If Stephen Thompson would have beaten me, I guarantee you his first fight back would have been against Stephen Thompson, a, a, a similar karate style fighter that he's probably seen a million times. He's trained with him. He doesn't have the one-punch KO power. He's not going to submit him. He's not going to stop his shot. It's a safer fight for a big payday. So with that said, you know, I just kind of raised my eyebrows that the fact that he would go up a weight class when it's a willing, dominant, you know, champion that wants to take you on, that's, you know, excited about the fight, surprised me. But, hey, if, if it's Damian Maya first or if it's George St. Pierre first, everybody's going to get it at the end of the day, and I'm just excited to be where I'm at right now. Uh, you tweeted a couple of weeks ago, like, I'm preparing for my camp, um, I'm preparing for my fight, you know, the camp is underway, and every day I'm like, I'm getting questions, who's Woodley fighting, who's Woodley fighting, who's he preparing for? What, what, what were you preparing for? The guys I thought I was fighting were all strikers. Oh, okay. 
none was Damian Maya. Whether it was Bisping, whether it was Conor McGregor, whether it was George St. Pierre, whether it was Jorge Masvidal or Nick Diaz, all five of those guys, it makes sense for me to do what I was doing, the striking, the hand speed, the footwork, the plyometrics, the conditioning, the explosiveness. Those are all the things that I'm working. Now I can use those things as well, but I'm going to have to grab the Ben Askren. I'm going to have to pick up the phone and call Jake Shields. I'm going to have to get shoe face in, and I'm going to have to train in a different way while I'm exploding, defending, exploding, def- defending. And, you know, you start seeing Damian Maya when he doesn't get that shot, when he starts to get punched. Those shots are coming really wide open. They start coming with no setup. It's almost like he's diving in on legs. And if you remember my fight against Andre Gaval, I'm not that guy you want to do that to. I would knock you out. Um, it appears as though there may be an opening in July because Cody Garbrandt's back is a little messed up. They don't have a main event right now for that for that show. And my hypothesis was, all right, if Maya or Masvidal wins and doesn't get injured, that they might call upon you to main event that show in two months. Has that happened yet? You know, it's funny. Remember what I told you? I told you, I said, hey, I'm always right. I told you, that. <laughs> I'm always right. Yeah, they told me they told me no international fight week. They said they already had a title fight. I said, well, weren't you planning on doing two last year with, you know, Amanda Nunez versus Misha and then John versus DC? Why can't you do it again? Then they went ahead and booked two title fights. Um, you know, Amanda Nunez back at it again. And then Cody Garbrandt. And I don't wish injury upon anybody, but when my gut tells me to start training, and when it tells me the fight might be appearing, I start to get ready. Now, what I don't dis- what I don't agree with, if you're so hungry, you want the title so bad, when the challenge comes up, you take the fight. You don't say, hey, I got to go and do a seminar. I got to go to international to fight week. I gotta-. Like, are you kidding me? You're the challenger, brother. If they offer you to fight next week, you better straddle up and throw some damn gloves. You know, that's that's what you have to do. So it kind of kind of turned me off a little bit when Damian Maia was in his press conference and he was rapping. Rattling off this ridiculous list, like I'm like, dude, really? You want to hear my list? You want to know what I do on a weekly basis, on a daily basis? And guess what? Training is always included. A fight on the horizon is always included. And when that opportunity comes, everything else goes to the wayside. Like I got offered to fight, um, uh, who's it? Robbie Lawler. Remember when John Jones and DC were supposed to fight? Yep. And that fight fell through for whatever reason. Yep. With Twelve days notice, I accepted the fight against Robbie Lawler. That's what. A, that's what someone that wants to be a world title, does. He's not the youngest spring chicken out there. Mm-hmm. He's 39 years old. You know, you're already going to be at a disadvantage in youth and speed. You take the fight. Forget forget the seminar. Um, you know, if you beat me, you're the world champion. You're the best. And that's where you're going to make the most money in. Wait, so, so did they ask you about July 8th? Um, yeah, they asked me about July 8th. Um, uh, last week they said, you know, basically exactly what you said. If, if, um, you know, these guys come out, nobody's heard. They, they were interested in me fighting the winner there. I, I didn't decline that. I didn't decline the 29th and it's a fight in August. I don't know if they even have a location for that. I don't think I'll fight any later than August, but I'll be ready to fight as early as um, July 8th. And that's why I wanted to fight that anyway. So, wow. um, so you think that happens? Cars are good for me. You think that happens? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to be in Vegas for the um, Athletes Retreat deal um, yeah. coming up. So I, I'll set up meetings with, with Dana and and the guys and I'll see what their plans are. But, you know, I'm not going to be easy to deal with, man. Damian Maya is not a guy that's going to push the needle. You know, I don't even know what the pay-per-view numbers were for Steven Thompson, but I can't, I, I can't go out here and try to start something or, you know, pump up you fans for a fight that, one, you've already seen the first one. So it's like a self-sell fight. And then secondly, this guy's going to be like, 
the most nice, gentlest human being on earth. And I respect him. And I, you know me, I'm not going to do something that's not me. I'm not going to like go and start something that's not there. But at the end of the day, this is a this is a, a prize fighting um, prize fighting situation. So I think you know champions in the past have been compensated for opponents that you know may not push the needle. That you may not get the points you think you're going to get, and, and a little extra fats will start on the top for them. So me knowing that. Uh, I'm going to go in there and, you know, look for that myself. So that's what you mean when you say you're not going to be the easiest to deal with if this is the fight that's presented to you? Well, I'm just saying, man, <laughs> you know, you want me to fight this guy? Tell me where he's marketable at. Yeah. Brazil. Yeah. Please, if you offer, if you offer me a fight against, Mar- uh, against Damian Maia in Brazil, do not come with me with less than seven figures to show. I'm not going over to a different country, different time zone, out whatever to fight him in his own element. I'm the champion, mm. unless there's a whole bunch of comments to write. Um, you know, outside of that, international fight week is a good week. Um, the the fight with John Jones DC is a good week. Um, if, if I fight in August, I don't know exactly who they're going to put on that card. But if it's a standalone where it's me and me and Damon, you got to realize it's not all about money. It's not all about business. But Conor McGregor was never. Or made to stand alone. Remember, he pumped a, a fight pass first. Mm-hmm. I mean, George St. Pierre never came out the gate cracking 900,000 buys. No one does that. It takes time for you fans to get to know us. It takes time for you guys to get to recognize what our struggle was and why is it so important that we became champion. Once you learn our story, once you learn who we are, you see the adversity we face, you see how hard you know we train or how hard we fight or how our mindset is, then the fans get behind you and they want to watch you. Then when you got two guys that are compelling matchups that are telling you, hey, I'm going to beat him because it is. No, you're not because of that. That makes you guys want to pick up the remote control and press buy on the pay-per-view. And that that's that's at the end that's that's at the end of the day. We're not doing this free. So I'm interested in everybody. Um, I'm willing to fight anybody, um, but you're not going to pay me less than what I work. I think they recognize that. And um, I've done so many favors um, all the favors are ran out now. Hey, I owe Dana a favor. He know what I'm talking about, Dana. Oh. I owe him a favor. So what do you mean? He he got he got a he got a get out of jail free card. So if he he be put in a special request to me, uh, it's gonna be very tough for me to tell him no. So why why do you owe him one? Or does he owe it, you it's one? Just a, it's just a person I huh? He owes you one, or you owe him? It's just a person I. You said what? He owes you a favor, or you owe him a favor? No, I owe him a favor. Really? I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to meet. I wanted to meet somebody. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge deal. But you know, sometimes people do things that they don't have to do. It's outside oh. of the scope of their job, and I think it's just kind of dope. So I wanted to meet someone, and uh, he's going to make it possible for me to meet that person. So wow, you know, I don't have a short term memory. I those things. So the drama queens are friends again. You know what? Let's let's see how the week goes. <laughs> right now we money. <laughs> you know what's funny? Right now we cash money. Okay. But by the end of the week, you know, this this interview comes out. I did one earlier today. People start asking me, and if I don't submit myself and say I'm fighting Damian Maya for one hundred percent sure, you know, we can be we can be back on the um, you know, back on the other side of the fence again. Who knows? All right, friend. By the way, uh, I see you uh, filming stuff. You wore you had like white hair at one point. What do you what do you got going on? Man, I did a I did a movie um, in Tampa called The Favorite. So I was a old man coach there. Okay. I did a, um, a movie called The Night. Uh, sorry, I did a movie a TV show called The Night Shift. Um, that's going to be on NBC. Wow. And then I did a movie called Escape Plan Two with Salone Batista Fifty Cent. I have a pretty large role in there. I saw the trailer 
for the first time yesterday. It was unreal. So I'm excited about that. And, and to be honest, um, like I told you before, when I feel like it's time to fight, it's time to fight. So I, I had to cancel a couple of movies. Actually, one role I was going to do in a movie um, in New Orleans, I might have to pass on. I'm actually uh, putting Jay Heron in for it. Hopefully he gets his job. Um, so, yeah, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a freeze on, a, on the movie and TV shows for a bit until I figure out what my next all right. I would love the, I mean, the idea of you, of all people being the one who saves the day for July 8th, I think it would be a, a nice little story. The irony would be rich there. I said it. <laughs> I've been saying it over and over again. And you, and you know what's funny? Like to Damian Maya, you know, I think it's a, a language barrier and a disconnect on what I was actually saying. I stand by what I said. When I said I felt he was stupid for taking the fight against Masvidal, that's a, that's a casual, informal way of communicating. Like, oh, man, you're stupid for doing that. Uh. I'm not saying you're ignorant. You're dumb. You're stupid. What I'm saying is that you were the number one contender. Me, me and Wonderboy, in my opinion, it was never a draw the first time. It should have never been a rematch. You should have been in the next fight. And then it, had he beat Robbie, had he beat somebody else, then Wonderboy get another shot. Why would they announce that the week me and Wonderboy were fighting? Me, I'm going to watch the fight. Somebody might get knocked out real quick and they're ready to turn right back over. This was a very, very risky fight. It was a very, very tough opponent. Style-wise, it did not look very great on paper, but he got the job done. He won. He proved me wrong. He proved everybody else wrong. But I do stand by my you know statement that the risk has to match reward. If you want to risk it, brother, risk it against me. Risk it for a couple hundred thousand more. Risk it for the gold. Don't risk it in a fight that you technically did not have to fight. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you 100%. Thanks for stopping by, Tyron. Thank you for squeezing us in. Um, safe travels to Vegas and, and, and good luck with what other, you know, whatever uh, negotiations, discussions that you have with the UFC brass later on this I week. I think I'll be okay. All right. All right. I got your back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tyron. Appreciate it very much. There he is, Tyron Woodley, the UFC welterweight champion, stopping by. Great stuff from him, as always. Okay, one man who knows a thing or two about Tyron Woodley. He actually referred to him in that interview. His name is Rory McDonald, and on Friday, he finally makes his Bellator debut. Remember, he signed with Bellator last summer, but it's going down this Friday in London against Paul Daly, Wembley Arena. This is a lot of fun. He joins us now via the phone, I do believe, from London. Rory, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure, Rory. Great to talk to you as always. So you're in you're in London right now, right? That's right. What's it like? Are you feeling the love? Are people throwing tomatoes at you as you walk on the street? What's going What's going on? <laughs> no, I'm going. Uh, you know, pretty under the radar, just making my rounds through the media, and it's it's been good. You know, today's typical uh, London weather, and uh, yesterday it was nice. So. So far, everything's going smoothly. Do you feel a buzz for this? I mean, this is a really big deal. In my opinion, maybe the, the greatest main event that Bellator has ever put on. Does, does it feel like there's a buzz or is it a little too soon? No, absolutely. There's a buzz. You know, that's what everybody keeps saying. You know, there's, there's some big hype behind this and it's just getting more exciting as the week progresses. What do you think, Rory, when you see, you know, we just had Tyron on. Uh, it looks like he may fight Damien. You beat both those guys. Mm-hmm. The champion and yeah, the number one uh, contender. What, what does that What does that say to you? Well, it it, it proves my point that I, I I feel that I'm the best in the world. I just gotta go out there and get it done, you know. And that starts on this Friday. 
Yeah, but it's an amazing thing that the guy who beat both of them is fighting in a different um, in a different organization and not even fighting for their belt. You were higher ranked than Lorenz Larkin, yet he's getting a title shot before you. How did that happen? I think it was timing, to be honest. You know, uh, I kept trying to get the fight with Lima, but they were saying he's got an injury, he's going to have surgery, it's not going to come around the, the, the time you want, but... So they offered me, uh, they offered me uh, uh, the daily fight, but it's funny because they they booked his fight in the exact time frame that I wanted to actually fight. So it's it's a bit weird. I don't know what happened there. If uh, Lima was trying to get a different fight, or if you know if, if Bellator wanted to uh, get me, you know, up against Daly because he called me out. You know, I don't know why it worked out the way it did but you know in the end i'm happy with it this is going to be a big show this is a great opponent for me and i'm going to go uh put on the best performance in my life so so when you heard that that uh lima was going to fight larkin were you bummed where it was a part in msg of all places how did you react to that news well i had already had my fight with daily so i wasn't I wasn't too concerned and I knew that fight was going to secure me a spot for the title. Okay. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't stressing too much. I was a bit like rolling my eyes, like really like I got passed up for, you know, Clark, like Larkin got that over me. Like it just, it, it was kind of an eye roll moment, but I mean, in the end, whatever, it's all good. It's gonna, they're, they're fighting for my belt because I'm going to go take it from them after that. You had a chance to square off with uh, Paul um, a few days after we spoke when this fight was announced, and and he was talking about like you know looking at you, and he thinks that you're you know a serial killer or a psycho. Um, what was that like when when you guys squared off? What did you see in him? Oh, it's exactly. I seen exactly what kind of fighter he is. You know, he's an intense individual, so I can expect an intense fight from him. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys that is always in the fight and is always going to be in there trying to knock your head off. So uh, I, I'm I'm prepared for that. Did he say anything to you when you guys were next to each other? No, no, it was pretty hush hush. No talking at all. Paul likes to talk usually. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, he's been pretty quiet this time around and and somewhat respectful. You know, so I, I don't know what's going on with them. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to eat his words after this fight. I don't know. Right. Uh, um, you know, a lot has been made of, of where you're training for this fight. So can we clear it up? Are you still a part of TriStar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, for us in my corner, we're uh, actually going to go train in the, you know, in the room uh, right after this call. So oh. everything's all good there. Oh, he's already in London. It's just, uh, I, yeah, yeah, he's here with me, but, uh, I think uh, people just, uh, you know, when you say something in an interview, they they really like to make it their own story rather than, you know, they like to spin it off almost, you know. So to clear the air, uh, you know, I, I went back um, to, I originally started training martial arts and began my career for a, a big portion of my training camp this time. And... Uh, yeah, they, I guess they spun it the way they wanted to and make it look like I had bad blood with TriStar, but I was still, I spent a good three weeks at TriStar for this training camp as well. 
Is this what you'll be doing from here on out? The majority of the camp in in uh, British Columbia, but still, you know, have Faraz in your corner and, and, and maybe a portion of the camp in Montreal? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm, I go with the flow, but, uh, you know, this training camp went excellent. I was very happy with it. I feel that I'm going to go out there and really show my myself to the fans and, uh, you know, just be myself out there and, and have a fun time in the cage and, you know, I think that's what it's all about, and I think everybody will appreciate that. And so, does that mean you're moving back to British Columbia? Will you not live in Montreal anymore? No, Montreal's still home. Okay. Uh, I'll be, I'll, yeah, I'll be going back and forth like usual. Well, I think you made the right choice on that one as far as your living conditions are concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm... I'm always going to be a little bit biased. Yes. You know, I love BC. I love, I love how close nature is to me and, you know, being able to get outside whenever I want, you know, I think that's, uh, that's a lot of fun for me, you know, being in a big city of Montreal, sometimes it could be a bit of a stretch having to wait for the weekends to come around to get out. You know, I, I, I've been following obviously your social media and, and, and seeing some videos about you and interviews and things like that. And I'm trying to, to sort of gauge, you know, When's the last time you, there, there feels like there's a pep in your step. You're excited. You're legitimately excited about this new chapter, fighting for a new promotion and everything that comes with it. Does this kind of feel like, you know, 2010 when you debuted in the UFC, does, does it feel like you're kind of a rookie all over again? How would you, or is it a brand new feeling? How would you describe how you feel about this opportunity as you're, you know, preparing, you know, four days away? Um, I've said it in a couple other interviews. I, I definitely feel that this is like a chapter three of my career. It's definitely a new, a new saga. You know, I feel like it's it's something new, but uh, I definitely don't feel like a rookie. If anything, I feel like I'm very mature and ready for the task at hand. Whereas when I started the UFC, I was very unprepared for what I was get, getting myself into. You know, obviously I I was an undefeated fighter back then, but on very small shows, uh, a small town kid, not been to many big light, big light scenarios or limelight scenarios. So I was a little uh, overwhelmed then. Now uh, I'm very well prepared for what I'm stepping into and being a big guy in this promotion and being a main event fighter in London and all that. So I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at going into chapter three, so to speak. Chael Sonnen equated the experience um, fighting for Bellator for the first time, like, you know, the first day at school, because it's, it's, it's a different system, different people. You were part of the UFC machine for so long. What's it been like for you? Has it been a little different, you know, just dealing with the whole fight week experience with a brand new promotion? Uh, honestly, so far, it's been pretty good. Like, fight week's been pretty similar, and Bellator has been really great with me. You know, they're very flexible, and you know, they work with me and rather than just pushing me along like, uh, you know, you know, the UFC has to because they're they're just such a big machine, like you said. But um, it's been great. I've had a great time here with Bellator and all the staff and everything. As, as your fight uh, approaches, I've been thinking about you a lot lately because uh, over the past few weeks, there have been a lot of fighters who have been talking about their... Um, disappointment with the UFC, frustrations and things like that. Have you seen any of this stuff? And does this almost, you know, confirm in, in, in your opinion that you made the right choice by leaving the company? Yeah, absolutely. It's It seems to have gotten continually worse. You know, everybody's situation is, 
getting worse there and increasingly people are getting more and more unhappy and seeing that there's money to be made or you know just the way they're treated in general they're not they're not content with it so it's good there's uh there's a competitor in the marketplace and that's just going to that's just going to make everybody get better and uh you know more options for the fighters everyone's going to get a little bit more money and it's going to be uh, better for MMA, the sport in general, I think. I'm, I'm always interested in this day and age um, what the sponsorship landscape is for a UFC fighter who goes over to Bellator because you haven't been in that game for a little bit because of Reebok. What's it like? Are, are you going to make more in sponsorship money for this fight than you would have as a UFC fighter? Uh, actually, I'm making less. Oh. But um, less. It's kind of, yeah, it's, my, it's more. Uh, because of the way I, I'm going about it. I mean, I could have easily went out and got plastered uh, sponsors all over my shorts and banner and stuff and got little sponsors for the fight. But, you know, basically what I'm going out there is for long-term marquee sponsorships that are going to be out, going to be solid name brands that are going to represent me and, and I represent them well and be a long-term partnership, you know, and give those sponsors um big exposure rather than you know be clustered and totally packed um full of a different a bunch of different random companies that mean that don't have any connection with me whatsoever Hmm. so that's that's strategy there so will you have any sponsors for this fight yes i'm i'm sponsored by monster energy Mm -hmm. and everlast and and no more reebok the Reebok deals recently expired, so they they were nice enough to continue the sponsorship after I had signed with Bellator, even though they weren't obligated to. They stuck on my side. We had a great partnership. We had, we had a, a great deal, and uh, now that it's come to an end, they're unable to resign so because they're they're with UFC only, and okay. fighters only. But, uh, you know, it was it was a great time with them. They treated me great. I'm very happy with what we did with them. Um, and, and is it a significant drop? Or do you feel like you made the right, you know, you made these specific choices, but in the end you will, you know, far exceed what you were making in your last UFC fight? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely very happy with what I'm going to be making for, the, for my time in Bellator. Even if my sponsorships are a little bit down, it's not a big deal for me. I mean, I'm uh, I'm looking at a big upside right now, and I'm very happy with it. Is this your first fight as a father, or were you a dad already when you fought Wonder Boy? Yeah, first fight as a father. Wow, and and do you feel a difference in your mindset how you approach what you're doing? Um, I feel a little bit more uh, relaxed and grateful for the, the this um opportunity and everything i'm feeling very in the zone and just happy to be here and not stressing about every little thing like i was before i I don't know if that's because i'm a father now but uh that's the way i'm feeling i'm feeling very good about my situation and everything's just going with the flow and just i'm i'm feeling very mature for you know every all of my past experiences everything's really uh feeling very settled and uh the only difference I may feel as far as being a father is that, uh, you know, I, I miss my baby girl. You know, it, it sucks being away from her for 
you know, even just a short period of time. Do you feel grateful because, you know, I'll never forget when you were on the show before the Wonderboy fight, how frustrated you were and sounded. Did you think that after that fight, if things didn't work out, if there wasn't another option out there for you, that that could have been the end of your MMA career? Like you're, you're, you're almost, um, not on, not, not getting this second chance now, but was there a part of you that thought it might come to an end after this because you were so, you know, disenfranchised with the whole sport? No, definitely not. Um, I definitely would have, you know, figured out my, my training situation and got my head around, you know, what had, what had been the big issue with that, you know, my, my shortcoming and my disappointment with myself in that performance. But, um, you know, I would probably wouldn't be making what I'm making and, well, I definitely wouldn't. And, you know, I wouldn't be as happy or comfortable with my situation as far as what I'm making and, and, you know, my future and my kids' future and things like that. Now I'm, I'm totally happy. I'm comfortable. I know I made the right decision and things are great. Um, yeah. Is there any part of you that feels like oh, I have to do something really, really special to almost um, make the Bellator officials feel like okay, he was worth the investment. He he was worth us signing almost a year ago. Like you, you almost have to prove that okay, this was the right call. I, I I've talked to Chael about this as well, and you know he he said that you know the ratings and things like that. Yeah, he does think about that. Like you you want everything to kind of deliver and to to say look, this is what you know this this is why you signed me. Absolutely. You know, I definitely think about it too. And I, you know, I want to perform because, you know, it's better for me as well. But I definitely just, I think my mindset right now and the way I need to, I need to be to perform at my best is to go out there and be myself, be true to myself and just let it fly like I did in training. And the, you know, the true beauty of my style will really come out and the fans will really enjoy it. So that's what this whole training um, time or the whole time off and my training has been since my last performance. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out there Friday and just let it, let it all hang out. And, uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Last thing for you, Rory. Um, how, how's your nose? Do you feel like it's a hundred percent? Are there any concerns about it at all? No, I, I really feel like it's behind me. I, I don't think about it anymore. You know, going through a training camp like I did, having it tested, I feel totally secure with it. I'm not too worried about it at all. Do you feel like it's going to take one punch for you to really not even think about it at all? Or is that not even a question in your mind anymore? No, you know, I plan on, you know, hearing that bell and getting fired up right out of the gate. I'm not looking to get my nose tested or, you know, anything like that. I know I have to, uh, something to do out there and I'm going to go out there and get it done. And, uh, I'm not I'm not hesitating or or worrying about that because I feel totally confident in it. Thank you, Rory. Appreciate you squeezing us in. Good luck on Friday. And by the way, can you try to convince the people over there in Bellator to show this fight live in the United States and and, and Canada? It's not airing live here. Do you know this? Yeah, I know it's on tape delay. It's, what is up with that? Uh, it's crazy. I know, I know. But uh you know, good things come to those who wait. <laughs> okay, well said. Uh, thank you, Rory. Best of luck to you on, on Friday. Can't wait for it. Okay, thank you. All right, there he is. The Red King, Rory McDonald. It's not live! The best fight in Bellator history. Not live. They gotta fix this. I know they don't like to, to do the fights 
you know, um, in the afternoon on a Friday when they're in Europe. I know. But what about showing them twice? What about once in the afternoon and once at night? They do that with the, you know, the, the, the shows in the past they've done, you know, nine o'clock in the East and then nine o'clock in the West. So it's, unless you have direct TV for the longest time, it was, it was tape delayed there as well. I just can't believe that a fight of this magnitude, a fight this great, I mean, has, there have been others, you know, Eddie Alvarez versus Michael Chandler was great, but Paul Daly versus Rory McDonald, the debut of Rory McDonald is not going to air live. How does this make sense? This is 2017, my friends. What else is airing? I'd love to know what's, and they'll tell you that, hey, look, we'll get better ratings at night. They'll say that. And they're going to write to me. I know it. And they're going to give me all the numbers. But typically the fights that they've aired live in the afternoon haven't been the greatest of cards. You can't compare a card of that caliber airing in the afternoon to one of your 10 pole, you know, primetime events with the biggest names possible. I mean, it's not a fair comparison. Put a card with a main event like this of this magnitude in the afternoon and then let's compare it. Now let's see who watches what. I just feel like sports has to be live in 2017. It really does. It's just, it's, it's the only thing that you can't watch taped. If I miss a sporting event live, I'll tape it and I'll attempt to rewatch it later. But I just want to fast forward or I just want to know what happened. What if something crazy happens? I want to know when it happens in real time. That's how I like to follow my sports. So can we fix this Bellator? Especially for a fight of this magnitude. We're four days away. Let's try to get it done. By the way, the card took a bit of a hit and it ends up being a blessing in disguise for the Bellator officials because I thought originally what they should have done was MVP versus Paul Daly and Rory for the title shot against Douglas Lima. But then we come to find out MVP is out of his fight against Derek Anderson. So he was supposed to fight in the co-main event. And that's a, that's a blow because obviously they're trying to build him up not only in Bellator in general, but in that market, eventually have him fight Paul Daly, maybe. Maybe even after this fight, if if Paul would have lost, it would have made sense because Scott Coker said last week that the winner of this fight between Paul Daly and Rory McDonald are, you know, is going to fight for the welterweight title against the winner of Douglas Lima and Lorenz Larkin. That takes place June 24th in New York City at MSG on on the pay-per-view card. Um, so it's a bit of a blow. I heard it's a knee injury and that he might, they're not quite sure just yet, but that he might be out for, for a little bit. So that sucks for MVP, but it ends up being a blessing. Cause could you imagine if they would have done Paul Daly versus MVP and then he, he pulls out, that would have been a nightmare. So it's taking place this Friday, Wembley arena in London, big show. They also recently added Kimbo Slice Jr. to that card, and that's an important one for Kimbo because um, is it Kimbo? No, it's I always call him Kimbo Slice Jr. It's actually Kevin Ferguson Jr. Baby Slice is his official name. The son, of course, of the late uh, Kimbo Slice, who actually passed away almost exactly one year ago. It was early June, right after UFC 199. I'll never forget it when he tragically uh, passed away. So um, he has been added to the card and that's taking place this Friday in London, England. All right, let us move along now 
for the last few months, not just weeks, months. A lot of you have been asking me, can we get Joanne Calderwood back on the show? What's taking so long? Well, I wanted to wait for her to get a fight and it took a damn long time for her to get a fight, but she finally got a fight and it's happening this July in Glasgow, Scotland, of course. It makes a lot of sense to have her fight there and she is competing against Cynthia Calvillo and a lot of people are very excited about this. So now we finally welcome back Joanne Calderwood to the MMA Hour and she joins us via the magic of Skype. There she is. Joanne, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. So, what took so long? <laughs> uh, I've been chatting at the bit, so uh, just been training. Obviously, I had to take some time off after my last fight and get better. Because last year was kind of like, I just stayed the same as same fighter. And I didn't kind of jump into the whole tri-star and get better as a fighter. So I just, after my last loss, I was like, right, okay, I need to get better. There's things I need to improve. I need to be smarter with my schedule and just try and uh, be a better professional. And then, yeah, then obviously I, I thought I would be on March, the London card, and then that didn't happen. So now, I guess, like, I don't know. I wanted to fight sooner, but I guess it's like uh, it's better late than never in that, that I've got a fight. Yeah, and you're fighting in Scotland, which I know you always appreciate. When they told you that you were fighting Cynthia Calvillo, what did you think? Uh, to be honest, I, didn't, uh, I knew there was a lot of hype behind her and stuff, and but I had to like Google it. I hadn't seen her fight or anything, so this was like cool. It's not who I asked for, but uh, I'll take anyone. I just want to fight, and every fight in the UFC is going to be a good fight and a tough one. So, yeah, I, I was excited just to get a fight, just to get an opponent. Who did you ask for? Paige. Ah. Because, <laughs> like, I put it to the fans, and that's kind of like what everyone was saying, that it would be a good, uh, good fight and stuff, so... We still got our, tra- our training partner. <laughs> Wait, you, you, you used to... What did you say about training partner? I missed that. Like, I got her training partner. Oh, you got her training partner, like yes. From, right. Yeah. Or I think maybe former training partner, because I don't think that uh, Paige is still at the gym, but they did used to train uh, together in the past at uh, Team Alpha Male. And so you actually saw Cynthia this past week in, in Dallas at, at the press conference. What did you think? Did you guys have any, um, you know, this, the, the square off was, you know, it was a pretty solid one. Were there any words exchanged? Did you see anything when you saw her, when you looked in her eyes? What was your takeaway? I don't know. I just seen this smart and I was like, ah, uh, like, I'm so glad because I was kind of like, I didn't really want to miss training, but I'm so glad that I went because that smart is going to like just add a little bit more genuine uh, fierceness to my, my training camp. And I don't know, I guess it's just good to kind of just, I don't know, like when I get, when I do a stare off, I get in the zone and it's just kind of, I'm just like so excited for the fight, and uh, it was good to see how like how she was like around the stage. I know she likes a lot of attention and stuff, so I'm just like uh, sitting there like I know I'm gonna. Uh, I, I love the 
the fighting part and there's a lot of fighters out there that like the attention and stuff but as soon as you're in there I, to be honest I thought she would talk more shit like trash talk and stuff but she didn't so I guess uh, I just thought she brings a good fight to, uh, to Glasgow but, but, but the smirk and, and her demeanor it pissed you off sounds like yeah I don't know I just like I don't know if it's I've never had that before. I'm like, I've seen this marching and I was like, you're in for a really a ride. Like, don't think you're coming to Glasgow to, like, I'm so determined that I'm going to show, like, my, pro- my true uh, potential and just, like, no one's going to take that away from me. I guess I was just in the zone and it could have been anyone in front of me. I'm just like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be and no one in front of me can stand there and smirk at me and think that they're going to, they're going to take away from me. Uh, it's clear that the UFC is high on her. They put her on the pay-per-view on, on, on 209, and then she was back on a pay-per-view a month later, 210. Even uh, at the press conference at 210, Dana White was sitting next to her and was you know, talking about her, you know, kind of like um, a new Ioana Jacek or a Conor McGregor. I mean, he was, he was throwing a lot of praise her way. Do you think that they are using you to build her up? Who knows, like... Who knows what they're thinking or I just like, I'm just there to fight and I don't care about all the politics and all that shit. Like, if they think that, then uh, so be it. But uh, I just have to do my job and turn up to these pressers or do my PR and stuff. But my job is to deliver in the, the octagon. Did you enjoy the experience being up there with all those fighters? It was a little bit of a crazy press conference with punches thrown and talking about cocaine and prostitutes and things like that. What did you think of the whole thing? Nah, man, I was like, I can't believe I'm missing training for this. Uh, Obviously, it was a good experience. I got to see Cynthia and we got to stare off and stuff. But yeah, I was like sitting like, man, I should be training. Like, I'm missing training for this. And uh, it kind of pissed me off, but it motivated me as well. So, I mean, I can look at it in a positive way or a negative way. And I just, uh, I knew I was getting out of there and I was getting back to uh, Montreal. So it was a short trip. And yeah, but that's what I was thinking when I was like, I don't, I don't think we should bring insults and all that. I think we should be respectful. And, but I mean, People will argue with me, but that's my opinion. Yeah. I would just rather be training. Well, I, I would rather go to Montreal than be in Dallas as well, so I don't blame you for those feelings either. <laughs> with all due respect to Dallas. Yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> Did you see, like, there was some, uh, Daniel Cormier and John Jones were backstage and it, it seemed like bottles were thrown. Were you in the middle of any of that? I was sitting up the back watching. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, like, thinking, oh, shit, this is before the curtain went down, <laughs> so God knows what they're going to be like when people are watching. And, like, because, you know, people get, they want to put on a good show and stuff, so... That was just with the fighters backstage, so I was like, oh, it's going to get a lot worse when there's like a whole bunch of fans in front of us. But to be fair, there's probably more action uh, uh-huh. when the curtain was up. <laughs> um, when, when the UFC announced that they were going to finally introduce the 125-pound division, almost the majority of the comments that I received from fans were, 
This is great news for Joanne Calderwood. Yay. She can now fight at a more natural weight, 125. And so since they're bringing it in, why are you fighting at 115 still? Yeah, good question. Like, so I accepted the fight at 115 when I was like talking to Sean Shelby. I said, like, I'm always, even like, not even that time, but before I was always saying 125, 125. He's always just getting back to me saying, no, it has to be at 115. So I just had to make a decision. Then I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back to 115 because I want to fight. And I guess that's the only way. So, and to be honest, like I changed a few things up. I've started seeing a nutritionist outside the camp. And uh, so I was like a little bit more motivated about making 115. And uh, then... So I told him, right, okay, I'm I'm good for this fight. And then <laughs> the next day on Twitter, like, uh, I find out that there's the 125 division. I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> but I don't know. I can, like, like I said earlier, I can look at these things as a positive or a negative, and I'm going to look at it as a positive because this means I can go put on a great performance in Glasgow and then, then who knows, maybe I'll stay at 115 or... Uh, but at least there's an option for 125 yeah. but I'll make that decision after this fight I've committed to this fight and I'm going to do it did you try to get them to change it to 125 after you heard that they were introducing the weight class no because they had already sent me the contract and all oh. that okay yeah Wow. But, like, I'm just focusing on this fight. I've committed to it and I have to make this weight. And, uh, but, yeah, like, as you get older and the more fights, like, I've been fighting at uh, 115 for more, all of my career. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll see how this fight goes, this weight cut goes. And, obviously, like I say, I'm working with a nutritionist, so I, I feel like it's a little bit easier and uh, I just have to reach out and get as much help as I, I can and make sure I'm doing things right properly. They didn't ask you to go on the Ultimate Fighter, right? No. No, you wouldn't do that they, again, would they you? They didn't, but yeah, I probably would, actually. You would? Really? Especially at 125. Yeah, like that whole seven weeks I was in the house, I was like, all I could order was eggs and spinach. So can you imagine if I was fighting at 125, yeah. I could be having like lobster and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I just thought about the experience of being away and, and not being able to you know, communicate with the outside world. You just did it. I wouldn't think that you'd be so eager to do it again. I feel like I'm a better person now and I'm, uh, a lot of things have changed in my life. So I've, I would see it as a positive thing and I would, and probably enjoy it more and depending I don't think all the girls that were in the house would be going back in because some of them have kind of disappeared and some of them are still fighting but I doubt they'll be in the house so maybe be a different group of uh, hopefully talented uh, up-and-comers right uh, did they tell you like okay we're going to bring in the title at this time and this is our like do, do you have any details no you don't know okay you, it's just Cynthia Calvillo that you're thinking about uh, yeah, like, yeah, like that's one thing. Like, I would like to know 
uh, these things, but I guess like they have to keep their cards close to their chest as well. But it does kind of frustrate me a little bit because this is I'm seeing myself as a business and I'm an athlete. I need to know my plans, and uh, it would be good to know what would be next after Cynthia or that kind of thing. But I uh, guess it's just part of the sport. You you never know. By the way, do you have a manager now, or are you still self-managed? Self-managed. You like that better? I'm doing that. I don't. I don't even have any sponsors, so like. That's uh, crazy. Well, I have like a community, a meal deal and stuff. I get five meals a, a week, so that's good. But yeah, it's hard. But uh, what what do you do? Are, are you still staying at the dorms? No, I moved out. I moved around the corner. Oh. To a place. So I'm a little bit more settled. I have my own kitchen and that's a little bit easier. Because you know what it's like uh, staying with fighters. Yeah. It can be a bit messy. We're always like, we'll get it later. But later is usually training. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. So does that mean you live, in, happy. you live in Montreal full time now? Uh, not full time, but I've not been home since December. Okay. I want to spend most of my time here. Okay. I want to get better and stuff. I have to commit my time to being here full time. Did you watch the main event on Saturday between Jessica and and, and Ioana? No. No. Not yet. Just for the time difference and stuff. Uh, I'm going to watch it eventually, but I don't. I usually don't stay up live because. Like, obviously, I'm training and my sleep's important to me, so uh, I'll get around to it this week. But I had it was a great fight. You obviously know uh, Jessica because you fought her back in September, and Joanna, I'm sure you know um, a lot about as well. Were you surprised when you heard that she beat her five rounds to none? Did you think that Jessica would would maybe beat her or give her a tougher fight? Uh, no, I, I knew Joanna was going to win. Like, I know she's got better. She's got good uh, takedown defense and she's better scrambler and stuff. And with my fight with Jessica, I've seen that I have to, I can't just lie there and like play jiu-jitsu. I have to get back to my feet. And that was a problem for me last year. Like I was trying to get better at jiu-jitsu, whereas I should have been better, getting better at scrambling, getting back to my feet, getting back to my strength and doing more Muay Thai. So I just feel, I just knew that Joanna has, that whole game plan uh, fixed and she has a good team behind her and they would have been doing that for her. So I knew that was going to be the, the way the fight would go. By the way, I haven't talked to you uh, since before your fight in Cleveland. So it, it's been you know quite a while. And I wanted to ask you about, I remember you posting something on uh, social media about a man that you met on the street and you gave him tickets to the fight and then he left you a note. I think afterwards, what's the story there with this man in Cleveland? Oh, so me and Zach left the hotel and there was a homeless guy and he was walking down the street and he was telling us a few jokes and uh, he was like, oh, what's going on? Like, there's a lot of fighters around and like, uh, like at the hotel and I said it was a UFC event and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, in fact, do you want to go? Because I've got a few tickets. And he said, oh, yeah, I would love to. And then I said, okay, I'll put it at the reception for you and then uh, if you want them, they're there. So I didn't think anything of it. 
I thought, and even if they took it, then I thought maybe they would sell it. But then I was like, you know what, I better someone get some. So then I went down and the next day after the fight and he had left my notes that he had went to the event. And although I hadn't uh, got the result, he says that I'm a nice person, blah, blah, blah. And just left my really nice note. And so it turns out he was, he was at the event. Wow. So it made my weekend. Yeah. That was so, it's actually making me a little emotional right now. Yeah, just like I just kind of liked he was trying to make people laugh. And yeah. he's in a he's in a terrible situation being homeless, and uh, but he's still trying to see the good in things and trying to make people laugh. So he kind of touched me a little bit, and I was like, uh, just came to my head, like, do you want to go? That is a great thing. And he did. Did it take you a while to get over that that fight? No, 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 it was good that fight, like, taught me a lot because I, I think it's like being a mixed martial arts fighter, it's so hard, like, you have to, like, schedule everything and you have to know what you want to do and what you want to uh, do in the fight, so it, it just taught me that I had to take a step back and look at the holes in my game and then look at my strengths and just put everything together, also finding the team that's been a, a, a big thing as well like it's so hard like being in this sport there's so many coaches there's so many different martial arts that you need to know and uh, put all your time into so it's just uh, and obviously I was a, lot, a little bit vulnerable like last year and the year before so a lot of people see that and they kind of uh, they want to control me and they try and give me good advice and stuff. But now it's just a case of me knowing what's good for me and me working with myself and uh, doing what I want to do. And I guess all this shit just takes time and uh, I'm getting there. All right. By the way, last thing. What I, is? I don't know if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate the honesty very much. I appreciate you putting that out there. Um, what does the new hair color represent? Just a little bit darker than oh. like I'm brown, but it's just a little bit darker. I just, uh, I just got fed up and I had to, I dyed it one color. Okay. And obviously, I'm kind of trying a different design with my my shave bit because everyone's got it now. Yeah. So I'm kind of growing it, and I've got an idea for Scotland. So oh. I'm hoping to change it up. Can you give us a hint? Yeah, so I'm like just going to like well, this is going to be longer, and then I'm going to still shave this bit, but it's only going to be half. I'm going to dye this a kind of crazy color. Wow, what color? Think blue. For because it's, <laughs> you're like <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. You're not interested. No, I'm very interested. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of haircuts. And, is it blue for Scotland? Yeah, and obviously what I'll, I'll be reading. Oh, right, of course. No no kilts allowed still, right? Reebok hasn't allowed that? No, but I have got an idea for that. Oh. And I'm going to, I spoke to the Reebok people uh, in Dallas, actually, so I have to describe what I want to do and send it to them, and then I'll get them as a wow. proposal, hopefully. 
Kilt. We're talking about a kilt here? not going to be an actual kilt, but it's going to be something similar. Well, this is exciting. This is very exciting. Yeah, everyone, fingers okay. crossed that it works out. <laughs> we'll pray to the Reebok gods that they, uh, that they make this happen for you. <laughs> uh, Joanne, it's great to talk to you. It has been too long. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, great stuff in, in Dallas. It was nice to see you briefly over there and I uh, can't wait for this. And I know your fans are very excited to see you back in your home country of Scotland. So best of luck to you. Good luck as you prepare for the fight in the next two months. And hopefully we'll be talking to you very soon as well. Thank you. Are you going to be at the Glasgow event? Unfortunately not. I'm sorry. Ah. But guess what? <laughs> you do better when I'm not there. So maybe it's, maybe it's for the best. Oh, really? Well, okay. I, w- I was in Cleveland. You know. I don't believe in all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. But yeah, I was in Cleveland and, you know, that wasn't that great. Although we did have a nice interview beforehand. Um, so maybe we'll try to switch things up. And for you, I'm deciding to stay home because I don't want to be bad luck. That's the truth. Oh, so, so it's my fault? <laughs> yeah, no, it's for you. It's for your okay. benefit. Okay. Okay, you'll have to come visit Montreal then afterwards and get an orange joke. That is, that is a deal. That is a deal. On your way home to, tonight, get, get one for me in honor of me. I know it doesn't probably fit with the diet, but uh, I mean, it's orange julep. It's the great. No, you can't have that. All right. Fair enough. After the fight. Maybe if I was 125, then. That's right. It'd be all right. But Another reason to fight at Flyway. It is the best. It is the absolute yeah. best. I'm very jealous that you're so close to there. But really, it's great to see you back. Great that you finally got a fight. And again, good luck in, in July. Can't wait for it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show again. Pleasure as always. Anytime. There she is, Joanne Calderwood. She is back in July. Can't wait for it. Against Cynthia Calvillo, this is a big fight for her. It's a big fight for Cynthia as well. It is July 15th, to be exact. And it's, uh, it's back at the SSE in Glasgow. Glasgow, Scotland. That's a big one. And of course, the main event, they actually announced that last week as well. It is Gunnar Nelson against Santiago Ponzinibbio. That one kind of came out of left field. Didn't expect that one, but uh, it's a big showcase fight for uh, Gunner and Ponzinibbio is now ranked and he's on a winning streak. So why the heck not? Okay. We were talking to Joanne about the press conference. Of course, the big news coming out of said summer kickoff press conference was the incident between Michael Chiesa and Kevin Lee. It was everywhere afterwards. Sports Center tweeting about it, over a million views on their Instagram account. Everyone was talking about it. People who aren't even MMA fans were talking about it. So let's talk to Mr. Michael Chiesa about it. And he's joining us via the magic of Skype. Repping Walt Clyde Frazier. That's how we do. Respect. Let's go, let's go Mike. <laughs> I love it. And you're repping the socks. The stance socks on Friday, right? Yeah. I was absolutely. I was wearing my my best pair of Knicks socks. That is fresh. That is fresh. The, the Knicks actually just announced that Walt is going to the the draft lottery tomorrow to bring them good luck. So I appreciate you doing this this as well. Maybe this is a sign of good things to come tomorrow as the uh, the lottery happens. That, that's why I'm wearing my Walt jersey. I was like, <laughs> it's either Walt or you. You know, like last time you asked if I put the hat on just because I was going on your show and I didn't. I just happened to be wearing that. Yes. hat. But today I was like, all right. I'm going to put a jersey on. I'm going on the show with Ariel. I got to pick which one. So I was like, in spirit of Walt being at the draft, I I chose Walt. You know, my second son, his name is Walter, and we call him Walt. uh, And we chose that name partially because of Walt Clyde Fraser. That's how hardcore I am, Mike. 
Ah, that's admirable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You being kind. Um, okay, so we have yeah. a lot to discuss. Um, here we are, yeah. what, 72 hours later. How do you feel about this whole thing? What are your thoughts on it? It's water under the bridge, man. It's just nothing to dwell on. Um, you know, I've always been a pretty cool customer. I don't ever let my emotions get the best of me. So that was just totally very uncharacteristic of me. You know what I mean? That's just not the type of person I am. I'm not a hothead. So it's just water under the bridge and, uh, you know, mother's day is passed. So, yes. <laughs> you know, it, and it was so, it, it was so ironic that this all happened on mother's day weekend. So yeah, I'm not even thinking about it anymore, man. I'm just back to the task at hand and, and it's just, it's all about the fight. Do you regret it? No, I don't regret it at all. I mean, there's an unspoken rule amongst competitors, amongst men, and I think just amongst people in general is that, you know, it's okay to talk shit. It's okay to promote fights, but you just don't bring families into it, you know, and people are saying like, oh, he didn't even say anything that bad. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. Just the fact alone that the word mom came up and in the manner when you're saying like, oh, you better show up. I know your mom's going to be there. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you didn't say anything that bad, but guess what? You were en route to going that path and mm. it's not up to him to know that I'm a mama's boy, but you know, yeah. the media knows, the UFC knows. I mean, for Christ's sakes, if my mom is in attendance in a fight, right after I win, the camp, they have a camera on her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, that's that's just my one nerve. That's my one button you could push to really get that kind of reaction out of me. So, I don't regret it at all, but I know it, it won't happen again. So it looked to me like he, he punched you, that he landed a punch. Did, is that the case? And did it hurt? Uh, I didn't even know he punched me until I got backstage. Like as they're pulling me back, I was like, I kept asking Reed. I'm like, did he punch me? Did he punch me? And I got backstage and I'm like, did he fucking punch me? They're like, yeah, dude, he socked you right in the face. And, and you know, look, I I think it was a cheap shot because if you look, I've gone back and watched, I look at the pictures as I'm running up, I get grabbed by two guys and then he just runs up unattended to boom and just punches me. It's not like nobody was in between us. Like if I had run up and there was nobody, you know, intervening, he had every right to punch me in the face. But I even said before I went over there, I was like, dude, I need like security needs to get in the middle of this. I'm about to drop this mic and run over there, you know? And, and sure enough, that's what happened. And, and, uh, you know, it's just funny that, you know, I got two guys on me and he runs up and punches me in the face. Like I have my phone right here with the picture and it's like, it, it you know, it's clear as day, but uh, you know, I'm not going to get on this show and talk a bunch of shit about him. All I know is I didn't feel like I got punched. I didn't even know I got punched. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I think that's, that's all I need to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and we're actually showing the photo uh, right now as you speak. So it's, it's, it's on the screen for those watching at home. Yeah, and it's like, you know, even just right here, look, he is unattended to as I am just getting swamped. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's whatever, dude. Okay. It happened. I got punched. It didn't even leave a mark on my face. You know, whatever. It's fine. We're going to fight in six weeks. Yeah. And then that's that's the best part about it, you know, is, is uh, we get to continue. We can continue where we left off on June 25th. So they brought you to the back um, while the, the press conference continued. And then you came back out for the um, for the face off. What what did they say to you when you were in the back? Oh, I mean, Sean immediately, you know, you know, they're worried about the fight. They're just like, dude, things like this can get the fight pulled. Like the commission in Oklahoma, they could see this and you guys could get fined. They could pull your fight. Like, dude, you need to chill. I'm like, dude, okay, I'm cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm cool. That's all you had to say. 
I'm not that big of a guy where I'm going to lose my temper and it's going to take me forever to, to get my shit together. But you know, it's like the second that he was like, dude, you got to chill. You could get your fight pulled. I was like, okay, I'm chilling. Yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? Like back, I got my feet back on the ground, you know, and that, that was just their main concern is they were just worried about the fight getting pulled. And, you know, that would just be devastating. I, I would be, I'd be very, then I would regret it. I would regret it if there was repercussions that involved the fight getting pulled. So uh, I'm glad it didn't, um, but fuck a lot of hype surrounding it now yeah. holy crap <laughs> did, did did they yeah. reprimand you did they like scold you for this because he actually said that people in the ufc told him that he did the right thing because you went you know you got up first essentially you know what i never got scolded L- listen the ufc is not going to scold either of us unless there's just like some serious repercussions but the yeah. fact that like nobody there was no fines no athletic commissions were calling of course they didn't scold him and of course they didn't scold me because we did you know it wasn't my intention for this to happen but we did what they want us to do the most and that's promote fights yeah. they want us to promote these fights make them big you know get some get some controversy swirling and stuff like that so you know of course they're not going to scold either of us you know what i mean it's yeah. it's whatever well witness the fact that on the pay-per-view they did a little highlight thing and you guys got you know a large chunk of it and they showed the whole thing and i'm assuming it will be in the commercials and in the build up to the fight so they may say that they're unhappy but deep down this was a home run. That's just a fact. Oh yeah. It, we kind of stole the show, I think, yeah. you know, and like I said, that wasn't my intention. That's just my one nerve. I think everybody's got him. You know what I mean? There's some things I could say about him that would piss him off and get him to react the same way, but I'm not even going to mention, I'm not even going to bring him up because that's not who I am. That's not the type of person I am. Um, and it's whatever it's the past, the fight's hyped. It's on. We're, you know, they're going to lock us in a freaking cage and we're going to be punching each other in the face. Like, you can't ask for much more than that. Kevin sometimes rubs people the wrong way with his words, with, you know, his demeanor, what he says, how he dresses. What, what do you make of him? How do you feel about him? Well, truth be told, up until everything happened, I actually like Kevin. You know what I mean? We actually, we've been on the mats together at Syndicate a few years back. Um, I've, you know, and I've always gone up and talked to him. I remember seeing him at the Athlete Summit uh, a couple years back, you know, sat and talked to him. I like, I've never, you know, I don't even like really dislike the guy even after the fact. You know what I mean? It's just, you, you really like, it's like, uh, it's like even one of my best friends. If my best friend Gary Kelly was to crack a mom joke, I'd flip out. You know what I mean? All my friends know that. We all talk shit to each other amongst the boys. We're always going back and forth trading barbs but we always have a rule like you just leave the moms and the families out of it you know what i mean so it's like i really have no ill will against the guy you just you sh- just treaded water you shouldn't even be swimming in you know what i mean so um you know i know he rubs people the wrong way and that's that's understandable he's kind of got a mouth on him but i've never had an issue with the guy you know what i mean that doesn't mean i'm sitting here saying like i want to be his friend right. you know, i'm going to kick his ass on june 25th but you know he's never really rubbed me the wrong way even when he's called me out in the past when he's just you know you know he said he wanted to fight me or Khabib or Nate Diaz he's never he's never said anything up until that point that's ever you know gotten me upset and 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 by the way he actually mentioned the fact that you guys have trained together um in the past when he came to see the media on Saturday and he said that he thinks that that's why you 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 are kind of acting this way before the fight because you know what's coming because he insinuated that he got the best of you when you guys trained in the past any truth to this 
dude, we never even did any rounds together. We were just in the, we were on the mats at the same time. <laughs> and even if he, here's the thing about me and I have no shame saying this, I am not a gym fighter. So even if I'm wrong and we have trained together, which I'm 99.9% sure we've never gone rounds. If I remember correct, he came to syndicate during sparring. He was sparring with this kid, AJ Williams, really talented kickboxer. And they were doing their thing, but I, I'm not a gym fighter. I perform like shit in the gym. I'm always overtrained and just fatigued and cutting weight and whatever. So I'm not acting anyway because of anything in the past. You know what I mean? I'm acting. I'm acting this way over one thing. You talked about my mom. Yeah, yeah. That's what this is all about. It says nothing. The what, past. This is just. This is just about one thing. What did you guys say to each other when you squared off? Oh. Uh, you know, a lot of profanities. <laughs> uh, I told him he should take another cheap shot. Huh. Um, you know, told him I'm just smack him around. I don't know, just a bunch of stuff. You know, we were both going back and forth. To, you know, emotions are running high at that point. You know what I mean? So I, I said a lot of things that were pretty fucking vulgar, and so did he. And you know, of course, I cap. You know, I I finished it off with a finger in the face and <laughs> whatever. You know. Uh, you know, it's not one of my prouder moments, but I don't regret it. I don't know where he's coming up with this thing about us training in the past. I literally, I'm 100, pretty much 100% sure at this point, we've never, ever gone live together. Okay. So Fair I enough. don't know where this is all coming from. Here, here's the biggest question of them all. What did your mom say about the whole thing? Have you talked to her? Well, yeah, I talked to her and, you know, I, I immediately, I apologized and I was like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You're probably getting a lot of unwarranted attention. Here's one thing that I got to say about my mom. My mom holds a UFC record. This is a true story. My mom is the first mom to ever step foot in the UFC octagon ever. After wow. I won tough. Yeah. She was the first mom to step in post fight. You know what I mean? This, she's a hall of famer. Can't be disrespecting a Hall of Fame mom. I mean, there's not very many of them. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but uh, I immediately apologized and just told her, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, you know, she she was like, you know, I'm not upset with you because that's the same way your dad would react. And you know, my dad was very protective of my mom as well and stuff. So it was just kind of like, you know, I'm just kind of continuing what was passed down. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So um, she's not upset with me. She's just like. Why am I getting all these Instagram followers and stuff? I'm like, fuck that mom, you're you're a superstar now. <laughs> if anything, she should be flattered that you defended her honor. She is, you know, deep down she is. She just, you know, she doesn't want to see me out getting in any trouble. That was the that was the biggest thing. And uh, you know, but yeah, she was definitely like not saying she was proud of me, but she knows why I did it. And even then it's like, you know, it's always like, do as your dad does type thing. And, you know, I did as he does. And so it's, uh, it's, you know, she's not upset. She should just soak it up and enjoy it. <laughs> uh, did, did your phone blow up afterwards? Were people hitting up, hitting you up all over the place? Cause this thing, you know, spread everywhere. Oh God, dude, my phone, my phone's still freaking going off, man. It's, it's nuts. I mean, my friends are like, dude, you're on world stars Instagram. I'm like, Oh man, that's so ghetto. I've been on world star hip hop. I'm, yes. That's ghetto. <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, my phone's still going off and you know, a lot of people are just like, yeah, a lot of people don't agree with what, what, what was said and what transpired. And, uh, I feel like a lot of people are in my favor over it. And that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm looking for, man. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I don't want people to be 
I don't want people to be hyped about this fight because of what happened at the press conference. I want them to be hyped over the fact that you got two guys that are ranked in the top 15 in the toughest division in the world. They're going to lock horns in the main event in Oklahoma City. Uh, that's what I want people to be hyped about. I don't want them to be hyped because of, of some your mom joke that blew up, but you know it happened. And uh, you know if that's what's going to get people to pay attention and, and get us, you know, it's going to this whole thing between him and I really is going to propel our careers. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins, well, I'm going to win fight night, but no, no, there is no loser at this point. You know what I mean? I'm going to get my hand raised, but this this whole blow up at, at the press conference really kind of benefited both our careers. So. Um, you know, that's what you need to stand out in the sport is you need to not try to be like other people. Like people, people always accuse Kevin of trying to be like Connor or mm-hmm. trying to be like other people. It's like, you need to just stand out on your own and let things happen organically. That was organic. You know what I mean? Like certain things happen that, that will get people's attention. You know what I mean? Like, look at the things, look at the things Connor said that's gotten him attention. He wasn't trying to be like anybody. He's just trying to be himself. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what's going to get you. That's what's going to get you a fan base. That's what's going to get you attention. That's what's going to get people's eyes on you. It's just be yourself. You know what I mean? Let things happen naturally. Don't try to be like anybody else. You know, uh, th- there was a lot of bad blood on, on, uh, Friday at the presser and a lot of people have said to me like do you think the fighters are trying too hard to sell fights because of what happened to Connor you know he did a great job at these press conferences talking smack do you think that fighters are you know trying to replicate that do you believe there's any truth to that that that, that people are are going out of their comfort zone to talk smack to be controversial because of what he did yeah i mean absolutely i mean a lot of people are and you know and i don't blame them because in this we have such a limited window in the sport that you you see connor's success and it 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 goes beyond him being a great fighter you know i'll I'll knack the guy i think he's a douchebag for sure but i will never say he's not a good fighter that guy is elite that guy has won two titles simultaneously in two different weight classes his skills they're off the charts you know what i mean but it's it's everything outside of his skills that made him connor you know what i mean like we've had a lot of dominant champions in the ufc that didn't that haven't garnished the attention that he has and I, I i don't blame people for wanting to emulate what he does you know what i mean that's not that's not how i want to be i'm just going to be myself you know what i mean but i don't blame other people for for wanting to do that you know you got this small window and in the more you know Connor gets Connor makes a lot of money because he's got a lot of people watching him. And that does, that goes beyond him just being a great fighter, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I don't blame a lot of people for wanting to try to emulate that and kind of be loud and talk some shit and cross some lines. You know, it's, it's, it, I, I feel it's warranted. By the way, did you go to two eleven or did you go home after the presser? I went, me, me and Kevin were both at two eleven. Did you see I, him? I definitely attended. I brought, um, um, they had us sitting in two different sections. So, okay. um, I kind of saw like towards the end of the night, I saw where he was sitting, but, uh, um, no, we, we weren't anywhere close to each other. They were, they were very adamant about keeping us separated. And at that point, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's said and done. Yeah. Like I said, I got great. Talent. I'm a cool customer. I always have a level head. You know, even if he was to start spouting off your mom jokes or something, I, st- I would keep my composure at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was yeah. just like, that was like a one hiccup. That was, <laughs> that was just like a one time, you know, thing. It was, it was just like, 
I've never had anybody say something about my mom ever. You know what I mean? Like it blew my fucking mind. It was like, what the fuck? You know, this, she's a saint. No, I know. Her name is Teresa. <laughs> Teresa, you know, even if we were right next to each other or anything like, I, and he started saying stuff, I would have just brushed it off at that point. But I mean, there was even a point when I was sitting on the bus waiting to leave the arena and they're like, you go on the bus now. You know what I mean? We got to get Kevin on a shuttle to keep you guys apart. Sit on the bus. All of a sudden, Chris Provino comes walking up on the bus. And he sees me. He goes, oh, nope. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> dude. You're not Jump out guy. of my seat and do yeah. something. No, it's just it just happened that one time. You know what I, I mean? I sympathize with you. I used to be that same way in high school. In fact, one time we were playing street hockey and someone said a, a, a mom joke and I took my stick and I slashed a guy in the stomach and it was like a, a completely innocent thing. But he said mom and that was my trigger. So I'm on your side. You can't you can't say the the, the mom word. It's just it's just out of bounds. So I, I feel you. I feel you, my you know, man. It, it goes it goes beyond it. It just being a mom joke. Like a lot of people don't know this, but you know. That, that's not my biological mom. You know, my, I have a, I have a, a long dark history with my biological mom. That's at some point we'll, you know, we'll come out. I just oh. choose not to talk about it, but my dad married, my dad married my mom who is my mom. Now he married her when I was like two. So she's been in my life since I can remember. And we're talking, this is a very fragile lady that's been through a lot. You know, she's, she's a widow to a guy she was married to for a long time. You know, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very protective of her. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like it's my job now. No, now that my dad's passed on, sure. like, it's my job to protect her and stuff. So it's just like, that's, that's, you know, that's probably another reason why I flipped out. You know yeah. what I mean? Is it's like, you just, just, I'm not only is she my mom and I'm protective of her, but there's a lot of history that people don't know about that make, that makes her that much more special. Wow. Me, you know? So yeah. it's not his fault. He doesn't know, no, these, I know. other people, but it's like, kind of it kind of ma- makes things make that's why a lot of people back home that know these things are like dude i'm surprised you didn't fucking kill the guy it's still wow. trying to or something it's like oh it's just it's just a one-time hiccup you know that's my lady that's that's my number one so wow i had no that, idea i didn't know that about you yeah yeah well not not a lot of people do because i don't right. you know i just don't talk about it i always tell people at some point Dude, I've got, I have been through a crazy life. You know what I mean? Like just, just from what you've seen on tough, that just like scratches the surface. Like someday I'd love to write a book or just do a sit down and just tell this crazy ride I've been on. You know what I mean? Like there's so much to it. And, uh, you know, she's a big part of the reason why I'm here. You know what I mean? So it's just nuts, man. It was crazy. Um, one last quick thing. And and I appreciate you mentioning that. And it certainly explains, I mean, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone, but, um, how can anyone, you know, criticize you now, um, after knowing a little bit about your background, even more so than what you've told us in the past. And you've certainly been an open book. Um, what are you expecting? I mean, you, I know, I know you, you're confident and you took this fight and there was talks of Eddie Alvarez, but you win this fight on the 25th. Is it fair to expect a title shot? Do you feel like you're you're you know you're that much closer? Do you feel like you have to win one more after Kevin Lee? What are you expecting out of this? Uh, I think you know I think no matter what I'll have to win one more. Okay. Um, this division is just locked up right now with Connor. You know, just it's just very similar to 185. Um, you know, I'm expecting one more. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed. I know Khabib wants to come back in September. I'm not looking past Kevin. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah, give yeah. the kid his yeah. credit where credit. It's tough for sure, uh, but he ain't better than me. So, but I'm not. I'm not looking past him. Um, you know. So I know that Khabib's waiting in limb for you know in like September, 
And, you know, I want to get active this year. After this fight with Kevin, I, I'd like to fight two more times this year. I'd okay. like to stay in shape. I'd like to – I've done a good job maintaining my relevance outside of competition. But, you know, I need to fight. I need to compete. And, you know, getting a win over Kevin is going to get me in the top five. I'm going to continue right where I left off. So, um, you know, I know I'll need one more big fight after that. And at that point, dude, I'll be ready for whoever. I've been ready for whoever. Yeah. I've been asking for Eddie. You know, I've been ready yeah. to fight anybody – Anybody that's going to get me closer to where I need to be. So, um, you know, I think that one more fight after after Kevin will we'll lock in a title shot. Great stuff, Michael. I know you didn't want to really, you know, rehash all of this, but I appreciate you coming on and, and saying your side of the story and, 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 and talking about it all and, and definitely, you know, giving um, us a little more info on, on, on your background really means a lot. So thank you so much. Can't wait for the fight. June 25th in OKC, main event on FS1. That's a Sunday night fight. Kevin Lee versus Michael Kiesa. It's going to be a great one. Appreciate it, my man. And thanks for wearing the jersey. And the hair is looking fresh to death as well. So just for the record, we're looking good so thank far. You, sir. All right, we'll talk appreciate to you soon. It. There he is, Michael Kiesa stopping by. Great stuff from him and appreciate um, his his candor and his willingness to talk a bit about his background as well because I know that's not easy. So thank you very much. Can't wait for that fight on June 25th. Okay, uh, speaking of Eddie Alvarez, on Saturday he fought Dustin Poirier and this has been talked about a lot since the fight on Saturday night. Should the fight have been ruled a DQ? Was it the right call to call it a no contest? Did he mean to throw illegal knees? Well, there's only one person that could really weigh in on all of this, in my opinion. The third man in the cage. Um, he is Herb Dean. He is one of the very best in the business. He is a pioneer. He is a veteran mixed martial arts referee. And everyone can go online and talk about what they think, what they think they know, their opinion, their two cents. You're not, you're not licensed officials. This man knows, and he's on the show right now, and I can't thank him enough for coming on and giving us his two cents on all of this. He is joining us right now via the phone. Herb, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you just fine. Thank you so much for, for coming on. So uh, we have a lot to discuss here, and, and I really appreciate your time. Um, here we are, a little less than 48 hours removed. Do you stand by your call? Do you think the right call was made, ruling it a no contest? Oh, of course I do. Um, I, I think... Uh that that is um yeah, I definitely stand by that ruling really in no contest. I, I you know, I wasn't able to get uh, my computer was acting strange. I wasn't able to get a, a PDF of that little chart, but there's a little chart I made for uh it helps me uh when I do my referee course teaching officials, uh how we interpret that rule as far as for what to do when a foul happens, whether it was intentional or unintentional or if there's damage or if there's not damage. Uh, so I don't know if you got to look at that. Uh, I actually am looking at it right now because I saw that you tweeted it, and I would suggest anyone who's maybe watching this live to pull that up. Uh, your Twitter account is is right there on the screen, Herb Dean MMA. And so, um, for those that may not be looking at it, and for those that would love to hear your your point of view, could you tell us how you got to the decision of um, okay, this was unintentional? Yes, it was an illegal strike because he was down, but it was an unintentional illegal strike, which leads to a no contest. How did you make that call? Well, he was, um, it was the, 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 the strike, the definite strike that did damage, he was down, uh, his knee was down, uh, and he was kneeing the head. Um, I, uh, what I call an intentional foul would be an, an example of an intentional foul. Let's say a fighter's laying on his back, uh, you jump up and stomp him in the face. Uh, maybe like uh, Wes Sims, Frank Mir, I believe. Mm -hmm. That might be a good example. Uh, there's no way you can say that this person is trying to fight within the rules. Eddie had his um, his face, his head was over um, over 
Poirier's back. Uh, he was not able to. I cannot. I, I can't imagine a way where he would be able to see his hands or his knees. I believe that uh, he was fighting in, in uh, earnest and think that uh, thought that his fighter was not grounded. And uh, so, uh, and there's no way that I could I could say that he knew that for certain. I attempted to warn him before he went in with that knee, uh, but it was loud in there, and I, I can't. I don't. I can't say that he heard me. So um, I don't think that he threw. The, I don't believe that he was trying to fight outside of the rules when he threw that knee. I can't. I, I can't say that he was. Right, and and do you do you like the fact that there is even you know this distinction between intentional and unintentional? Like in other sports, if you commit a foul the referee doesn't then have to put himself in the athlete's mind and try to decipher whether it was intentional or unintentional. And yet you are asked to do that. Do you, do you like that there is that, that, that distinction there, or would you rather it just be, you know, all fouls are intentional and thus illegal. And thus that would lead to a DQ. What do you prefer? Well, I think, I think there's a difference with the sport. And so, cause the sport is, is the sport is a fight. And so, um, and so uh, when I never, you know, that was a really good question. I never had anyone ask me that before. And so I'm, I'm thinking about it now. I do like it that way. Okay, what I don't like is, I do, what I don't want to do is read people's mind. Uh, you know, I think that if I were to start uh, reading people's mind, you know, uh, that brings up a lot of issues, like privacy issues. You know, am I just going to read their mind about uh, the foul or uh, about other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But, so I try not to read their mind. I'm just joking. All right, I can't read people's mind. Right. So what I can do is if something's blatant, I, I can call that. Uh, if if uh, I don't, um, I can't read whether somebody intentionally does something. But if there is a blatant foul that is totally outside of the rules and no way can be uh, seen as an accident, then I think that there should be a, a larger punishment and the ability to disqualify that person. Hmm. So I do like the separation. If I have someone who just does something that's totally outside the rules uh, uh, and, uh, and is blatant, uh, blatantly against the rules, I like that there's a difference between those two types of fouls. And, and uh, what Eddie did did not fit into something that was blatantly outside of the rules. So another thing that was brought up was the fact that he threw multiple illegal knees. Um, forget about intentional or unintentional. It was clear that Dustin's hand was down, which, which means that he's a down opponent and you can't throw a knee. The fact that there were multiple knees... Did that give you pause? Did that make you think, well, maybe, you know, if you do it once, okay, but the second time, you know, this, this should be, you know, this should be viewed as intentional and thus a DQ. Did you think about that at all? Well, yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, I, here's the way we uh, describe a downed opponent. I, down, I describe a downed opponent, and this is the way, I don't know if you, that's something I want to ask you. Have you ever, you know, sometimes the cameras are often in there when I'm doing my rules meeting with the fighters. Have you, have you ever heard what I, uh, the rules that I give to the fighters? I don't think I've heard them in its entirety. Well, or even just a briefness. So in, in the UFC, I do more of a brief uh, rule. And one of the things that I go over, and I've been, most of the fighters can say it with me by heart. They're very, the fighters are really gracious and patient to sit there and listen to me uh, say something that I've been saying for probably, you know, 15 years, the same thing. Uh, I rule a downed opponent as supporting weight because obviously if someone's weight is being supported by their hands and the, by their feet and the fence, and then they reach down and touch their fingers, there's a lot of gamesmanship that used to go on with that. And so we started for quite a long time ago, it's very established 
that we rule it down to opponent as supporting weight. Mm-hmm. Supporting weight means if you snatch their hand away, they're going to fall on their face. So that's what we call a downed opponent. Otherwise, we get into situations where guys start playing games. And fighters, all the fighters know about this. In this sport, it's referred to as playing the game. And so that's how we avoid that. Okay, now how about this distinction between some commissions where some have adopted the new unified rules, others haven't. And so, for example, in New York last month, you need to have four points down. In Texas, they haven't adopted the new rules. One hand is okay. Do you feel like this is leading to some confusion with the fighters? Because if we were in New York on Saturday, those wouldn't have been illegal strikes, correct? Well, I don't. I did not rule them as illegal here. No, but meaning there wouldn't even be yeah, any. I, I did, did. It wouldn't even no be a stuff. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I didn't believe that they were supporting weight. Okay. And so just, I just want to make that clear. Yes, and, yes. And though that goes, that goes into the instructions that I gave though uh, the fighters before the fight. I, uh, I in the instructions before the fight, I always go over. You can ask anyone, any of the guys who are uh, in this sport. Uh, they've heard it a thousand times. I, uh, a downed opponent is anything but feet supporting weight. I've actually given those instructions to um, actually to the commentators. Mm. You know, I think I've given those instructions to Daniel Cormier before. Um, uh, we I went over it with Joe Rogan before, but you know, I know that those um, those guys there. You know, they um, man, they got a lot on their plate. They I mean, to sit and have to talk about yeah. what's going on for. For six hours, there's no other sport I think where these guys have to do that. You know? No, sometimes more. I think I think Saturday was seven hours. Uh, man, and, and to think about and to, and and to be interesting, uh, I, I try to do it, and, and, and there's no way I could do that. So uh, I mean, I you know, and I think we're all trying to figure this out. I think it would be beneficial though is if I were to, um, to you know, I think Joe Rogan and I we haven't really talked about the rules. Every now and then we get a chance and we chat about stuff, but we never had anything. Where uh, you know we're focused, and I'm sitting down, letting them know how we enforce the rules and why, and, and let them weigh in on it. You know what I mean? Because we, you know, they have an opinion, and you know they've been around the sport a long time. So I think that would be something that's beneficial. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I hear uh, them making interpretations that make sense, but that's not how we uh, do the rule. And the reason why we do it that way is, of course, because when you're trying to apply something, you know, the practical part of it, there's so many things that come up, and so that you know there has to be. There's, there's certain ways we apply the rules and there's reasons why we do it that way. Do you also um, make a point to tell the fighters before the fights in the locker room, whenever you see them, that, okay, in, in, in this state, which we're fighting in, it's the old rules, the new rules. You didn't have to do that, you know, last year, but now because of... Yes, 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 I do. And I, and I, and I talk about that. And yes, of course, I mean, of course, I think that's the... It's very confusing for the fighters that uh, it, I don't think it should happen that way. I don't think I think we should all be on the same page. Um, and and this this new rule I think uh, is gonna in the sports places where it is legal. I think it's it's playing out interestingly because it's like I mean it's a hard thing to you know because the way the fighters are taking it is that if they wish to ground themselves they need to put both their hands down. Uh, I would suggest to anybody, and I'm sure the fighters have figured this out, uh, go ahead and put your knee down. I have a hard time telling anybody to uh, put your hands away from your head, you know, especially both. You know, I think in combat sports, it's useful to keep a hand around your head, you know, uh, because people, because even, let's say you put both hands down, you can't be kneed, but there's a lot of legal techniques the person could do to you, punches, elbows, things like that, that could knock you out. So right. you want to have a hand around there to defend, defend your head. Does it frustrate you that some commissions, some states have not adopted the new rules? Well, um, 
it doesn't frustrate me that that some uh, haven't adopted it. I it frustrates me. Frustrates me is that is that it's separate. Is that is that we have two sets of rules. However, it came up. However, we got there. Uh, new rules, old rules. I just want the rules to be consistent. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest thing we could do for the for the sport. So I'm not I'm not saying that the other guys need to adopt the rules. I'm not saying these guys are wrong for changing rules. Everyone's trying to do the bottom line. Is you know. People have opinions that, for me, it's not about me. I'm in here to serve these fighters. And, uh, and that's, I'm just trying to do the, the best I can do with that. And I think that having a consistent set of rules is the first thing that we can do to serve. Are you confident that sooner rather than later this is going to happen? Because I can only imagine that it makes your job just that much more. I mean, I think MMA officials have the toughest job in sports because so much of what you do is subjective and in the heat of the moment, there's, there's a lot going on there. And I feel like this just makes your job tougher, you know, because because fighters may complain, oh, I didn't know rules, this and that. The 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 announcers are are confused, and then you get all this hate, this vitriol. Are you confident that this is going to happen sooner rather than later that everyone gets on the same page? I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I wasn't a part of making the change. Yeah, uh, you know, I would get more, I would get more active and, and start talking to the guys who uh, who did make the change. I talked to some. Uh, to the different because of course I, I work in the different commissions. Yeah, some of these guys are going to change because. Um, I think they have adopted the change, but it just takes a little while for it to go through their, uh, the way their government works, the way, you know, so I think some of these states where the rule is not uh, being applied, I think will be applied. I think they attend to, but it's just a matter of time before it just, there's, it just takes a little time before uh, it gets worked out legally. And then there's some states who have decided that they, that they don't like the new rule and that they're not going to apply it. So I don't know uh, if, um, if they're going to do that. How do you feel about the argument um, that some make that knees, no matter where they are thrown, on the ground, of, you know, stand, whatever, should be legal? That this rule of downed opponent, not, you know, in, in Japan, they're, they're legal everywhere. Would you like to see that or do you like the rule? Um, well, the bottom line, it's a rough sport. Um, I, I, I've worked with both those rules. I've uh, competed under both those rules. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't really make a difference to me. I just want it, I just like things to be consistent. That's all. Okay. Um, but you don't have, you know, a preference? A preference? Yeah. A preference? Um, no, I mean, I think when you're training for something, you, you know what I mean? You, you figure it out. Okay. Um, yeah, so a knee to knee. I've heard you say this a couple of times that it was very loud and you don't know if Eddie heard your, your warnings. Have you ever made a call based on that, on, on the fact that it was loud and, and, and you're giving the fighter the benefit of the doubt? Well, um, well right now I'm doing that. I don't, I don't, um, when I, when I, so let's say, uh, I had stopped the fight and given him a warning Yeah. and that would be a hard warning. When I, when I stopped the action, there's a warning I would do on the play. Hey, watch those. Then there's a difference. There's a hard warning. Stop action. Hey, you're being warned. And, uh, you know, I may not take a point, but I do stop the action and warn a fighter. Maybe he may, uh, maybe lose a position because of, uh, because of foul. Um, then if something like that happens again, now someone's been given a hard warning. They, I can't say that they're being, they did it on purpose, but I can definitely say they're being irresponsible. And Mm -hmm. so then, yeah, that's different. So did you consider after the first knee, 
stopping the action, hard warning? How do you know when to, or when do you decide well, to do I, that? I, I told you that I, don't, I didn't call. Under the rules that I gave, yeah. I don't believe that he was supporting weight. At all, okay. So why did you stop it eventually? His, I his weight, because he was, his knee was down when he received the, the knee that did the damage. Okay, all right. Um, after the second one, right? Yeah, yeah his knee, there's, a, there's a knee uh-huh. where his knee is down. Yeah. And that's where the damage is done. Okay. And... Uh, so then that's why, that's why I saw On the broadcast, the UFC, I think, has gotten a lot better at being transparent, and they showed you talking to Mark Ratner, um, sort of explaining what your decision was going to be. This is not something that I, I, I've seen in the past. Why did you talk to Ratner and not, you know, or did you talk to the commission? I came out to talk to the commission. I actually came out to talk to the commission, but Mark Ratner was there as ah, well. okay. And so so I, I just wanted to, um, if I, because... If I have, I've already stopped time. I've already, uh, the, you know, everything has been decided. There's not an urgency to get the action going again. It's always, for me, I think I want to be a team player and let the uh, commission I'm working with know what my decision is going to be and explain it to them. Because there's no rush at that point. Right. Are you surprised to hear that Dustin is now appealing the decision? Um... No, I think uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not surprised. I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm hearing it right now. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that, but I think you know he's in. You know he can appeal it if he wishes to. I, you know, I don't. Um, yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. But just given the fact that it seemed like, um, from my perspective, that he was okay with it in the cage, like what they were saying and just his demeanor, and then. Well, I know. can't. I don't want to judge it yeah. by that. You know, okay. there's a lot going on. Guys have a lot going on. You yeah. know what I mean? He's. He's dealing with the fact that he's, you know, he's got it. I mean, I can imagine he had, he needed some time to process and decide what he wanted to do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. You, it's, you know, he just had a match. Uh, things, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I, I have no idea why. Uh, I can't explain why someone would choose to or not to do something. That's for them to explain. And just curious, in a, in a case like this, like if, if a fighter, um, appeal something do they call on you to then give like a testimony how does that work well that's happened before yeah. um where a fighter um where a fighter or uh, one time a fighter appealed and uh i saw a replay that uh made me uh change my decision uh-huh. what i that i saw i did a, i made a decision in the moment that i thought was right and then in the replay uh i saw that um what i thought was a knee what i thought was a knee to the head actually hit the guy's tricep before hitting his head and it knocked his head back. Uh-huh. And so then I went and I, um, I, I, I did give a, a statement about what I thought uh, happened. Do you think that replay should be used no matter what in all jurisdictions? Uh, I think replay is useful, uh, especially with a fight ending injury. I can't, I can't see a reason to not, especially once, the, once it's a fight ending. Once the fight has already been stopped, uh, uh, it's not, you know, because you don't want to start stopping, uh, the action to go to a replay because then people get, uh, you take momentum and things like that away from people. But once the, uh, once everything has been decided, I can't see a reason not to get the most information that you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and by the way, since we have you, what was your take on what happened in Buffalo? Do you feel like the right call was made in the Weidman Musasi fight? Uh, the Weidman Musasi fight, I think I talked about that. I did an interview about that. You know, uh, no, you didn't call, talk to me about it, Herb. This is different. Okay, yeah. So let's go <laughs> over again. The call was because um, I'm so focused on my sure. It was same thing. There was a knee, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and the knee was decided. They they, they ruled that the knee was um, was a, a fair blow, right? Well, um, initially, uh, I think Dan Mirgliata thought that 
um, he had four points down, and so he stopped mm-hmm. the action. But then I guess he saw the um, the replay, and the doctor spoke to Weidman, um, and he said that he could not continue because he, you know, thought that he was hit with an illegal knee. So that they they then awarded the the fight, the victory to um, Musasi because they said legal knee, guy can't continue. It's a TKO. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Okay, so you were okay with it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, the legal uh, is a fair blow. The fight, it's you know, uh, the fight uh, cannot continue yep. due to uh, a fair blow. So that the result is TKO. Is it is it tough sometimes when you have these fighters who are are being asked questions like you know what days and stuff, and they're in the midst of a fight and they've been punched in the head? Do you, do you feel like we're doing the best? We're 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 using the best course of action to determine whether or not these fighters are are able to continue. I know I know it's tough and there's no exact science, but sometimes it feels like there's a lot of pressure on them, and you know both physically and mentally. And you can understand why they may get things wrong. You get what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I, I think so. But I think that that's go, that's into the assessment, and that the doctor does it, the physician does. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, maybe that might be one of the tools they use. But I would imagine that they're using some other things that maybe we're not qualified to critique uh, to come to their assessment. Okay. Um, and are you happy? And I ask you this all the time. But given the current state of MMA officiating, like as someone who watches so much and is a part of so much, are you happy with the progression of the talent that's out there? Judges, referees, do you, I mean, it's amazing to me when I hear sometimes, you know, what the referees make and you guys are officiating, you know, fights where there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line, if not millions of dollars. And so I wonder, you know, is it still the same are guys? You me for you, are you asking me if I'd like a raise? Well, yes. Would you like a raise? First off, oh, yeah, of course, I always want. A yes, raise. Yeah, well, you yeah. deserve a raise. But, uh, but I, I love my job. You know, I love doing what I do. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm passionate about it. But basically, what uh, I wonder but, uh, is, I, are there enough good referees and judges uh, in 2017? The sport is 24 years young. Are you happy with the way things are progressing, or do you feel like there is a I'm, need I'm for happy. more? I think things are moving definitely in the in the right direction. Uh-huh. I feel that the um, I feel that uh, in the beginning. Um, uh, that the that there was a difference between people from the sport and some of the regulators that like uh, that they weren't used to the sport and didn't understand what it took to uh, to uh, uh, what it took to be a qualified MMA official mm-hmm. and I and I and I think that's different now. Okay, and I think that uh, they get that they're getting people who have history and uh, and understanding of the sport and so um, so I, I think that's that's all you can ask for, right? I think that um, I think that ju- I think that the um, the judging is a very hard job. I think that um, I think, and we're always looking at uh, people are always looking at different ways to do it. I think that's that's one of the things I would like to see happen is that um, is that maybe we you know always are reviewing um, you know our scoring system and how we're going to apply it. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's another issue, right? With the, the new rules, the old rules, the scoring system is different, correct? Yeah. The, the score, the, the criteria is a little different. You Crazy. Know? So, um, yeah, so that, that's something, but I think that's, I think at least that means that people are thinking about it. Sure. Um, I mean, I have some ideas about it, but, um, I, uh, I think it would be something I, I want to write out a little bit more and, um, but yeah, I think there's always different ways to look at, uh, how you're going, you know what I mean? How you're going to evaluate who's the winner. Do you like the the new scoring or the old scoring better? Um, there's things I like about both. Okay. Do they do they ask for your opinion when they institute these rules? 
Uh, well, you know, the thing about it is I, I can't, I can't totally blame them. I mean, before when my opinion was in there more, but I, I do get my opinion in there, but when it's in there more is when I was actually being pushy and showing up. Uh, I can't say that I've showed up, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I haven't been involved in every one of the meetings and every one of the emails. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think that there's some things that, uh, I would like to get my, um, I definitely think I should weigh in on because I think I've, I've got to apply these rules more than anyone. And so I can think of a lot of, a lot of problems or a lot of things that might be good about what they've done because I've actually used them. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to make sure that, uh, that I reach out and talk to people more about it. Yeah. Also, um, big John has been, uh, he's been pretty active with it lately. Yeah. He and I, we talk a lot, you know? So, um, so even on some of the, uh, some of the things that they're going to apply with some of the new rules, he and I discussed some of them and came to some agreements. And, and I thought that, um, that it was reflected in the rules that they made. By the way, how come you haven't shown up as much? Man, I, I, you know, I think that because the, I, it's things have changed with the way that they're doing it and, and the people involved. And so I think it's, uh, and, and more things are getting done. And so I think that's, and so it's time for me to show up more. Okay. Whereas before I was, uh, you know, it was, it was a little bit different of a, it was a little bit different. Okay. And, um, could you explain before I let you go, you were in the main event, you, you officiated the, the main event and there was some talk I saw as well that maybe it went on a hair longer than it should have. Why did you stop it when you did and not earlier? Um, well, I mean, he, um, he was turtled, um, you know, and that's a, that's a hard call to make. Uh, yeah. his body wasn't relaxed as if he was, uh, as, as if his limbs weren't responding. He was turtling. He wasn't responding back, but you know, you got to give a guy a chance to, uh, to respond. Uh, I saw that he was, he was, I mean, some that he was framed there. And so I gave him a chance. He didn't respond. I stopped it. Okay. Uh, when I did stop it, I mean, he did stand directly up. So, I mean, he was hurt, but, uh, it, it wasn't, um, he wasn't completely unconscious. So I think uh, when a guy's not completely unconscious, I give him the benefit of the doubt to try to work it through. Does this drive you nuts, Herb? That, that you do this for a living, that you have, you know, certification and things like that. And yet even during this interview, people are like arguing with your points. No, I, I mean, people are going to have their opinions. People can argue with their points. I, I'm not here to, uh, I, I didn't show up on your show to, uh, to argue with people or, yeah. or to take their points away. That's their right. They can have as much fun with it as they want. Um, I'm here to give some transparency into what, uh, into how I make my decisions and to, uh, uh, so that people can understand, um, why we do what we do. Um, and I think that's it. I think that, um, I have, uh, this job is a very, it's a very important job and it's very sacred to me. And so, um, if, uh, I'm, uh, the, I'm, I'm liable to the fighters and whatnot. I, I, if somebody doesn't like me, it's, that's not what I'm here for. Great stuff, Herb. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it, if it means anything, if you go back on my Twitter on, on, on the night, I, I was 100%. For whatever it's worth, and I know it's worth nothing because I'm not an official and I have no certification, I agreed with your call. And I feel like, you know, you, Big John, best in the business by far. Um, if you feel that way, you then... You know something? Yeah. It, as far as I'm concerned, it does mean something. Uh, Thank as you. As far as for... What I, what, I, what I like to do, I like to have conversations with people who are interested in the sport, people who are there, who are involved and interested. So when I have a conversation, so even if they're not an official, when I have a conversation with a coach, you know, he may critique my call. That means if he thinks I should do things a certain way, 
that means he should think I should do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be his fighter next time. You know, so I, I like to have I like to have conversations with people who are interested. I definitely consider you interested. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the transparency as well. Uh, I wish more were like you in the sport, but uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. So, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. And again, thank you for everything that you do for the sport and the athletes. Uh, it is greatly appreciated on this side of the table. Appreciate it very much. All right, thank you. All right, there he is, Herb yeah. Dean. Uh, I mean, Herb Dean, Big John McCarthy, one A and B. Choose which one you want to call A and which one you want to call B. He explained it. You can have your point of view. I'll take his. And uh, and it's great to hear that he stands by his call. It'll be interesting to see what happens as far as the appeal is concerned. Okay, bit of a break in the action here. And we definitely appreciate him coming on to talk about that. Wow, do I appreciate that transparency very much. Um, in a few minutes, 15 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Henry Cejudo. Talk about why he had to pull out of UFC 211. And then after that... Darren Williams of your Cleveland Cavaliers, my favorite team. He'll join us before game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Of course, the Cavs aren't playing in the semis. They've already advanced, defeating your Toronto Raptors. And they're waiting for the winner of the Wiz and Celtics in the conference finals. But he's a big MMA guy, former high school state champion. A lot to talk to him about. Uh, But for now, let us go to Mr. New York Rick, who is standing by... With Rick's picks, are you there? I am here. Okay. A bit of a delayed response. Just want to make sure you are, in fact, there. One more time. Are you here? And now it's time oh, to there open up your ears and your minds, MMA fans. It's time for Rick's picks. Rick's picks. Rick's picks wow. lots of fun. And his hair incredible. Because it's, you already know what it is. Whoa. Rick's picks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the new craze taking the world by storm. Live from the Vox Studios in beautiful New York City, it's time for... That's better than my intro for the whole damn show. Who did that? It is pretty great. What do you mean pretty great? That was, it was phenomenal. It was done by Mike Heck, um, who hosts the uh, SFLC podcast um so someone else mike heck who i know yeah who hosts another podcast made a jingle for our podcast yeah and and he can you know correct me on twitter if i'm wrong but i believe he works in production and, uh. and is, you know in this field he did uh, an incredible job can i hear that one more Shout time out to mike can i hear uh, it one more time it's phenomenal truly touched Let's go. Now it's time to open up your ears and your minds, MMA fans. This it's is amazing. For Rick's picks. How long Rick's did he? Picks. It's so soothing. Rick's picks are lots of. Is that his voice? His yeah. Is in a bun because it's. You already know what it is. Rick's picks. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's amazing. Girls, it's the moment. This is what I was looking for. for. It's the new craze taking the world by storm. Live from the Vox Studios in beautiful. This is something City. else. It's time for. Rick's Picks. Wow. Great job, Mike Heck. Well Thank done. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so I was much. looking for an intro music for you. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting I wasn't some either. crappy song like we've had on this show for the past eight years. You yeah. get an actual custom-made theme song? Because Mike, Mike is the man. All right. Um, I want to uh, give a shout-out to um, Inzaghi Winsall. What do you got? You got sponsors submitted. now too? No, he submitted a, a, a theme. Ultimately, you know, Mike's is so good. I, I had to choose that one. Wow. Um, you got two themes? But uh, 
Inzaghi also sent us a, a theme, and uh, I really appreciate it. Look Thanks to everybody who kind of was his really bad on that. It wasn't bad. It was just that I got mics, and I immediately knew that was the one. Yeah. So thank you, Mike. And uh, check out the SFLC podcast. Good podcast. Okay. What do we got? What do we got? All right. So let's do these quickly because we have to, in 10 minutes, go to our next What, you guest. need more than 10 minutes? What do you think? You get a whole freaking segment? I mean, I was- The whole I got, thing was I supposed to be two hours. minutes. <laughs> you you, when I told you how many I had, you're like, that's it? There were 15 things that happened well, in the well, world of MMA. That is All true. Right. Let's I'm curious let's, to see what you pick. Let's kick off number one. Okay. 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 Tisha Torres. Oh, Raquel yeah. Pennington. Uh, getting engaged. Incredible. Um, it's incredible that they got engaged? Yeah. People it, get engaged every single day. No, but two All over the world. Someone sport, got engaged right now. But no, I'm kidding. So what you're trying to say this is, is that their engagement means nothing? No, no okay. it's ahead. a beautiful thing. Let's get the it's, hot take out first there. First of all, it's very rare that two UFC fighters... Exactly. ...active... Go ahead. Part of the fraternity. Two of... Uh, or dare I say the sorority. Um, but congratulations to them yes I thought it was worth highlighting Um, because as you said I mean not often that we're going to get two fighters um, from the the same organization that are going to get engaged and uh, congratulations to them yes let's read what she wrote today was perfect we celebrated our new home with our closest family and friends she knelt down and popped the question I love how you make me feel and the way you look at me Look at that face. So beautiful. I love you, fiance. Raquel Pennington. Now, what does it say on the uh, the cake? It says, congratulations, graduate Tisha. So she also graduated. Yeah, I think she graduated uh, graduate school. And then what else does it say? Congrats on your new home. Oh, Rocky and Tiny Tornado. That's amazing. So much celebration. Yes. Jeez. New home, graduation. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. The whole thing. Engagement. It's a beautiful thing. Congrats to them. Or as they say back home, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov. Okay, our next item. Oh, here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now, I don't know that you're picking these for the record. Or yeah, we don't discuss these ahead of time. I like how the camera is facing me. See that? Even back then, it just... It, 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 Can we... Let's yes. talk about this now. Yes, let's. Let's. So explain for people who are listening what we're looking at. We are looking at Ariel Hawani. Yes. Uh, Circa... Circa 2003. Yes, you see the date right over there. August 23rd, to be exact. Holding up (laughs) one fist. One fist, yes, that's correct. But on his head is what appears to be a bird's nest. Yes, or an afro. Your call. (laughs) Or an afro. That's legit, by the way. I mean, it looks looks Photoshop, but I know it's real. That is not Photoshop. That is not combed out. That is not a wig. That is and, my legit hair back in 2003. And if you're only listening, you can find it on Ariel's Twitter. Yes. For sure. My mom sent me this last Monday and I said, you know what? I feel like people will appreciate this photo and they must know that I was down with the cause even back then fighting the power. Now, yes, the fist isn't completely erect. I know. But I was reluctantly fighting the power back then because you have to understand this. Back then, 2003, I'm in Syracuse, New York when this photo was taken. I did not have long hair when I went to uh, Syracuse in 2001 as a sophomore. And I didn't enjoy my time. I've talked about this before. I didn't feel comfortable there. I didn't connect with the teachers or the students. And they kept pushing us to be, you know, anchorman, anchorman. You got to go to market 75 and then work your way to number 50 and then go to South Dakota and then Indiana and work your way to here there. I didn't want to be a local news guy. So what I did was I was like, you know what? 
I don't want to be who you want me to be. I'm going to grow out my hair. And the professors got really annoyed and they kept telling me, you're not going to get a job in local news. If you have hair like that, you're not going to get a job. You're not going to get a job. And the more they said it, the less I wanted to cut it. And I was so uncomfortable in Syracuse that I didn't want to ever go find a barber. So I would just wait till I went home to Montreal, like every three, four months to, you know, maybe clean it up a little bit. Um, but that was the real deal. And I'll tell you a funny story about how I got rid of it. You want to know that story? Of course. Let's hear it. This is the great story. So, so this is August of 2003. I kept that thing up until March of 2004. So I think it was like two years in total. My hair is very thick, grows very fast. That's why I get it cut. Um, once a week, I'm actually looking for a new barber because my other one quit, but that's a different story for a different day. So I couldn't go back home to Montreal during spring break. So I wrote a letter to the Montreal Expos, knowing that it was going to be their final spring training ever as a franchise. They were going to move to, uh, to Washington after the uh, completion of the 2004 season. And I got a fake letterhead. I was working for a student station, but it was really just like a, a broom closet. And um, so, so I, I made this letterhead. I, I, I wrote a letter saying that I was assigned to go cover their spring training, which was a complete lie. But A, I couldn't go back home. And B, I wanted to go to spring training, final spring training ever. I've never been to it. So uh, they accepted. No one was covering the Expos. I think there were like three beat writers, which is nothing for a baseball team, major league baseball team. I get to Melbourne, Florida, Space Coast Stadium, middle of nowhere. And I get there on my first day and I walk into Frank Robinson's um, little office. Frank Robinson, um, former MLB great, former MLB manager, returned as a manager after the, um, after the Expos were bought by Major League Baseball and they put him in as the manager. I mean, this guy's a living legend. And so he's sitting there holding court. There's like three beat writers around him. And here I come, you know, uh, shy, unconfident, me with the Afro walking into his office. He's saying something. And all of a sudden he stops talking. He goes, son, you need a haircut. And I couldn't believe that Frank Robinson was even talking to me and noticed me and acknowledged my presence. And I said, all right, internally, I'm going to go get a haircut. So the next day they went on a road trip to somewhere else in Florida at spring training. I found a barber, some strip mall. I walked in and I said, take it all off. Are you sure? Really? Take it all off? Yes. Take it all off. Frank Robinson told me so. And they, they took it all off. It was an amazing experience. I was kind of tired of it by then. Showed up the next day to the stadium. He saw me from afar. He was walking from the outfield. I was, you know, behind home plate, just kind of hanging there, not bothering anyone next to the other reporters. Sees me, goes, young man, look at this, rubbing my head and stuff. Now that's a haircut. Now you look good. I could see your face. So I cut the fro for the great Frank Robinson. That's two, my story. Two things I've learned. Yes. One, Ariel Hawani's a liar. Lied to get into spring training. Listen, this is what you have to do to go ahead in life. I couldn't go back home and I wanted to, and it was an amazing experience. I got, I got the lay of the land. I could talk to any player. I did interviews with them. I still have them. I, I got to interview Tim Raines in the dugout about, you know, becoming a Hall of Famer. And it was, you know, 13 years later that he finally got inducted. I mean, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was amazing. And the second thing. Yes. We have Frank Robinson to blame for this tragedy. You definitely should have kept that. Yeah, right. No one liked it. It's Except for me. Um, None of the ladies liked it. Um, My future wife, Jacqueline, who I knew back then, did not like it. Everyone told me to cut it, but I thought I was badass. When I would play sports, I would have like one of those. See, you think you're cool with your- This is a tragedy. You think you're cool with your little man bun. I had the whole thing out. There was no shaving the sides. And I had one of those like little- things that the soccer players wear, like those those elastic things and it would put it back. I was like Joakim Noah out there. Yeah, my hair doesn't go up like that. I can't I can't pull that off. This is the real deal. I used to have a, a pick 
I would keep it in there, walk oh, around. Oh, we've seen the, what is it, the Malcolm, oh no, you had a hat on. Well, I had, I had the Malcolm X gear. I mean, I was down with the cause by any means necessary. I fought the power and I think I, mean, I won. This one was sent to me infinite times. <laughs> Everybody who wanted to, a chance to see this picture again, um, you've there got it. it. And, and there's the proof cop. that I was part of the uh, Maccabi Games. I'm wearing a t-shirt, 1999. So for all you doubters out there. You, you needed to keep that hair. What a, what a tragedy. What a maybe mistake. one day, maybe one day. Look at that thing beautiful yeah i'm proud is. of it i i i'm with you you've you've messed this up i think i developed a bit more uh, street cred people don't know about they think i'm some like oh nerdy guy reporter you don't know what's what this is just a glimpse our next one rumble johnson oh no i'm sorry ally aquinta oh yes this is great raging al no longer raging at least momentarily um seems to be on better terms with the ufc here pictured uh, from his Instagram hanging with Reed Harris. Um, things seem to have been smoothed over a bit, um, and we're uh, we're happy for Al. We're happy for the UFC. Uh, let's get it. Let's get it back together. Let's spread the love. I have a bit of insight on this, by the way. Talk to me. Couple meetings, um, some good discussion. You see there, Reed Al bearing the hatchet. In fact, Al brought his dad, who is kind of like, you know, his, 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 his backbone, his spine, if you will. And I actually have to apologize to Mr. Iaquinta. Uh, he asked to meet with me, but I, I wasn't staying in the same hotel and uh, they were disappointed. And, you know, I was in the back, they were in the crowd. Uh, Dana White gave him tickets to the fight. So I, I believe a, uh, an olive branch has been extended. And as I mentioned, when this whole thing was going down, it's crazy, but I feel like it's working. People want to get behind the anti-establishment. Look at that face. Look at that mug. Ally Quinta is such a mensch. He sent my wife and my mom via me happy Mother's Day greeting. Oh, look at that. And then you stood him and his family up. Yeah, I did. What a response. So Mr. Ally Quinta, you are welcome here anytime. Um, And I'm sorry that we did not get to meet, but I I feel like we will in the not so distant future. But this is great to see, right? I mean, look, if they can get behind this guy and check their ego at the door and, and, and play up the fact that this is a guy who marches to the beat of his own drum, I feel like they got something going here. And by the way, this is no scrub. He's won his last five fights in a row. Yeah. This, 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 needs to, this needed to happen and, and it was I'm nice. glad it did. It, you know, I'm happy you highlighted this. This was one of the feel-good stories to come out of 211. Um, By the way, I extended, got, I extended Henry a little bit, so you got some more time. You got five more oh, minutes. Okay. How about that? Wow, look at you. Look at me producing, producing. while talking. That's what I do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Booker next T. Next one. Yes, we've got uh, Rumble Johnson. Had a conversation with uh, Wrestling's own Booker T. Yes. Um, about what's uh, next. This screenshot is actually from our article on it um, on, on MMAfighting.com. But the quotes within uh, allude to him getting into a business. Uh, I'm, I'm making the assumption. Now, don't you know, quote this uh, regarding medical marijuana. It wasn't said explicitly, but he's talking about opening up a facility. Yeah, it's pretty um, clear. And, he and, talks about cannabis, right? Yeah, talking about cannabis for, for medical uses. There was some haziness on what he said. You know, it's a radio interview, so, they're, so they're, the audio quality. Um, but it seems like he's going down that path. And he was talking about, you know, CTE and treatments um, for head injuries and how uh, yeah, that was th- fascinating. Th- this was um, something that will help that. So um, I just want to say, yeah, this is great. I think this is uh, something we don't often see all the time where, um, you know, a fighter who, who's in a sport walks away when he see, still seems to have his uh, faculties about him uh, and is going to focus on, on mental health. In his uh, prime. In his prime. You know, I mean, he just he's the third the best title. light heavyweight in the world, right? Behind John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Just in a title fight. And Look at Booker T getting away. the scoops. 
Booker T getting the scoops. But what's up with, I mean, this player right here yeah. is from his show, and that's an old picture of Booker. I mean, his hair is much longer, so they need to update that thing, first yeah. of all. But good for him. And uh, there was actually one quote at the very end. I don't know if you have the uh, the article or I could find it. Here it is. I just have that, that screen that we have. There was yeah. a quote at the very end that really, in my opinion, stood out. Um, this was the quote. He said, so they asked him if he would come back, if he would consider mm. coming back. Yeah. He said, that's not me. When I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm finished, man. I'm not about that life anymore. End quote. So that's Rumble Johnson. Yeah. He, he is really sticking to his guns. Now, did you listen to the whole interview? Did they ask him about the football stuff or no? I didn't listen to the whole interview. I, um, I only uh, so read the article. I haven't had a chance to listen to the full interview, but I plan to, and if you plan to as well, um, we have it embedded over at MMAfighting.com. You can listen to it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's hard to take MMA retirement seriously. We've talked about this. I've talked about this um, at length. I really believe him. I really believe he's yeah. going to get into business and just step away. Now, come five years down the line, you know, maybe um, maybe he's already successfully launched this business. He's not as intricate um, and integral to the um, the day to day operations. Maybe he gets that itch again. But for now, I don't think there's any you know um, there's any uh, worry that he's stepping right back in. He's he seems to be very aware of uh of maintaining his health uh especially his mental health and uh good for him congratulations to yes Rumble. we wish him the best good stuff finally we're going to end on a somber note unfortunately Aww. but it's it's oh, definitely man. needs to be highlighted um we're going to say uh condolences uh, best wishes to the family of uh ufc veteran nick catone whose son nicholas scott catone uh, passed away unexpectedly on Friday. Frankie Edgar highlighted this in his, you know, post-fight speech. Um, said he was he was planning to call people out, but had to flip it. Um, can't imagine what kind of you know personal strife the the family is going through right now. So just wanting everybody to uh, to send their thoughts uh, to to the family of Nick Catone and and uh, we we have them in our hearts. Oh man, I can't even. Uh... I can't even imagine. This is worst nightmare, especially you know with young kids. Myself, I mean, I, I have kids who are um, around young Nicholas's age, and it is the worst. There's so much that you worry about with these kids in in, in their crib when they're walking, stairs, choking on things. I mean, I just cannot imagine. And uh, yeah, one of the great things about MMA is that. As, as we said, we are somewhat of a community of fraternity, and so I hope people are sending him good thoughts and well wishes. And I can't imagine how I, I spoke to uh, Mark Henry a little bit, who's obviously very close to Nick and who was cornering Frankie, and uh, they were just absolutely devastated. And I believe Nick was actually supposed to be in, in Dallas, um, just flying out late to be with Frankie. And uh, you can even see when, when Frankie said, I just want to go home and hug my kids. I started to get emotional too because I thought the same thing. I just can't imagine uh, what they're going through. So this is just, it's its a horrific thing and uh, I hope that they'll be able to find peace and uh, hopefully that their son is in a better place. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is a tough thing to swallow. When, when I when I found out about this on Friday, I felt sick. I, I really did. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, you can't, horrific nightmare. Those words are putting it mildly. You can't even, you can't even fully describe um, what, what what they're going through. I hope to never feel that, and uh, I'm sorry that they had to as well. Yeah, well said. Uh, rest in peace, Nicholas, um, and thoughts to the family. 
Yes, and uh, it says here that uh, condolences can be sent to colonialfuneralgroup.com, www.colonialfuneralgroup.com if you want to send something to Nick Catone. He's also on social media, but uh, good job bringing that one up. I appreciate you doing that. All right, uh, so that's Rick's Picks, and uh, thank you to Mike Heck for giving us that intro music. That's amazing. Next stop, sponsor? Maybe. Um, in a minute, tough to transition from that. Um, and again, our, our, our hearts and souls go out to the uh, Catone family. That is just a horrendous thing. Um, we will attempt to transition and uh, we will talk to Henry Cejudo in a matter of moments. He was supposed to compete at UFC 211. He was supposed to fight Sergio Pettis. And then we actually saw him at the media day on Wednesday, the House of Blues in Dallas. And just two, three hours later, after they squared off, we got the word that the fight was off. And so I wanted to have him on the program to talk about this and where he goes from here. And he joins us on the phone. Henry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you you coming on to talk about everything. I, I know it uh, wasn't uh, a very memorable week for you. Um, so so let's start here, Henry. Um, we see you at the media day. You squared off with Sergio Pettis. What happens after that that led you to withdraw from the fight just a couple hours later? Yeah, well, what happened was I had thought about uh, just getting a cortisone shot on uh, the area where it was hurting. And uh, the, the, when we went to go see the doctor again, because I had, I had hurt my head two weeks ago. I hit the top of uh, one of my training partner's head. And uh, I just completely just hurt my head. Like, you know, all those eight metacarpal bones that are like kind of in that area just blew everything out. And it got to the point where I couldn't, uh, I could, you know, I was having a hard time opening like uh, my patch, like the doors or driving or, you know, little things like that. But I saw to the same time that my hand was getting better. So I was doing, I did PRP on it. I uh, I was doing rehab. I was, doing, you know, putting it on ice. And I thought to get it, I started getting better and better. And I, I did the whole stent stuff on my hand. And uh, it was getting better. I was like, all right, now by the time fight time comes, you know, we should have to, uh, you know, hopefully kind of let the adrenaline take over. So on Monday night, I, you know, I wrapped, I wrapped my hands professionally. So I'm just, you know, just being cautious. And uh, I just started hitting pads and, I just I couldn't feel that hand no more. Like it was it was uh maybe it was probably maybe the first or second punch that I threw. I just I just knew it wasn't a hundred percent no more. And uh you know, it, it was I knew it was messed up and it was hurt arrow because I was running out I'd jogs with wraps on and uh, I could feel like my hand kinda of separate from my wrist. Wow. And I just I just kept hearing a bunch of like little you know, just kinda yeah, the separation of like little cracks in my like in my jaw, especially in my right hand, and uh, I just knew it wasn't right. Max, if I you know, if I I was planning on using my wrestling and 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 obviously box or whatnot, but if I can't throw my right hand, even if I take somebody down, it's like what damage am I going to do up top? Wow. So and, uh, go ahead. And that was I think that was that was the biggest thing was because yeah, I'm going to use my hands a lot. Obviously, use it when you fight. And, uh, I just, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't do anything. I was hitting maybe at 20%. And I was, and I was just going to say, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just fight. And, uh, let's, let's man up and let's do it. But it it just got to the point where, 
the last when I woke up the next day, I was, I was opening like the like the toothpaste like cap, and even that started hurting my hand. Wow! And I'm just like, um, it started hurts to open the toothpaste bottle. And uh, and finally, I said, you know what? Let's get a cortisone shot. Man. Let's just get this over with, and uh, I won't feel any any pain. At least hopefully for my fight. So we went to the doctor, asked for the cortisone. I got a second X-ray because the doctor wanted to do a second X-ray, and that's when he showed me like the separation of my hand, how like how I really jammed my all those bones pretty hard, and uh, he said there's a uh, I, I busted one of the caps. I don't even know the whole terminology thing, but he's a, the doctor's the one that said it's like it's you know you can fight you may not feel anything but I think if you fight and you hit hard a couple of times. That this that your hand could be permanently damaged, and you might you might have to need you might need surgery after after a fight like that. So, so I just you know we thought about it, talked to the team, and nobody wanted me to fight. The only one that kind of wanted me to push it was uh, Captain Eric Alberson. He's like, Cause, you know, he knows I'm tough. Yeah. But my whole team, everybody was against me even going to Dallas. Huh. But uh, I just I just knew it was such a good card. <laughs> I wanted to fight. And, and I know Sergio Pettis was just a good matchup for me. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had some new tricks under my sleeve, and you know, I, I worked with uh, Khabib a little bit with Kel Sanderson, working a lot of like riding positions and top control. Uh, so just adding a lot of tools to my arsenal. So I want to demonstrate that to the people. But Damian, you know, we brought Damian Trainer out, two-time world champ, working on my stand-up. Everything was good, Ariel. Like, I've never had such a good camp. My weight was good. I, I showed up to the UFC 10 pounds over, uh, waking up at 133. Wow. I mean, the stuff stuff that stuff that I normally don't even get down to. Yeah. I think my body just used to make your weight. But, man, when you're when you're a hand, when you can't, when you can't, when, when it hurts to open up a doorknob and things like that, um, you know, the doctor just said, hey, man, this is the deal. You can fight. You can do it. But just think of the aftermath. It's like, if, you know, as a, if you're my kid, I tell you not to, but I know you're a competitor. Uh, and uh, if, if you want, this is what's going to happen, but it just doesn't guarantee anything. So what is so this? We just, decided, we just decided as a team, I think more important, I think I just decided, like, you know, I got I to gotta be realistic, man. It's, you know, it's the, the, it's, it's the, it's the little details is what you know. It's, it's what makes the you know the best the best. And uh, when, when I have when my right hand just just not feeling a hundred percent, maybe at thirty percent, then 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 you know that's why I decided not to fight. What's the status of the hand now? Do you need surgery? No, we're um, getting an MRI sometime in the next couple of days. Okay. Uh, the UFC they're finding some they're finding somebody to get an MRI with. Uh, they, you know, they're supposed to send me an email today, but uh, get an MRI and just find out what's going on. But the doctor says I'm probably out for a good, uh, good maybe he said anywhere from six to eight weeks, depending on how my hand feels. Depending on, I don't know what the MRI is because if I have a partial partial tear, if I have a tear in my ligament, then those injuries take a long time. Wow, what was it like when you had to tell the UFC that you were out on on Wednesday afternoon? Uh, it was it was miserable. I think uh, it sucks, man. You know, went to the doctor and you know, I talked to Mick. Uh, it's unfortunate kind of how much the fans are looking forward to this fight. Um, but man, I'd like to do it again. I think I think Serge is a good matchup for me. I think it's a step up for him. I, I know it's a good matchup for him as well. 
if you see be somebody like me, you might be the next guy at the 125 pound division get a title shot. And I know, and I know that's what, and I, and I know that's what they were looking at. So right. I was looking at, I was just looking more of the of the stylistic. Honestly, I saw I saw me and Sergio Perez fight kind of, uh, kind of similar to what the Yair and uh, Yair and Frankie Edgar, you know, the, the good wrestler, and you got this guy that's just a, a phenomenal stand-up artist. And uh, especially after seeing Frankie's fight, I kind of got an idea of uh, of how you know what the game plan would have been like. You know, obviously, but in, in, in our minds, you know yeah. what I'm saying. It's obviously Sergio's a different fighter than 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 Jair, but when you just have guys that are just phenomenal stand up uh, stand up fighters, and you get good 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 when you get awesome wrestlers, it changes the game a little bit. That's why I love this fight a lot. I don't know if this got you know your way. Um, but initially when the news came out, a lot of the, the fans were writing, Oh, he's going to miss weight. Did you see any of that? And does that piss you off? Um, no, no. I mean, I'm surprised it would do. I even, I even told Mick to come up to my room. I said, Mick, you want to come up? I figured, I figured that they would think it would be my weight. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I personally, I personally told Mick, I said, Hey, Mick, you want to come out? You want to come to my room and, and, and check my weight, man? Cause I don't want you to think it's a weight issue. I have I have films and I knew people would come up with it. I have films and and he also me uh, I have videos of me doing rehab on uh, on 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 my on my right hand, which is which is extremely painful. Um, that's all. I'm not. I don't have any excuses, man. I, I try to push it through, and sometimes, you know, the body doesn't want to, the mind wants to, but the body doesn't allow. There's there's not a connection to the mind, and you just can't do it. And, uh, not at this level. You can't. Maybe, maybe in the maybe in the uh, the local level you can do that. I, I can fight with one arm. I can fight with one leg. But the UFC is just a different. It's a tough opponent. It's different. How how big of a blow is this to you financially? I know it sucks not to to, to fight and and mentally you want to go out there. You like the matchup, but you just did a whole training camp, and I'm assuming you have you know coaches to pay and things like that, and you didn't get paid because you didn't you didn't fight. How how big of a blow is this to you? I mean, it's about $80,000 worth. Wow. <laughs> you know, and then that's the incentive. The incentive is for me to fight to make money. Yeah. Trust me, I, would, I wouldn't back out for nobody for $80,000. I'll fight anybody in the world for $80,000. I'd fight Mike Tyson. Yeah. in front of me. I don't <laughs> guarantee you that I would beat him in a, in a stand-up fight, but I'd fight him. Yeah. And, 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 and you still have to pay your coaches, right? So now you're in debt from this camp. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much that Cap- Captain Eric Alberson ain't cheap, Ariel. I know. It, it, I mean, when you want to get the best in the business, you have to pay a price, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so... Uh, at, at, go ahead. No, I, I, I like to replay it, but I don't know, whenever uh, yeah. whenever, whenever my it's better, I like to replay it. I like the Sergio Pettis fight. And, 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 and uh, obviously, I know, they, I know they like it, too. I like I like I like for that fight to uh, still happen, man. And depending on how my hand feels, depending on what the camp wants to do, because I know they prepared for me. Yeah. And I prepared for him. I, I like to replay that. Fight. I like I like that fight a lot tremendously. And of course, I mean, it has been. You know, you you had the the controversy with uh, with Joseph Benavidez not that long ago. You had the Demetrius Johnson fight. Um, you haven't tasted victory since November of 2015. Are you starting to get a little an- antsy? Like, you know, start to feel like, okay, when is this, when is this W going to come? You were undefeated prior to that uh, DJ fight. And, you know, we're approaching a year and a half now. How are you feeling? How's the confidence? 
Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm gonna use some of my time, some of my restriction on Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was that was part of the shit. That was part of the plan. Me as a fighter, as a competitor, that's what I want, and I want to be able to go out there and, and um, unleash this frustration, like you said, in a very smart, tactical way. But man, I just I haven't caught a break, Ariel. I haven't, man. Since I, honestly, since I fought, since I've been in the UFC, I felt like I fought. Not, you know, I wasn't seated. No, I wasn't seated. No chumps. Yeah. My my second fight, I was fighting Chris Karyos who fought for the belt. My, my you know my debut at 125 pounds. Like it's, I I fought tough opponents. Uh, you know, like I see a lot of the UFC guys. I, I see a lot of, in the UFC a lot of guys get built up, and we saw it this. We saw it this card in, in, in Dallas, Texas, how people think these fighters are ex-mob, but when you put them against the elite of the elite, it changes, you know? And that's that's kind of how I felt with uh, with Serge a little bit. Like, yeah, he's never fought a, a top five fighter, so it was going uh, to be interesting for him to see, you know, where, you know, how, obviously I respect him. I know he's extremely, extremely tough, but this is a, this, this is a time for the fans to see how good Sergio Betters really is, you know? Mm-hmm. And and you didn't stick around in Dallas, right? You went back home. Yeah, I went back home, and I, I just I have no business there, man. I don't want to. I don't want to be around fighters and none of that. Yeah, I had I had to go get my thing. People were shaking my hand, and I couldn't. I, I had to stop shaking hands. That's why I'd, I'd go up to them, and I just kind of initially kind of give them like the little fist pump, but not shake because my hand was just. I was hurt. I mean, that's all there is to it. If I can fight, I mean, I. I'll fight, man. But if I can't, I just, I just can't. Um, and it's the right, right? It's my right hand. I broke my left hand when I fought uh, Benavides. Okay. Now, well. this is, now this is the opposite hand. And, and, and the other one had, had healed. The other one healed. It's a hundred percent. And it's my right hand. Sucks. Okay. Um, and so you, you hope to find out later this week that um, that you won't need surgery, and so in a perfect world, when do you think you'll be able to return? And I'd like to. Fuck, I want to fight already. If I can get on the, if I can get that, if I can get on that John Jones Cormier card, man, that would be ideal. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be with my Olympic teammate, man. If we, if we can, uh, we can be on that same uh, same card, be cool. So I know we're, we're supposed to do it that first time, but Daniel got hurt. Uh. Yep, so, UFC 197. Yeah, so we never really, we never really had that duel with me and Daniel. So I'd like to kind of get that going. I mean, we can deal with Sergio again if, if they're up, up and willing. If my hand, you know, is is a hundred percent. Um, and 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 last thing for you, Henry. And again, we really appreciate the time. Was the UFC cool about all this? Um, did they did they give you any grief, or were they understanding? Uh, I, 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 you know, they're they're too busy to get mad. Yeah, <laughs> they're too busy. It was such a stacked card, man. Yeah. Like I was, man. I, I kept, you know, your mind messes with you as you're watching it on TV. Just like, damn, maybe I could have fight, but then you go over there, and you just you, you hit the bag, and you kind of do something a little, a little hard. Just like, no, I made the right decision. Well, we appreciate you coming but on, Henry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. But trust me, Ariel, I do want a, I do want a victory, but I'm kind of I'm sick yeah. of losing. <laughs> I know. For someone like you who has experienced so much uh, winning throughout his entire life, not just in mixed martial arts, of course, in the Olympics, gold medal, and in, in, in college and high school and stuff, uh, this, I would imagine, is somewhat of a foreign feeling for you. But you have persevered. You have been through a lot. So I have no doubt that 
the same will come true as far as this little speed bump is concerned. Uh, I know, again, like I said, it wasn't a happy time in Dallas, but I appreciate you coming on and talking about it, clearing the air, and I hope that it's not serious and that we can see you on that card with Daniel. I think that would be really cool as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks again. I appreciate it, man. Captain wants to say what's up, too, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. All the best to you, and keep us posted on the hand. All righty. Thank you. Have a good one. Same to you. There he is, Henry Cejudo, one of the very best flyweights in the world, and fortunate news for him this past week in Dallas, unable to fight against Sergio Pettis, but there it is. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the videos. It it, it was not a weight issue. It was a hand issue, and uh, we hope that he is back sooner there, rather than later. Okay. I am very, very, very excited for our next guest, our last guest of the day. As you know by now, I am a gigantic NBA fan. Uh, it is my my first love. Um, I, I love things basketball, all things basketball, and uh, on Thursday of this past week, we had the opportunity to check out Fortis MMA in Dallas, Texas. That's where Rashad Coulter trains out of. You now know, I'm sure, a lot about Rashad Coulter. He won the Fight of the Night Award on Saturday against Chase Sherman. What a fantastic performance that was, even in a loss. And one of the cool things about Fortis MMA is that it is co-owned by NBA star, three-time All-Star, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Darren Williams of your Cleveland Cavaliers. And not only that, he's a huge MMA fan. And not only that, he's a former high school state wrestling champion. This man knows his fighting, and he is kind enough in the midst of the NBA playoffs to jump on our show. How amazing is this? He's on the phone right now, so let's not waste any more time. Darren, are you there? I'm here. Oh, wow. How you doing? This is so cool for us, man. I really appreciate you taking out the time. I know it's very busy for you over there. Uh, So really, thank you so much for doing it. It's actually actually been, you know, kind of unbusy. Okay. Played in... 10 days. <laughs> I, I must say, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for the Celtics because of the whole Isaiah Thomas story, but um, your, your, your business partner, Safe Saud, told me that if it went to game seven, you'd have a better chance of coming on the show. So I was happy when John Wall hit the shot to extend it to game seven so that you could come on the program today. And I know you've had a bit of a break, so I do appreciate it. By the way, are you rooting for one team over the other tonight in game seven? No, no, I'm just, we'll just be watching, you know, uh, a couple of us are going to watch together, but not, not rooting for anybody. Now, here's the bigger question. Did you watch UFC 211? Of course I did. What did you think of your guy, Rashad? Man, he, he fought hard, man. He showed a lot of heart. Man, he battled. Um, you know, it was unfortunate that he didn't get the win, but I think, you know, like you said, man, he put on a heck of a fight. Got that fight night bonus, which, which I know is, is big for him. And, you know, I'm just happy for him to get, get the opportunity. Yeah, uh, he told us that he recently lost his job in the mortgage business. He's a single father of two, so I know that 50000 um, means a hell of a lot, but that, that, that was cool. I mean, was that the first, was that the first Fortis MMA official, you know, Fortis MMA fighter to fight in the UFC or has there been one before? It, it was, I mean, we just opened in December. So we have some guys that have fought in the UFC in the past, but, but no current, uh, current guys right now. So, so Rashad was the first one, you know, and we have some up and coming guys that I'm sure in the future will, will be in there. Because of the break that you had, were, were you considering coming back? I know Dallas, you know, that's your hometown, essentially. Um, Did you think about going to 211? Uh, it was tough, man. We had practice that day, uh, the day of 211, and then the next morning at uh, 9 o'clock because of, of Mother's Day. So oh. it would have been it would have been really hard to get, get there and get back. It would have been a lot of travel for, for it. But uh, I, I wish, man. I, I wanted to be there. I would have been in the corner if I was. Oh, wow. That would have been sick. That would have been the first, I think, the first time an NBA player has ever cornered a UFC fighter. I know you've cornered in other promotions, but for the UFC, that would have been amazing. 
Um, yeah. so, so where does the love for MMA start? I mean, when did you first come across the sport? Oh, man. I mean, I've been watching it for a while. Um, you know, just growing up, you know, being a wrestler, you know, I actually won state, um, when I was younger, not, not high. I had to stop in high school because of, because of basketball being the same, the same season. Um, but you know, just had to always had an attraction because you know, a lot of, a lot of MMA is wrestling based. There's a lot of, you know, wrestling based fighters. And so it just kind of drew me, drew me towards it. And, um, as the years have gone on, I've, I've ended up, you know, meeting, uh, different UFC fighters and befriending a couple and just really got into it um, because of that. Just knowing the guys and, and being able to follow and watch them and, and just uh, just have a love for the sport. And I, I train as well. So, you know, I think that, that brings me even closer. I've heard that, you know, if it's a fight pass card, FS1 card, pay-per-view, whatever the case may be, uh, if you can't watch it live, you're going back to watch it, you're taping, like you're watching everything from the first fight to the last one? Yeah, I watch, I watch them all. I, didn't, I actually didn't catch the fight pass this time I gotta I gotta go back and watch them still, uh, but I, but I saw everything from the the prelims, you know. On so so if there's like a big uh, basketball game or a big MMA fight, are you choosing the MMA fight over the basketball game? For sure. Really? I've wow. Seen, I've seen I've seen enough basketball. <laughs> watched enough basketball in my life. Is 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 MMA like a like? Do guys in the locker room talk about it as well? Is this something that's popular amongst the players? Yeah, I mean. I think certain guys, there's guys, you know, I got teammates that are like, I can't watch that stuff. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like the blood. They don't like, they just think it's a brutal sport. Um, and then there's other guys that, you know, love it. Uh, I, I got some coach, you know, one of my coaches in Dallas, uh, Jamal Mosley, he loves it. He trains. Um, so it's just, it just depends on the person. I think. I always feel like hardcore MMA fans, um, almost try to convert, non-fans into fans so you invite them over to your house and try to build up the fights oh you gotta watch this guy and every time I do that I feel like the fights suck and I feel so much pressure throughout the night does that happen to you as well? Yeah. It happened to me a lot because <laughs> we have a lot of fight you know party watching parties and you know I'm like oh this is gonna be a great fight and then it's just like oh it's a stinker <laughs> but, you know it's part of it who, who of your teammates, um, past or present, has you know shared your passion for the sport? Is there anyone that was always your guy, no matter what? You guys are watching it together if you're playing on the same team? Not really. I haven't had anybody that just loves MMA like that. You know, I, I, I got more, more teammates love boxing. Okay. I would say, you know, which is the case. I, I grew up watching boxing as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, now I think MMA is, is much more exciting you know, personally, you know, I still watch boxing, you know, I still have fighters that I like to follow, but I I just think MMA is better. Okay. So it's one thing to be a fan and, and, and just enjoy watching it. But now you're involved in the biz. You have a gym and I got to say, and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you. I was blown away by your facility. Uh, We were there on Thursday. It had that, you know, new facility smell, but it wasn't just your, your average um, MMA gym. Uh, the stuff that you guys have on the roof, you, you've got the deck, you've got, you know, the, 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 the mini putt, you've got a big projector screen. I mean, th- it, this is a top notch, you know, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a classy place and, and it's, it's brand spanking new and you've got everything you, you guys didn't cut any corners. How did that come about? Well, thank you, first of all. Um, and, uh, you know, it goes to my, my partner and, and coach, uh, say so, um, you know, he just had a vision, man. When I, when I first met him, <clears throat> he was training at another place, Octagon MMA there in Dallas. And uh, I went over there and was training with him. And, you know, we, we became friends and, you know, he, he told me about his plans to open a gym and took me over there one day and, you know, it wasn't complete. It was kind of a shell. Um, but I just like kind of 
you could see things taking shape. And I was like, man, how can I, you know, how can I be involved with this? You know, I knew the type of coach he was and uh, the fighters that he had um, under him. And it just was exciting opportunity for me. And I uh, was, was glad we could, we could make it work. And he just had this vision, you know, to cre- create this gym. And I don't know how he did it, but, you know, he did it. And, and um, it's been great so far. Yeah, it is beautiful. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, at first he was playing hard to get. He didn't want to bring you on board. Yeah, I think, I think you know, he, they, they didn't really need the money. You know, right. they didn't need any more investors. You know, they didn't need... They didn't really need it, but I think, you know, like I said, the, the closer we became, uh, you know, we're, we're great friends now, you know, talk, you know, pretty much every week. And so um, I think that's what kind of made him bring me in. And when you were playing in Dallas, because the gym is in Dallas, how often were you going to the gym? Well, I was going about, you know, three, four times a week, probably. Wow. Wow. Is that something that you have to clear with the team because you're doing, you know, strenuous activity? No, I'm pretty smart with, with the training, you know, um, and he's, he's definitely smart and, and knows that I can't get hurt. So, you know, everything was really controlled and, and um, man, straightforward. Are you, are you ever actually sparring and taking punches to the face? Uh, I have. Okay. You I like have. it? Yeah, but it, it doesn't bother me. It's something okay. you get used to. Is it true that you have considered doing grappling tournaments? No, I'm going to do, I'm going to do some, some just tournaments for sure. Really? Um, yeah, for sure. Are are you going to wait till you retire? Yeah, I, I probably I probably have to. Okay. Um, yeah, it'd probably be the smartest thing to do. Do you compete with gi or no gi? Uh, I do mostly no, no gi. Okay. Um, I've done I've done some gi. Um, it's just a little too slow pace for me right now. Wow. How long have you been doing jujitsu for? Uh, I mean, I've been doing you know off and on. Um, you know, I've grappled with, with a couple of my, um, my, my buddies that, you know, Josh Berkman and Steven Seiler, who, who used to be in the UFC, yeah. um, I grappled with them in Utah for, you know, a couple of years now. Um, and I work out and, and train at, uh, absolute MMA with Rob Hanley in, in Utah when I'm out there in the summertime. So I've been doing that for about, you know, like four years off and on. Um, but really just picked it up over the last year and a half, um, pretty seriously. So you were doing this training even at the beginning of your, um, of your NBA career. D- does that mean, you know, cause I, I know, um, you have a house in, in Utah still, right? Yes, I do. Um, are you going to try to branch out and, and, and have gyms all over the country? No, I think, I mean, that's, that's up to safe, you know, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if he's, if he, he, I think he just wants to stay based in Dallas, which I don't blame him. And, um, just focus on that one gym, making that one gym great. And, you know, building it up. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you've cornered a fighter in legacy before for, for someone, you know, like yourself, who's played in the playoffs, you played NTA tournament, the biggest stages possible. What was that like for you to be in the corner and kind of somewhat helpless in, in, in everything? And I know you sort of relied on the coaches, but to, to be involved in that experience, walking down, seeing your fighter go in the cage, just the whole thing. Did you enjoy it? Oh, it was great. You know, it just, it just offers, I mean, I've been to, I've been to fights before, you know, I've, I've been to, to many fights and, um, you know, it's definitely a lot of excitement in, in, in the building, but when you're kind of invested more, you know, more invested and you know, that person, you've seen them train day in and day out and, and you want them to, to succeed, man, it's, it's a little nerve wracking, honestly, you know, yeah. I don't get nervous for basketball games anymore. I haven't for, you know, since probably my rookie year. Um, so I was, I was nervous out there. I cornered about five fights that night. Wow. We had, 
we had like six guys, seven guys on and I cornered for like five of them. So, you know, it was definitely a unique experience and um, something I definitely loved. What was your role in the corner? I, mean, I was, I was in mainly just to observe and just <clears throat> to get the experience. I think, you know, I don't want to sit there and, and yell out something wrong. Right. And what was your I, record? I let, I let safe uh, do it. <laughs> we went, uh, we went five, we went six and one that night. Oh, wow. And, only loss was in the title fight. Um, uh, but you know, we, uh, we did good. We had a good night. Yeah. I think, I think your, your fighter lost to Leandro Higo, who's now in Bellator, who's, you know, one of the best, yeah. uh, bantamweights in the world, a best fight that you've seen in person. Best fight that I've seen in person. Um, I was, I was in Boston for when, uh, McGregor fought, uh, Seaver. Oh, wow. And that was a, that was a good fight because there's just so much energy in there. Uh, you know, Irish Irish people just they they bring a lot of energy and, and uh, definitely love Conor McGregor. So that was uh, it was great to be there for that. Now that was in the middle of the season. How did you end up there? I was in this one. I was playing for the, um, for Brooklyn. So right. um, it was just a quick trip trip oh, well. up to Boston and back. Yeah, I love that. And and who's your 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 current favorite fighter? Who's the guy? No matter what, you have to watch him live. Oh man, I can't even. I can't even. I couldn't even pick, man. There's so many fighters I like. Um, Top two, man, three on the spot. Right. Oh, well, John Jones was my favorite fighter. Oh, and was know, once he gets back. Once he gets back, you know, he well, he's has a fought in two years, yeah. so it's hard. It's hard to say, you know, somebody that's not out there. Um, but uh, I, I love watching Mighty Mouse. You know, uh, he's. I mean, he's amazing. You know, he's just so technical. He's great stand-up, wrestling. He's slick on his back. I mean, he can do it all. You see, now now you've just earned some street cred because, you know, anyone could say Connor or, you know, Ronda, whatever, but you pick Mighty Mouse. Like, that's the hardcore fans pick right there. So the well, fact yeah, that- I mean, well, like, not a lot of people like the 125ers. Right. Because you know, they're not, there's not a lot of knockouts, you know, to be honest, you know. But, I mean, just watching him and what he does, and, and, and it's just crazy. You know, he just... He's so patient, you know, he's so smart. Um, you know, you, you watch like a couple of his fights where he has the submissions, you know, he, he waits till the last 10 seconds of a round and then he tries something instead of trying, you know, with two minutes and losing position and then being on the ground. He's just, he's just smart and efficient in what he does. So now that he tied Anderson's record, um, some are saying that, you know, he's the best of all time. How do you feel about that? Because there's also an I, argument I, to be made that he hasn't fought the level of competition, right? I was just arguing with somebody the other day about that. Oh, okay. You know, it's, <laughs> It's it's tough to say, you know. Um, anytime you're comparing pound for pounds, it's tough. It's tough to judge, you know. Um, but I mean, you, you got to make an argument for him. I mean, he 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 beats who you put in front of him. You know, his only one of his one losses to Dominic Cruz at 135. So, um, it. But I love Anderson too, you know. And and the <laughs> like you said, he's 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 beaten a lot of Hall of Famers, you know, in his career, and so. That's tough, man. I don't want to. I don't want to have to make that decision. <laughs> well, it's just a you know a debate. It's a barbershop debate, if you will. Who's your pick for best of all time, though? Is there one that sticks out? Oh man, that's tough too. I honestly believe if, if John Jones was still fighting, you know, up these last two years, I would say him. Okay, that's just my opinion. Like I said, he's my favorite, so I'm a little biased. Uh, I mean, GSP's got to be up there for sure. I think. I think the top, you, you got to go GSP, you got to go 
Mighty Mouse, Anderson, John, you know, can't go wrong really. Yeah. And what about pound for pound right now? Because I feel like Daniel Cormier doesn't get the respect that he deserves considering what he's done at heavyweight and light heavyweight. Do you, do you put him in the pound for pound discussion or not yet? Does he have to beat John in your opinion Uh, first? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think I need to see another fight with him and John. Okay. You know, I think John, I mean, John, he, he gave John a good test, but I think, I mean, John was never in danger of losing that fight, you know, controlled it, you know, from start to finish and, you know, got takedowns, did everything he needed to do, landed strikes. So it was a, it was a great fight, but I, I think John won it. So I, I need to see a, that, that, that next fight between them two, a rematch. Has what's happened with John changed your opinion of him at all as a fighter? Not, not as a fighter, you know, it's just disappointing, man. When you, when you like somebody and you want to see him fight and then, you know, stuff happens, you know, in his life and I'm sure he's learning from it, you know, and I wish nothing but the best from, mm-hmm. you know, for him and, and hopefully he bounces back, man. Cause I want to see him out there you know, doing what he loves doing. How, how closely Darren, do you, do you pay attention to the business of, of MMA? Um, cause there's a lot of talk that the fighters, you know, need some sort of representation and association, some protection that they don't make enough money. As far as the fights are concerned, they make no money from the TV deal, very little in sponsorship. How, do you, do you, do you think about these things? Do you talk to the fighters? Do you feel like it needs to change? Oh, for sure. I definitely pay attention to it. Um, you know, especially now having your own gym and seeing, seeing what these guys go through, you know, and, and some of these, especially these little promotions, you know, these guys are just, you know, they're, they're putting in a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, you know, for very little money. Um, and, and it's like a risk reward thing, man. The risks are greater than the reward, you know, at that point, because if they get hurt and they need surgery, it's, it's on them. It's, it's, there's nobody that covers those costs. And, you know, it's just tough on them, you know, and so you, know, you even talk about the UFC, um, you know, it's not like basketball. We have a players union that, that's fighting for us and, you know, helping us, um, you know, better our contracts and things like that. You know, these guys just kind of are on their own and it's like whatever, whatever, the, whatever they say goes. So it's, it's a tough situation. Do you feel like it will happen? Does it need to happen for these fighters? I don't know. I don't know what will happen, you know, um, I think there are definitely some changes need to be made, you know, because it's it's, it's kind of you know taking a lot of money out of their pockets the way things are, are going. Yeah, but I guess you know it, it's I mean it's working for the UFC obviously, you know, yeah. the business model is working. So you know I I don't know it's it's a, it's a, a tough situation. Isn't it crazy? You know how the, the the salary cap went went up by so much last summer. Be- I mean, directly because of the TV deal and these TV fight- deal, yeah, for sure. And, and, and the UFC sure. is looking to get around 400 million for their next TV deal in two years. And the fighters make 0% of that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's tough because like you said, I mean, our, ours went up and so did our pay, you know, and, and yeah. everything with, with that. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely something I think that I don't know how you, how, how you go about forming a union, you know, cause when I got into the NBA, the union was, sure. was already formed, you know? And so, it's tough, man. I know guys have talked about it. You know, you've seen fighters talk about it um, in the past, but it seems like when they talk about it, they end up in Bellator. <laughs> and do you watch Bellator as well, by the way? I watch it a little bit. Um, you know, it, it doesn't get promoted as well, so I never even know when it is. You know, I got the UFC fans app, the UFC TV app. I got fight wow. pass, so I always know when everything is. UFC, it's like, First, I don't watch Spike TV, so I never know when fights are going to be on. Damn. Um, but but I'll catch them. I'll catch them, you know, every now and then, especially when, if King Mo's fighting. 
That's your guy. He's another Dallas guy. That's He's right. a Dallas guy, so you know, I watch him. Um, if you're not playing on Friday, write it down on your calendar. Uh, Spike TV Friday, Rory McDonald against Paul Daly, Bellator. That's a fight you need to go out of your way to watch. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a good fight. Yeah, that's gonna be a good fight. I'll rec- I'll record that one for sure. Okay, cool. Um, by the way, before I let you go, um, I'm just curious. Uh, this is the basketball fan of me coming out. How much are you enjoying all this? Because it felt like in, in in Dallas, you know, things weren't really going anywhere as far as playoffs are concerned. Now here you are with the super team conference finals. I mean, we all kind of think you go into the finals. Is, does it feel like you have like this new lease on life? How would you describe this? For sure, man. It's been man, it's been a blessing, you know. And I, I love my time in Dallas, and and I was happy, you know, staying there, even though we weren't. Um, we weren't going to make the play. Well, we had a chance to make the playoffs, but it wasn't looking good for us just because the organization was so great and coaches and, and my teammates. But, you know, this has definitely been a great opportunity for me. Um, I haven't been to the conference finals since my, my second year in NBA. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, you don't, you don't know when these opportunities are going to, you know, come, you know, this could, you know, this could be my only chance to, to get to the finals and compete for a championship. So, you know, I'm just making the most of it and, and trying to enjoy it and soak it all in. Um, it's been a great experience. What has surprised you most about LeBron? It's one thing to play against him, but to be in the locker room with him, has anything kind of jumped out at you? Nothing, because I've, I've won two gold medals with him. That's true. You know, That's right. I've been, I've been, I've been around him and, and seen, um, you know, what he brings to a team. And it's a guy who I've always, you know, wanted to play with, you know, even when I was on other teams. And so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely glad I got, to, got this opportunity to play with him because, you know, he's going he's gonna to go down as one of the all-time greats for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an honor to play with him. And do you feel comfortable now? It's one thing to like come on a team, you know, off season, but you know, midway, the champs, they've got a thing going, they've got a lot of big names. I would imagine it takes some time to feel comfortable, right. To feel like, okay, this is my role. This is how I'm going to be effective. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely was because, you know, this is a new situation for me. You know, I've always been a starter and played, you know, 30 plus minutes. And so to come to a team in the middle of the season, you know, I'm, I'm backing up Kyrie, who's one of the best point guards in this league. And, um, you know, playing 15, 16 minutes, you know, it, it was, a, it was definitely an adjustment and, and I had to figure out how to get going and how to, you know, be a bench player. And, and, and it's a different role. And, you know, it took me a little bit of time to adjust, but now I feel like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the right thing for me right now, you know, at this point, um, to be able to compete and and help this team win, you know, I had to to uh, relish that role. Kind of have to check your ego and just be a a role player, but that's okay for the greater good of the team, right? For sure, man. I mean, if if I'm gonna be able to win a championship, you know, it's, it's definitely worth it. I feel like LeBron could be a fighter. Was he like two seventy at this point? <laughs> have you ever talked to he him about this? Anybody, he won't. He won't tell anybody his weight. Oh, really? That's his thing. Yeah. Wow. He won't tell anybody. But you talked to him about fighting because he, he's a fan, right? Uh, yeah, he watches fights. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he'd ever fight that. He'd ever fight. He, I don't think he, he needs Floyd money. No, that's right. Like, that's right. That's right. You'll, you'll watch that. I'm assuming, right? Floyd versus Connor. Is it going to happen? It's close. It's close. I hear they're, they're in the red zone to steal a football phrase. Like they're, yeah. they're almost there. So I never know. I mean, I just read somewhere said Connor finalized his side of the deal. Yeah, it's close. Oh man. You keep up on the news. Yeah, man. I got all that. I got, yeah. Yeah. All right. You can follow everything on Instagram. First of all, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it comes across my feed every two seconds. Some MMA. So, okay. Last thing I'll kill myself. If I don't ask you this KG and and Paul Pierce and, and, and Terry, those guys were kind of dicks, right? Can can we admit that? 
<laughs> that whole thing. No, they were great. Man. Come on, man. Hey, you talking about the the the? Well, they they were uh, talking the about show? they were talking about Ray Allen, but then like when they talked about Brooklyn, I felt like they were kind of taking some subtle shots. Like what happened there? I mean, it's, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> over with. I, I moved on. I don't. That stuff doesn't doesn't phase me. That's true. I went. I went through through a lot of, a lot of stuff in Brooklyn, man, and I'm just happy that, that that part of my life is behind me. You're happy to be out of Brooklyn, basically. For sure. What a mess that was. I mean, it was good, man. It was it, it, it had its you know everything has its ups and downs, and and you know I'm not gonna say I wish that that didn't happen in my life because you know there was a lot of great times in Brooklyn, and I made a lot of great people and great friends. Um, so you know, lifetime friends. So you know, I would never not want that part of my life to happen, but you know, a lot of it was, was just tough, man. I was hurt, injured, you know, and, and <clears throat> wasn't having fun. Cause, uh, you know, I couldn't perform like I wanted to, you know, right. and, and, um, you know, the fans probably weren't happy about that. So neither was I, nobody, nobody felt worse than I did. Right. I'll tell you that much. Well, uh, I'm happy you're ha- you're healthy now and I'm happy that you're on a great team and that you're very close to fulfilling your dream of being an NBA champion. Uh, as a diehard Nick fan, I'll say, I know Brooklyn didn't work out, but Hey, if you know, off season contracts up, I'd love to have a guy like you running the, the squad. Uh, I know it's a mess over there and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone who the hell wants to play for Phil Jackson. I mean, what a mess, but we won't get into all that. I mean, it's disgusting what's happening to this team. Um, uh, but I, I would personally welcome you with open arms. So we'll deal with that later. I appreciate it. Uh, for now, good luck the rest of the way. And again, thank you so much for, for coming on the show in the midst of all this. And thank you for supporting MMA and, and thank you for that gym. It's just an amazing thing. Um, what you did, if anyone's in the Dallas area, I urge you to go check out Fortis MMA. It is a beautiful facility. One of the best I've ever seen, no joke. And it just feels like you're a pro athlete when you're in there. It just kind of oozes that. So congratulations to you and safe and uh, good luck the rest of the way, Darren. This has been a real treat for me. Thank you for doing it. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I'm a big fan. So, you know, this was, uh, this was great for me. Cool. All the best to you and, and good luck in the uh, conference finals. All right. Thanks, man. All right. There he is. Darren Williams. How about that? How exciting was that? I wanted to cut to, uh, to New York Rick in the midst of all of that, who was probably just dying to ask about, you know, what J.R. Smith's jersey smells like after the game or, you know, what's Simon Shumper doing with his hair for the conference finals. But I cannot afford him that luxury. What'd you think? What'd you think, New York Rick? That's Darren Williams. That's the backup PG for your Cleveland Cavs. He passes the test. That's for damn sure. You know, you if, could tell when someone's legit, right? He knows his stuff. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, tell. there's no doubt about it. I was recently on the... Uh, on SB Nation's pod, uh, Cavs podcast, Fear, um, Fear the Sword. Wait, you were a guest? Cavs blog. Yeah, oh yeah. Get Come out on. Of They know. They know the Cavs. Uh, that, shout out to Chris who uh, who hooked that up. Um, they had me on. They asked me who was my favorite Cav that you know wasn't Kyrie, wasn't LeBron. Um, I think I went with uh, Richard Jefferson, who I love, but I got to switch it. I have to switch it immediately to Darren Williams. The guy, the guy knows his stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. That was that was awesome. Um, and I feel like we're perfectly aligned on the John Bones Jones as goat um, thing. <laughs> so uh, I was impressed. Did you, did you ask him any questions when you teed no, him up? No, I, I, I had to, you know, kind of keep it. You were all pro? Yeah, you didn't I, say good luck? I didn't say like, you know, hope you guys win and come all on. that type of thing. Nah, come on. This is, this is, this is, this see is now, big time. This is got to keep it pro. See, now I'm a little bit torn because I like the guy so much. I mean, look. Now I have to root for the Cavs? You're known to jump bandwagon. That's true. So... This one's open. You're, you know, if you want to get on a championship uh, squad, this is your best shot. It's not going to happen on the uh, for the Knicks. So no, it's not. I, I think I'm. You know what? I don't know. 
We'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> Look, you got your you've got your hooks in the jazz. You've got this connection. Jazz to the who? Now. I'm done oh, with the jazz. Damn. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm done god. with the jazz. Look what they did to Darren Williams. They shipped him off to New Jersey. Um, wow. Derek Favor is still working out for them though. Um, yeah, but that was really cool. Yeah, that that was great. I mean, clearly, clearly he follows it. He knows what he's talking about, and um, seems to like relish this the, the idea that he might compete in jiu-jitsu is incredible um and not even might he seemed pretty confident yeah. and oh, sure yeah, he about was it like oh yeah yeah i'm doing this yeah so as soon as uh as soon as the nba you know uh career wraps up which hopefully is not for a while hopefully we can win a championship this year and he stays on but um yeah darren darren williams jiu-jitsu it's gonna be incredible no joke and i'm not just saying it again I was really impressed with that school or that gym, if you want to yeah. call it that. Um, again, four to seven MMA in Dallas. Um, the head coaches safe Saud, but um, it just it, it was a beautiful facility. So they've got like the mats, they've got some bags. You know, it, it's kind of standard on on the first floor. Then you go to the second floor, and it's all kind of cardio stuff. Then you go on the third floor, and that's outside, and it's an outdoor deck with um, with grass and stuff, and, and and the bathrooms. I mean, it's all brand new, December, as you said, and then. There's another floor outside with, um, like I said, the mini putt and like the big chess pieces and a projector. And of course, none of this actually makes you a better MMA fighter, but this is a place where it's clear. I mean, it's, it's not dirty. And I know some fighters like, you know, that old gritty feel. I wouldn't be one of those. Maybe that's why I'm not a fighter, but it's just a place where you feel comfortable and you feel like you're treated right. And, you know, it's a professional gym. Um, and it's open to the public as well. So yeah, it was really cool to see, uh, Rose and Pat Barry were working out for us. And then Derek Lewis as well. Uh, that was Thursday in Dallas and it's right in the heart of Dallas. So when I found out that, um, that Darren is, is, uh, a co-owner, if you will, I was like, oh man, I would love to have him on the show. And then they told me if it went to game seven, he'd be free. John Wall hits the shot. I was so damn happy. Now you may have given the Helwani kiss of death though, unfortunately. Yes. Last two years time, ago, two years ago, we had Mike Miller of the then of the Cavaliers on, and after his appearance, the Cavs lost in the finals, and Mike Miller was no longer on the team. That's true. That I season. forgot about that part. So I'm oh, a little man. bit worried because your sports team uh, allegiance is, and maybe that's be, why I did it. Proven to be very uh, fatal for teams' chances. Um, so I'm hoping that you didn't give us the kiss of death. By the way. Maybe I have a, a recency bias here, but I feel like Darren knows a little more than Mike. Um, I think Mike was knowledgeable, but yeah, I mean, Darren, Darren's really like in the, the nitty gritty of it. If he's cornering fighters, oh, yeah. he's planning to compete in jujitsu. Um, he can talk about, you know, all the, the um, different fighters who are in the pound for pound conversation. Like the, he, he follows it. Beltor needs to step up their game. Clearly they're not promoting enough yeah. for the NBA players. Got to get, got to get them involved. King okay. Mo's doing a good job. King though. Mo, that's his guy. How yeah. about that? King Mo's got that street cred. Um, all right, so that was awesome. Thank you very much to Darren Williams. Thank you very much to uh, Safe for hooking that up. And uh, thank you, of course, to all the guests who stopped by today. It's funny how we're kind of geeking out over Darren Williams. <laughs> and we talked to like Yoani on Jacek. We talked to Tyron Woodley. And here we are being geeks. A um, few other things we need to discuss before we say goodbye. So Stipe Miocic wins on Saturday. He knocks out JDS. Two straight title defenses that ties the heavyweight record is he in that conversation for you absolutely best Absol ever absolutely and because um, if you look at actually who he beat en route to becoming a champion en route to the title fight the mark hunt fight right the arlovsky fight 
I mean, and, and he's knocking these guys out. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Up until this point, I think you know he hasn't had um, those defining moments that you could point to, and that's why I think he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. But at this point, knocking out Overeem, knocking out Junior, the guy is unquestionably in that conversation, and I think you can make a very compelling argument that he's number one. Um, the the names on his resume um, and, and how he's looked. Uh, it's it's at this point, I think you'd be crazy to leave him off that conversation. Since losing to Stefan Struve in 2012, he beat Roy Nelson via decision. And remember, at the time, no one thought he deserved to yep. be in there with, yep. with Roy Nelson. Took that fight on short notice, and that was somewhat of a revelation, right? Huge upset. Then he beat Gabriel Gonzaga via decision, TKO's Maldonado in 35 seconds in that heavyweight fight, remember? Um, excuse me. Maldonado moved up, yeah. Maldonado moved up to heavyweight. Then he lost to JDS in that amazing five-round fight. Some people even think he won the fight, deserved to win the fight. Then he completely annihilates Mark Hunt. KOs Arlovsky in 54 seconds. KOs Verdum in two minutes and 47 seconds. KOs Alistair Overeem in a little less than five minutes. And then KOs JDS in 222. That's a damn impressive resume. Now, why do you think there's there's a disconnect there? I mean, in Cleveland, he's a star. And again, I think he needs to go back there. And it just translates on TV and in the press, the bigger he is. And, and Dallas showed him love. Dallas showed him love, but it's different. They're showing him an embedded or the countdown show. And like LeBron's giving him, you know, a wink as he's about to, you know, shoot a three-pointer during, during warmups. It's different. But why is there that disconnect there? Is it because he doesn't, talk a lot of smack or he doesn't do interviews or he's not very eloquent why do you think i mean here you have a heavyweight champion who is knocking people out his last four fights were first round knockouts that's like a promoter's dream yeah i'd say that i think that's it but i i i'm thinking of Cain velasquez who didn't have that issue and is very similar in terms of riding you know down the middle keeping himself reserved and not you know making huge um, statements just to get attention. So I don't know if that's it. Uh, I, I would think that that's part of it, but Cain Velasquez ha- had no problem kind of grabbing that attention as the baddest man on the planet without you know being flamboyant and boisterous himself. So I don't know. I, I, you know, One thing I'll say is what I said just, just a few moments ago. To this point, his, his style, his, you know, he's, he's good at everything, um, but you know, wasn't knocking people out. Was kind of um, just using his well-rounded game plan and 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 uh, was rather skill set um, to get it done. You know, wasn't wasn't the thing that draws the eyeballs. But to this point, now you know the last couple of fights, you can't cite that anymore. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I, I think if you're not you know paying attention to him, you're you're making a mistake and, and missing the the you know the peak of one of the best fighters on the planet he is slowly but surely coming into his own um i really like the interview that we did and it has been a challenge to sometimes interview him and he admits to this i mean sometimes he doesn't give you a lot um but on wednesday i thought he was fun uh y- you can really get you know his personality out if you ask him about anything but the fight which is only going to take you so far but even afterwards he was he was very funny he was very personable he's very confident and i thought it was very interesting to hear him talk about needing some time to think about things. And if you'll recall back in January, he said that um, 
he thought the UFC mistook his kindness for a weakness and he didn't like his contract and it was a rocky road to get to 211. And I believe that he was alluding to that. Okay, I, I, I won the fight, now what? And if you look at his Twitter, there are some hints there as well. And I asked him about that. Um, he didn't want to divulge his feelings on the state of his relationship with the UFC, but I, I do believe that is what he is referring to, that this man wants to get paid. This, one, this man wants to get paid you know, what the, the heavyweight champion of the world who's knocking people out in the first round, four straight fights, deserves to get paid. And, you know, I think the fact that Overeem made more than him in Cleveland really bothers him. I, I get the impression that Stipe is one of those guys who's super loyal, like blue collar, you know, has his principles and will have your back no matter what. But if he feels like he's being wrong, this really, you know, even if it means, you know, sitting out or something, this guy is going to stick to his guns. And so I'm very curious to see what happens to him next and, and, and who he fights next whenever they figure this out. And Ganu, I don't know, maybe too soon. To me, the fight is Cain Velasquez, but from what I hear, he's still not 100%. There's no real clear-cut guy. Overeem's fighting Verdum. I don't necessarily want to see those fights next. Maybe Verdum because he was the champion, but he just fought Overeem. He just fought Verdum. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I know. But, you know, Verdum comes back. You know, he has a win um, in Cleveland. He'll get another win. I'm saying if he beats Overeem, okay, you know, maybe he deserves a chance at, at his belt. I don't hate that. Um, I think Overeem's a bit of a tougher sell because he was the challenger in that title fight. But it's important to remember that he damn near got him out of there. Overeem yeah, no. was on the verge of winning that I fight. I, I think that, you know, the heavyweight division... You know, it's it's cliche, it's obvious, whatever, you know, whatever you want to point to. Any guy can come in there and, and land one punch and, and take the title away. Um, yeah, so I think... I want to see some fresh matchups. You know, Derek it, Lewis is fighting Mark Hunt yeah. in, in a month. Look, I, I think, you know, there, you can't slow roll the heavyweight division. If Ngannou gets that shot, I think you've got to give it to him. If, if Derek Lewis gets that shot, um, I'm not mad at any of those matchups. But I also, on the on the other side of the coin, I'm not mad if we see a rematch in the heavyweight division either. Um, I think there's a lot more intrigue, and I think it's a lot more sellable at heavyweight um, than some of the lower weight classes where um, we've seen something run back a few times. I feel for JDS. I mean, this is, oh, gosh, is, if, if there is a nicer human being on this earth than JDS, I don't know if I've met them. He is the jolly green giant. He's the jolly Brazilian giant. I mean, he just always has a, a smile on his face. Pound for pound, one of the nicest fighters in the world. And, uh, you know, now we're back. I brought this up last week. I, I felt like people were ignoring the fact that it had been 13 months since he last fought. He only won once since the win over Miocic in 2014. And now we're back to wondering about, you know, the kind of punishment he's taken. You know, has he passed his prime? All these things. You know, he says he wants to come back soon. He was very emotional about, you know, the loss and, and what's next. I don't doubt that he will fight again, but you wonder if he'll ever be champion again. Um, Ioanni and Jacek wins. And, you know, what more can you say about her performance again? And and I and I, sometimes I hate when we do this, best ever, best ever, but I feel like now she has a legitimate case. One away from Ronda, and you can make a case that her competition just as tough, if not tougher. I think you can make a very strong case that it's tougher. Um I think she's already probably the best female fighter we've seen. Um, Certainly, currently. No, that's not even in question. I mean, yeah. I, I tweeted this. Every time we say this is going to be her toughest test, she makes it look easy. She's just that good. Um, and I think there's no doubt about it. She's she's box office. She's incredible. Like there, there's, Sells fights. Yeah, she's the, a great interview. She's the complete package. 
Now, Cyborg's in that discussion. Unfortunately for Cyborg, she can't find anyone to fight her. Yeah, it's, it's it, tough. It's it's a it's a bad scenario right now for you know just making that case for Cyborg just because where, where you know where is the opponent going to come from? And even and even you know let's say let's say it's not Megan Anderson, then it's a one thirty five er who's you know going up to forty five. It's it's not a a clean scenario for this. Do you give Rose a shot against Joanna? Yeah, I mean. I think she's going to bring a different dynamic um, than any of the, f- the fighters Joanna has fought to this point. But if I, if you're asking me who I think will be the favorite, I think it'll be Joanna and yeah. Big. I think I think um, Jessica had the skill set that I would be most worried about for Joanna, and she neutralized it completely. I wish Rose had a couple more fights to go on a bit of a run, get more confident, but that's the state of the 115-pound division. By the way, Mazel Tov to Jessica Andrade on getting engaged. A lot of love in the air these days in the UFC, and I don't think her stock goes down um, that much either. She hung in there. She was tough, um, and, and she even said it herself before the fight. Joanna is a more complete fighter. She, you know, She's someone who's fighting in her first uh, main event, first title fight. Andrade will be back, and she is definitely one of the best 115-pounders. Maya defeats Masvidal. That was a great performance. No controversy. Thought he deserved to win. Do you give him a chance against Tyron Woodley? Not really. Wow. I don't think stylistically. I think for Tyron, that's probably one of the easier matchups he could have. Um, really? I do, yeah. I don't easier think... than Masvidal? Stylistically, yeah. I think Masvidal's because skill set... Because if he keeps set, it standing... Then he'll, he'll if he keeps him up it standing, on. it's not going to be close on the feet. Um, and I think Tyron, I think Tyron will be able to keep it standing ultimately. Or in the grappling exchanges, I think he'll be able to to overpower Maya. Um, I just, I think uh, anybody else, I like Maya um, in this matchup. I think it, it plays into Tyron's game. Um, I think you know somebody who's able to kind of mix the striking and grappling like a Masvidal would have been a tougher test to be honest mm. for for Woodley and that's just kind of how the fight game goes. I don't think you know it's I'm not saying Masvidal is a better fighter or Maya is a worse fighter and the result w- could have been different. All I'm saying is stylistically, I think this fight is um, more beneficial to Tyron. Yeah, we'll see what happens if they ask him to fight on July 8th. But yeah, this is the fight. If it's not, obviously, GSP, who I think at 170 is able to cut the line to a degree. It makes a lot more sense yes. there than it does at 85. Right. Um, but hey, how about Damian Maya? He, he takes the fight. Everyone thought it was crazy that he had to take the fight. And then how about Dana White saying at the presser that you need to earn it in the UFC? Like submitting Carlos Condit, who was higher ranked than Masvidal back in August, is not earning it. Like you have to beat someone who's lower rank to earn it well he's earned it yeah well now he's earned it uh but still i don't know if i'm taking that one to to the bank it was amazing seeing um maya stand or sit next to frankie edgar who was told not that long ago that he was going to get a title shot after knocking out chad mendez and we all know how that went and yep. and and also for masvidal i mean surviving in the first round the takedown defense i don't think his stock goes down that much either no uh maya's anything. been maya's been Dominating, Maya's been blowing yeah. through everybody. Um, I thought Masvidal had a case uh, to be made for uh, winning a round, if not two. Now, I agree with you know ultimately what the scorecards were, um, but I thought Maya, uh, sorry, Masvidal was completely game um, and just got out grappled by a better fighter. From what I understand, he wants to return sooner rather than later. Uh, some names that were thrown out 
Wonder Boy, Magni, the Wonder Boy fight would be really fun. I think Masvidal would be game in any fight against any of those guys. Well, he is I, I the game that. bred, by the way. So. He's game bred. Yeah. Um, Frankie Edgar, what more can you say about him? Holy smokes. Stud. He's just I think, unbelievable. I think we that can was a lesson. the brakes on Yair Rodriguez, you know, being the next big thing for a second. This is not hindsight. This is not 2020, but I was surprised when they booked this fight. And I would have been the first to say, hey, Yair's the real deal. I mean, you beat Frankie Edgar. It doesn't get more impressive than that. But to go, again, as we talked about last week, to go from BJ Penn in 2017, no knock on BJ, he just is who he is, to Frankie Edgar but, is a massive leap. There's but, a bunch of guys in between there. Yeah, and I think even even beyond that, you know, BJ Penn, I would consider almost an anomaly just because it, it's it's, you know, put together for a very specific reason. His last fight before that was... Uh, Caceres and it wasn't like he went out there and blew the doors off yeah. Caceres um, it was just going to be a big leap now granted I think him getting that opportunity is ultimately good he can learn from this and, and build so I don't think it's a case where I can't believe they made this matchup I just think it's a case where let's pump the brakes um, build him up and he will be in the title conversation at some point in his very young uh, career right now. Um, he will be in that conversation in the future. Well, it really was a win-win for Yair, and I know he didn't want to take it that way before the fight, but, you know, I, again, I don't think his stock really goes down. It's just back to, okay, the slower build, and you're super young, and I don't think anyone is saying, oh, he got smoked by, by Frankie, he's a nothing, and he'll never be anything. Two things I just want to quickly point out. One, I thought it was very um, intelligent on the broadcast where – you know, they showed that camera and he had the opportunity to get out of that fight and he chose yeah, not yeah. to. Um, the the commentary team astutely pointed out that that says a lot about a fighter. Couldn't agree more. Um, it shows that Yair wasn't looking for a way out of that fight. He was looking to, to win that fight. Um, and that's uh, an important thing uh, for, for a fighter going forward. Um, and number two, Frankie Edgar is a legend, living legend. Mm -hmm. The guy's career is... Uh, you know, a, a, uh, a fairy tale, um, w you know, winning the title and, and f facing the caliber opponents that he did at 155 and then, you know, continuing that success at 145. Um, now, granted, he's lost to Jose Aldo, um, but Jose, I think Jose Aldo is one of the best fighters to ever do it, as is Frankie. Um, the guy is a legend. He, he, we should be, you know, worshiping uh, the floor he walks on. Uh, Frankie Edgar I can't. I can't even think of the words to talk about that guy as a fighter. Um, his career is going to maybe not now, but in hindsight, I think he will be talked yeah. about as one of the all-time greats. And I'll also say this: some people change along the way. He is the exact same guy um, after winning the belt. The ups and downs. He is the exact same guy no matter what. Now we don't know what's happening with Cody Garbrandt. Um, he's in Germany right now. He doesn't sound very confident in the fact that he will be able to fight on July 8th. We don't know how severe his back injury is, but it's clearly an issue. And the fight is in jeopardy. Witness the fact that TJ Dillshaw is campaigning for Demetrius Johnson. But if he's back sooner rather than later, and that fight happens at some point, and if Jose Aldo wins at UFC 212, I'd love to see Frankie versus Dominic Cruz at 135 winner gets a title shot. Because he's not going to get another shot at Aldo, and I don't see why he should be fighting these random guys at 145. Let's see him go for another belt and try to be a champion at 135. In for it. How cool would that be? Dominic versus Frankie Edgar. Um, okay, other news and notes. David Branch, he wins. Do you kind of feel like he has to do something impressive in his next fight? I mean, yes, it's 11 in a row, and and, and yes, that, that takes something, but he went back to the old David Branch. Yeah, 
Uh, is it the old David Branch? That's kind of just David Branch. I mean, he was kind of he was kind of finishing guys. In Not World the Series last fighting. one in, in New York. You yeah. know, it was it was a. It's fi- frustrating to watch. Look, does he have to? No, I think you know. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the calculation is he wants to win, and he's good at that. Um, so I don't want to, you know, be too tough on a guy who's winning fights at the highest level. You can't fight um, on pay per view if that's. I mean, no. No, someone, someone sent me an email saying that Verizon charged sixty nine ninety nine for that pay per view. You can't ask people to to pay for that. Now, that was a late, you know, sure. happening. But but you're held to a different standard. I think the the thing is more important for David Branch to think about is that you know a fighter like a Yushin Okami or a John Fitch or even a Jake Shields, those fighters went yeah. to WSOF from the UFC because of their style. It wasn't yeah. that they weren't viable fighters anymore. They're still clearly. Um, very good uh, fighters and, and great at at the style that they had. But, it, you know, David Branch is now coming from WSOF to the UFC, um, and that style was one that wasn't ultimately valued. So I don't know where he goes from here, but I think I, I'm reluctant to be critical of a guy who, you know, who won his fight at, and the UFC is... He was critical of himself. I'm sure he has, you know, corrections to be made, but I think... Getting the win is more important than style points at the end of the day. And um, no, because that. at the end of the day, look at Damian Maya. You're not going to get a title shot if you're not getting any style points. That, you yeah. get some along the and, way, and that's a calculation for him to make. But yeah. Damian Maya is the perfect example. If Branch can, you know, string together ten of them, he's in there. But maybe it's it's a quicker route if if you're looking for a, a different route to victory. I've weighed in enough on this whole Eddie Alvarez Poirier thing on, sure. on on Saturday talking to Herb Dean. You know where I stand. Uh, in short. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree completely. Disagree along. completely. No, well, why do you disagree? I think there's illegal a... Illegal is illegal? Well, there's a confusion. People You're think saying Herb that, Dean is confused. No. What I'm saying is people when... Well, I don't think Herb Dean made the right call. I'll say that. Okay. When, I think when people are talking about intent mattering or not mattering, you're... you're, you're looking at the wrong thing in the conversation. Intent always has to matter. You right. can't blindly say, if he did this, um, it's this, uh, and, and take intent completely out of the conversation. I think intent always has to matter. But what we need to consider, um, so having said that, Eddie Alvarez intended to throw that knee. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, but did he intend to throw an illegal knee? Yes. Uh, because, well, how do you know? Because the knee was ultimately illegal. No, but there's one. Okay, if, if someone throws a headbutt under any circumstance, that's illegal. But knees aren't always illegal. In that specific case, because Poirier was down, that was an illegal knee. So the question is not did he throw the knee on purpose or not? We all know he did, but did he know that the opponent was down? Did he mean to cause a foul? Do you get the difference? But it's his responsibility to know the opponent. Yeah, well, th- well, that's the thing. So, so if he knows that he was down, if you're saying he knows, then that is an intentional illegal knee, thus leading to the DQ. But I guess you know Herb Dean is saying that he doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that he knew. But you it's, know what the biggest it's issue his is? responsibility to know. You know what the biggest issue is here? The biggest issue is not so much. This is in my opinion the takeaway. Not because so, we could say, oh, he may have thought he was in New York and it's legal. The biggest issue is, and 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 Poirier even tweeted about this. What he really wants, the reason why he's appealing this, is so that he can get the W, is so that he can get the win bonus, right? Yeah. And it goes back to what I've talked about time and again. This system is broken. This is all about that win bonus, and I don't blame him. Both guys deserve. 
their entire purse, not just a portion of the purse. And that, that's, that's the real crime here, that one of them was robbed, that they both walked away with just their show money, that the UFC, they have spreadsheets. It says, okay, you know, win, show, show, win. If this guy wins, show, win. If that guy wins, like they calculate all of this, but they kind of got away with one. If no one gets their win bonus, it's just two shows. And that's the annoying part, in my opinion. Yes, I think that's obviously valid and important to consider. That but, has nothing to do with the actual rule. But it has it doesn't have to do with this because the question is, we don't know if Dustin would um, object to this ruling if he got his win bonus. Would he be okay with getting a yes. no contest? Yes. I mean, he tweeted it just earlier. He said that's what this is all about, his you win can, bonus. Yeah, he can say that, but he's not in that scenario. Yeah. Um, that it's easy to say, yeah, I don't care about winning. Um, all I care about is that, but he's not in that scenario. And I'm not saying he's lying. I, I'm not saying that, uh, that he's misleading people. All I'm saying is he's not in that scenario to make that call now. They need to get all on the same page. I, and again, it really has nothing to do with Saturday night, but it just highlights the fact that some states are going by one set of rules, others, other set of rules. It's, it's embarrassing that, and it's an ego thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that much is clear. I don't think it came into play in this, but I think it's clear. No, but I mean, he can make the argument, oh, you know, I was, uh, my well, bell was wrong here, and I thought I was in a state where this was legal. Here was the most interesting part of your interview with Herb was when he was talking about, and I don't think many people know this, and I think that changes this scenario for a lot of people, was he's saying that a fighter is not actually grounded unless they're putting enough weight on it that if you kicked out their arm... Which is interesting, yeah. They would fall on their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not something I was aware of, and I don't think many people who are watching that are aware of. So he didn't consider the first knee illegal because, because yep. uh, Dustin wasn't putting Wait. enough weight on it. Um, so that's that That changes it for me, certainly. Oh. Um, no, I, I still think it uh. should have been a disqualification. But that first knee... Based on that, and he's briefed the fighters, um, and I saw Brandon Gibson say um, on Twitter that he's heard this many times as well, that he's been briefed on that, uh, Coach Brandon Gibson. Um, that changes that there was only one illegal knee. Um, now, I think it was a blatant, clear, no doubt about it, illegal knee, and I don't think um, whether he intended to land um, uh, an illegal knee or not an illegal knee uh, matter. That's part of the rule. It's not a blanket thing. Like if someone travels in an NBA game or, you know, holds on to a face mask or pass interference in an NFL game, that's just blanket. It doesn't matter if you intended to do it, if you intended to bump the guy, if you intended to charge. Illegal is illegal. But in MMA, there is something so what, called intent. And so it's up to the referee. And it's crazy that they have to make this determination. But here's the question. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the rule. Yeah, but that's why something question. like no contest exists. Where is that line? If if this is not an illegal knee, if this is not an intentional illegal knee, what is? What would it require? Saying, Herb, I'm going to knee this guy in the face illegally? What would be the sign of know. that? It's crazy. Maybe because if this he is was as blatant as it got. Bearing more weight on his hands. Maybe if he was on he was all on fours. Knee. Maybe if he was on all fours and the guy came and ran up. Maybe if he tried to, you know, soccer kick him. I mean... Yeah, I mean, this if, is very subjective. I agree. I'm just going by by the rules. I'm not yeah. one who's making up his own rules. People are like, "Oh, illegal is illegal." Well, no, that's not actually the rule. No, the ref has an input here and has to make a judgment yeah. call, and that's very difficult. It's very difficult. It's incredibly difficult. Again, in an NBA game, the referee doesn't have to determine whether he meant to barrel over his defender. A charge is a charge. There's some subjectivity, but not in the case you of... You get my point. Yeah, absolutely. You have to actually decide if it's intentional or not. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it's crazy, but that is the rule. 
Anyway, let's move along here because we are running out of time. Jason Knight, shout out to him. Another great victory. Want to give a shout out to Courtney Casey, who seems somewhat frustrated after her win over Jessica Aguilar. And that's a very impressive win. Not only for her win, but also for what she said afterwards about, you know, not getting the attention and respect that she feels that she deserves and the current state of women's MMA. Uh, Check out that scrum. If you go to our YouTube page, I thought she said some very intelligent things. And I think she's actually one of the more underrated fighters in women's MMA and in particular in that 115 pound division. And how about James Vick, our guy, James Vick, who I now believe is six and one, if not seven and one in the UFC. I don't want to rob him of a victory. I think he's seven and one. He is killing it. And uh, it was cool to see him speak up as well on the mic and, and, and to voice some of his concerns about the way he's being pushed. And that was another impressive victory for him as well. Uh, the Sherman Coulter fight was fun. It, it was a great car from top to bottom. I love the Texas commission. I don't know if you caught this at the morning weigh-ins on Friday, cracking a joke about the New York commission. I mean, this is the greatest irony of all irony. The, 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 the Texas commission's cracking a joke about another commission. This was about the towels and whatnot, but I just thought that was really funny. And I don't think a, a lot of people picked up on that. Um, the summer kickoff on Friday, did you feel like some people said to me, this was an embarrassment. It's getting too much. They're trying no. to be like Connor. Were you okay? I mean, you know, cocaine, all this stuff. A lot of stuff was said. I mean, the fight, were you okay with it for the most part? Yeah. Uh, that's the nature of this game. And also I saw an equal number of people being like, Oh my God, did you see that? It was so great. That's, that's how this is going to go from now on. And if, if, People don't want it to go in that direction. They have to stop responding to it. Um, all anybody could talk about was uh, the John Jones quotes and the Kevin yeah. Lee and Michael Chiesa. I actually thought it was a turning point for Daniel Cormier. I don't know if you could tell, but a lot of people were cheering for him. DC, DC, yeah. DC. Uh, it was the first time that he was getting some love in the exchange of the 85 times that he squared off with uh, with John Jones. And to me, the big difference was he wasn't telling the fans how to feel. He was talking to John. He wasn't telling people, and he did a little bit of this in the back, which I would argue is a mistake. He was telling John Jones how he felt about him. He wasn't telling the fans what to think. And I think fans responded to that a little better. Yeah. Daniel Daniel came off uh, well in that one, and I thought John came off fine as well. Um, Justin Gaethje was there clapping up a storm. Gaethje might have been the the winner of the day. Well, I mean, the whole exchange with Michael Johnson to me that was a little cringeworthy, like it, saying like I eat my pieces yeah, of crap yeah. whole. What is that? That's straight yeah, that, out of, was that a Happy Gilmore joke gone wrong? Hmm. I don't know what that was, <laughs> but I thought when uh, when Johnson said something about being ready to die, and Gaethje was like, "I'm ready, come come get me," I was. I was impressed. My favorite line from Johnson was calling World Series of Fighting the Sea League. I thought yeah. that was great. It was good. It was- um, but then Johnson just being like the kid at, at, at school, at this new school for the first time, just loving everything and almost like, you know, starstruck by what's going on, but just you, just so you mean, enthusiastic. Do you mean Gaethje or? Oh, sorry, Gaethje. Yeah. Gaethje was just so enthusiastic about everything. Um, it was great. Clapping. He was hilarious. So they, they announced Chris Weidman versus Kelvin Gastelum, main event, um, July 22nd, Long Island. It's a tricky one for Chris. Kudos to him. Taking another big fight, not working his way back up. Um, the Kiesa Kevin Lee incident, we know about that. Cormier and Jones, Justin Gaethje, Michael Johnson, Calvillo against Calderwood. Also Amanda Nunez and uh, Valentina Shevchenko had a fun little back and forth as well. So the face-offs were fun. We have those online. They also announced Duho Choi versus Andre Feely. So a lot of people were wondering what happened to Choi. He's going to fight Feely in July. 
I believe Dennis Bermudez is fighting Darren Elkins in July as well, so stay tuned for that. They announced Dana White's Contender Series. Did you see this? I did, yeah. Tuesday, fights in the Ultimate Fighter House, kind of one-offs, a chance to fight your way into the UFC live on Fight Pass, I believe five fights um, weekly. How do you feel about this? I like it. You like it? I like anything that's a departure um, from tough, which I think, you know, we— we all have kind of voiced at this point is is getting a little bit stale. I like if something. If they get rid of tough, this would be good, but this and tough is a little much. Yeah, I, and I, ultimately, I think this is probably based on the success of uh, Dana White's looking for a fight where um, we have something similar to this. Now, that's obviously taped and um, not as relevant. This is better, in my opinion. Um, but I think that this is a step in the right direction, clearly. Um, this is a chance for them to also take flyers on yeah. certain fighters, um, You know, a chance to test people out, a chance for a lot of women to get more fights because like, that's I like an issue. Uh, so let's see how it goes. I wonder if it's going to have, you know, broadcasters and things like that. Like what's it going to look like? I hope it looks a little different than tough. And if they try to build up the fights a little more, so we'll see uh, more MMA. We all wanted it. So uh, let's see how that turns out. Um, let me quickly tell you about the BS, the BSP, the Bisping GSP drama. Um, so Dana White announces on Wednesday that he's canceling the fight. To the best of my knowledge, none of the fighters involved have been told that it's canceled. Um, you know, this is maybe what he wants or he's frustrated, but I wouldn't cross that one out just yet. Um, let's see what happens. Let's see if, you know, Bisping agrees to fight Yoel Romero. Let's see if GSP is okay with sitting. Again, how could you criticize Michael Bisping, who's had this da- this carrot dangled in front of him, who's done a press conference, who's been told that he's going to make a hell of a lot more money than he's ever made in his career, if 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 GSP is ready to go in you know November three months after the proposed date, is it really his fault that the UFC can't find a main event? So I wouldn't take one to the that one to the bank just yet, and 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 witness the fact that we didn't report it because from talking to all the people involved, they're not saying it's it's completely off the table. Now I don't doubt that that's what they want to do, that they want to move along, that they need a main event for July eighth or you know August or whatever. I don't doubt that. But will it actually come to fruition? Remember, not that long ago, we were told John Jones isn't going to main event. And guess what? He's main eventing. Not that long ago, we were told no flyweights in the UFC as far as women flyweights are concerned. And guess what? Last week, they officially announced flyweights are coming. And by the way, remember what we said last week? If they come out with the news and it's the exact same, same details, it was botched, right? Yep. Came out with the news, same details. Now, what I was told was there's channels that they have to go through and you have to tell Fox and Fox didn't know. Could we not have done that retroactively? No big deal, but kind of felt like it was botched. Uh, Like I said to Darren Williams, Floyd Connor, it's getting close. That is true. I was told the red zone. Do you know what the red zone is? Yeah, the 20 yards before the end. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, Chris Cyborg still doesn't have an opponent. And... Jermaine Durand, I mean, that whole thing is just a mess. Um, it sounds like, you know, she not she might not fight again at 145. She might vacate that title, but no official decision has been made. And I'm expecting one sooner rather than later. They're trying to do, you know, I don't think Megan Anderson has a shot. I don't think they want to commit to a um, to a featherweight who can only fight a featherweight. So yes, there has been some talks about Katzengano. And initially I was told it wouldn't happen. Now I'm being told there's a chance it might happen. Cyborg is growing antsy. Her team is losing patience. Her contract is up in October. She wants to fight in July, but the clock is ticking. It's a mess of a situation. It really is. 
So we'll see what happens there. Um, but if you were hoping for Cyborg versus Jermaine or Cyborg versus Megan, as of right this second, crazier things have happened. doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, as I mentioned, Cody Garbrandt's back is messed up. He's in Germany. TJ wants to fight DJ. DJ says, no, thanks. I don't think that's fight. that fight is going to happen. And I think that DJ is going to fight in around August. And I hear that they are trying to go to Seattle to have him fight there to break the record. Or at least fight to break the record. So stay tuned for that. Joe Silva is now a member of the 2017 Hall of Fame class. This is pretty cool, right? Very cool. I'm Very. wondering, will he talk to the media? Because, you know, he had that muzzle on him. <laughs> I'm hoping so. I mean... Wasn't his doing. Yeah, I, th- I think if there was ever an opportunity, this is it. Yeah. Uh, they still haven't talked to Anderson Silva and cleared the air. So I guess as of right now, he's retired. But I have talked to some people in his camp. Something, mm, you know... Once they talk, clear the air, he'll come back. Others, not so sure, but uh, still no resolution to that just yet. By the way, speaking of Money Mouse, did you see that pick? I thought that was going to be a Rick's picks for sure. The 10 belts. He got them. How did that not make the cut? It's, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to go for the, the most obvious cut. You All know, right. I'm trying to dig a little deeper. Okay, fair enough. Um, but it was really cool. But great yeah, pick. That, that and he gets pick. to keep the belts. Now I wish he would have had him the Overeem pick where he has all the belts. Yeah, he's too you small know, for that. Across, what, what do you mean? Make it funny. Wrap ten belts around yourself. Maybe he did another one. He only posted one. We'll see. Maybe the outtakes come out. Okay, and finally, like I said, Bellator is back this weekend. Who do you got? Daly McDonald. I think Rory. I think ultimately he'll be a little more well-rounded. He'll be able to avoid the power, um, and I think he takes it. Daily McDonald, what a great fight. Boy. Invicta this weekend as well. I was and getting there. I wish I could watch it live, though. Daily can't watch him. Oh, no. you're talking about... Daily McDonald, not live. Um, Liam McGeary versus Linton Vassal. Czech Congo is also on the card. As I said, Baby Slice on the card. So it's a solid one. Unfortunately, no MVP, but we get the main event that we all wanted. And yes, uh, we do have Invicta. Best fight on the card? Uh, I like the main event. Agnieszka and uh, and Jennifer Maya. I'm sorry, not in Jennifer Maya and um, uh, Vanessa Porto. Now, give me Agnieszka's full name. Oh, Needvich. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Uh, Sounds like it. Looks yeah, like it. I think that's it. But um, that, that, I'll leave that to TJ and uh, and Julie. It's not my not my area that's of true. expertise. That's true. Our friend Roxanne Modafferi. Here she yeah. is, the heavy it, warrior. It's a great uh, card for flyweights. Uh, Andrea Lee as well. Great. Great fight, f- uh, fight card for flyweights, and then the UFC can take all of them. No, stop. Just kidding. All right, I think we're done. Anything else? That's it. I got an email about some uh, future odds. Aldo, minus 140. Holloway, plus 110. Claudia Gadelia, minus 300. Karolina Kovacavich, plus 230. By the way, Karolina Kovacavich, my favorite part of that press conference. She's always next to all the madness. She was next to Connor in New York. She was next to Johnny Jones in, uh, in, in Dallas. And she just sits there. And I stand by my statement, somewhat angelic-like, just kind of smiling and taking it all in. And then they go to her for one question. And she starts off with, hello, Dallas. And it's just, it's, it's all very sweet. I like it very much. She's got a great gimmick. I don't know if she does it on purpose, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, Overeem. Verdum, who's the favorite? Over him. Yes, minus 150, Verdum, plus 120. Jones-Cormier line just came out. This Jones. is all uh, according to Bovada, by the way. Uh, you saw this? No. Jones, minus 225, Cormier, plus 175. Makes sense. Romero-Bisping for that not yet Romero. official. 
uh, minus 260 Romero, plus 200. And then Garbrandt Dillashaw. So, sorry, what was that, minus 260? Yeah. I'm a little surprised by that. Um, not terribly, but a little bit. And I'm also surprised at how big a favorite John Jones is, actually. No respect. Yeah, no respect for the champs. What was the last one? Uh, the last one was Cody and TJ, which is Cody. on the ropes at Cody's the moment. Cody's going to be a favorite for sure. Minus 150, plus 120 for Cody. Yep. There it is. Thank you, Bovada. We'll see if those fights actually come to fruition. All right, we are done. A little overtime for you all, but we had a lot to discuss, a lot of people to talk to, um, and we thank you for sticking with us. I'm done. You're done? Okay, I think that's yes. You can hit my music. Yeah. Well, I don't have any uh, custom outro music like Mr. New York Rick. Well, he just has an intro song. Watch him get an outro song next week. And then you'll have a sponsor. It'll be the only segment on the entire show that's sponsored. And we'll all go to crap. We didn't get to say hello to Stephanie this week, but uh, I hear she's talking some mad smack back there. And I hear that uh, New York Rick is sweating a little bit. There she is. Hello, Stephanie. Oh, we don't hear her. Look at that hair. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get her next week. There she is. Say hello. I'm here. Hi, guys. Hi. Can you choke him quickly? Oh, there it is. Bang. <laughs> He's out. Thank you for doing that. Um, and thank you to all of you for tuning in once again. Thank you very much to Ioanni on JCheck. We appreciate it. Congratulations. Thank you very much to Francis Nganu. Thank you very much to Tyron Woodley. All the best to him. Good luck to Rory McDonald. On Friday, thank you very much to Joanne Calderwood. Great to talk to her once again. Thank you very much to Michael Chiesa. Good luck on June 25th. And of course, thank you very much to one Herb Dean for clearing the air and for being transparent. Thank you very much to Henry Cejudo. Get well soon. Hope to see him back sooner rather than later. And thank you very much to Darren Williams and the good folks over at 4 to 7 May for stopping by. How cool was that? Back next week. Same time and place. Until then, I say peace.